Ooh. Oh, look at that. We're gonna have to do it this way. Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast, hosted and sponsored by the members of GrandTheftWorld.com. It's January 1st, 2023. This is episode 113. We got a lot of news to cover this week. You guys had a slow week because it's like a holiday week, but the news didn't stop getting weirder and weirder. So we're going to start off with stories. Uh, it's just a sample of what we'll cover for the next six or seven hours as we take the news and we juxtapose it with the facts, the evidence that which exists and get a clearer understanding so we can make better understand uh, better decisions in life. So uh, we'll cover stories like uh, you might have heard of Peter Hotez. He's the one of the authority, uh, you know, uh, obey the authority type of people on vaccines. He's made several appearances on the Joe Rogan show over the years. Uh, in the recent appearance that he made in the past week, we got to have some further insight into the, the depth of knowledge and breadth of wisdom that Peter Hotez is bringing to the table. Turns out we could also start taking nutritional guidance and advice from him because for him, nutrition has no connection to health. And vaccines are the solution to everything, even though he's got some situations that might bring about questioning of that. But the juxtaposition, the double think is not a problem for him. And that was made clear this week. Uh, I saw the clip on uh, The Last American Vagabond, Ryan Christian and uh, Allison Morrow. I think we're, we're discussing this clip. So we'll take, take a look at that uh, tonight. But also alongside of that, we found out that the United States, United States government, Fauci especially, <laughs> Fauci especially ordered uh, people not to do autopsies on the COVID death victims. And this includes people of a younger nature that were adversely affected. Although very few young people were adversely affected by the pandemic, many, many, many have been adversely affected by what people are pointing toward as maybe the vaccine. I know we just probably got the YouTube stream banned. That's right. It's a pirate stream. Sorry about that. We're going to talk about people being damaged, most likely, according to coroners and morticians and other people who are more and more coming out because now there's autopsies recently and they're starting to find things and they're getting together and talking. And this doesn't have anything to do with uh, Died Suddenly or that movie the other week. This has to do with, first off, there's a German parliamentary inquiry uh, and they've got a very uh, interesting clip that we've seen. It's it's in German with subtitles. We'll, we'll get to you some English uh, overlay for that this week. But they're actually accusing these deaths, uh, excess mortality rate rising in all these countries. They're accusing it on the vaccines, on the jabs. So is that true? Is that going to be fleshed out by science? Is that a spurious uh, argumentation made by some parliamentarian with a grudge? We don't know. We're going to have to get into the news later and see about that. Now, there's also news alongside that that Fauci was saying, uh, you know, not to do these autopsies, that is alongside, it's a separate issue from the sudden rise in excess mortality across all these countries in the, you know, 15 to 25% range. So they're trying to make these connections, what's causing all these deaths, but there's also the guy who said, don't study the deaths. And I'm not saying those two things are connected, though history might show they might be connected. There's also a good story this week. Uh, what George Soros doesn't want you to know about the Hunter Biden laptop, and there might be some overlap between those activities in Ukraine by Soros and the activities in Ukraine by NATO and the activities in Ukraine by Hunter Biden and uh, Metabiota, his, uh, you know, the, the group that was funding those labs over there that were doing things like testing COVID and testing COVID vaccines and bio labs that aren't supposed to be there. But Victoria Newland, who works with Jeffrey Pyatt and George Soros to start the war in Ukraine in the first place, says there's nothing to see there. So there's a lot to get into with just a little story like that. Also, this past week, we got the news that a man named Andrew Tate was arrested 
was arrested. You find out later he's detained and you find out later it's him and his brother. And this is someone who was not on anyone's radar really last year, but through successful marketing campaigns and these sort of things became the most searched man on Google. So before you go searching, who is Andrew Tate? Know that you're not the first person to do that or ask that question this week, this month, this year. And that suddenly his outspoken nature started during COVID escalated through Elon Musk putting him back on Twitter and kind of climaxed with him saying a whole bunch of things to Greta Thunberg the other day, which then coincidentally resulted in his arrest, his, the raiding of his uh, palatial home in Romania uh, and the incarceration of him and his brother for who knows how long. I don't think they're free yet. So uh, the connection between Greta's tweets and tweet back and the, the pizza boxes, there was a bunch of speculation, all these things this week. You got to ask yourself, is that a distraction? Is the whole thing distraction or is is Tate, a, you know, quasi businessman out there giving advice and then also maybe speaking truth to power in ways that somebody picked up the phone and said, take this guy off the streets, give him a hard time. They've already tried to cancel him. Tate has been on the record in the past of saying they, they cancel you, then they arrest you, then they kill you. So he's like at step two. So we'll look at stories like that tonight, even if. If, if it's a distraction, then what are they distracting us from? What should we be looking at? These sort of things we can also look at throughout the evening. But we got other stories like the World Economic Forum has come up with this idea of 15-minute cities. Why does a city have a time length? Oh, because the city is as big as you can walk from you know 15 minutes. Everything you need for the rest of your life is going to be within 15-minute walk. And you might say, well, what about my car? Well, you don't need a car because you're going to own nothing and you're going to like it. And part of their plan is creating these new type of camps where, you know, a city where everything you need is within 15 minutes, just like uh, olden days, Nazi times. They're trying to recreate that and bring that style back. Klaus already speaks like somebody who could wear an SS uniform. And now you're starting to see their plan is not that different from national socialism. They just put the world, the, the word world in front of it. World socialism, the Great Reset. Uh, is their plan. So it, we might also have the opportunity later tonight to check in with someone who's uh, in charge of a counter plan to the Great Reset. You got the Greater Reset over here. We might get to talk to John Bush later tonight and uh, speak some truth to power in a way that doesn't lead to uh, you know all of us getting raided during the conversation. Let's hope for the best. All right. Other stories we got to get to tonight. Uh, the German uh, I mentioned the German inquest. All right. So we're all done with the, the, the top of the, the show clips. Let's go to Luke Radowski of wearechange.org and thebestpoliticalshirts.com to get his Sunday broadcast on world events. And uh, the first one that starts out, it's, it's going to take a minute for it to develop. Let's just watch it together and see. Over 100 countries are in some stage of developing a central. Oh, 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 
totalitarian top-down system. Definitely trustworthy. History tells us this all the time. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Okudowski here of wearechange.org. And happy freaking new year. We got a lot of craziness to get into in 2023. As of course, the lunacy, the insanity, the instability does not stop here. And it only gets crazier as in this video. We're going to be going over all the latest news happening right now, especially domestically, with a larger perspective and focus on the Pope, the Rothschilds coming together and re-envisioning capitalism. This, as one of the major banks and institutions calling for it, is in a very sticky situation. We're going to be talking about that, plus a lot more. If you like the shirt that I'm wearing, you can get it on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. And the clip that we played in the beginning of this broadcast was just kind of randomly shared on Twitter. Twitter by at Wall Street Sliv, but it looks like it was a video made specifically by at Para Bonfana. We're going to put that down in the description below, especially if she has a YouTube channel because her clip describing central bank digital currencies hit the nail on the head when it comes to describing the larger dangers our society faces, especially when it comes to more people getting more power, more control over everyone else. You ever heard about the creature from Jekyll Island, the U.S. Federal Reserve? Yeah, lots of things to talk about. We're going to be talking about the banking situation in just a little bit. All of this as there is a clear mental health crisis unfolding here in the United States that is becoming worse and worse by the year. This as there's even some new studies showing how there's an increase of anxiety and depression, especially when it comes to picking the lesser of two evil puppets controlled by sinister dark forces who don't give a damn about you. And and, and gee, I, I wonder why. All of this after PSYOP, after PSYOP, people had had enough. And hey, this could be why independent media is doing better than uh, ever, as of course, we even had our own advertisements in Times Square. Yes, you heard that correctly. My mean mug, along with the graphene crystal merchant, and of course, the beanie man were prominently highlighted in yesterday's Times Square during New Year's Eve, promoting, of course, the podcast Timcast IRL that I co-host for and with purchasing advertisements in Times Square you also got a party with that which uh, me and the beanie crew actually attended last night and then uh, we'd noticed during the party that there was a more significant tense NYPD presence which we now know was because of a radical Islamist attack according now to the many news sources reporting of this of a young 19 year old extremist using a machete on two rookie NYPD police officers. This as dozens of people were caught running away from the madness. This as, of course, the perp was shot in the shoulder and was rushed to a local hospital later to be identified and, surprise, surprise, was also known to the FBI. We've heard that statement uh, many times, but now we're getting official confirmation from the Daily Mail that he was on an FBI watch list and was an individual that even publicly talked about how he wanted to go fight in Afghanistan. Showing you just how fast, just how crazy things could change in a matter of moment. In related crazy people news, in Switzerland, there's a proposal that's going to be on a referendum that will call for very strict immigration controls in that country in order to limit the population of that country to 10 million people, all, of course, to quote, save the environment. This says, of course, Switzerland is a semi-direct democracy where people get to vote on popular referendums and if enough people vote for them, they become law. Will this become the latest law of Switzerland? Well, 
Only time will tell. In other related crazy people news in the United Kingdom, The Telegraph is reporting that women now in prison will face extra criminal charges and a longer jail time if they, of course, misgender a fellow inmate, calling them, quote, he or him. Yes, you heard that correctly. This is rules that are being explained under the equity rules where women are told specifically, when we put in inmates with male genitalia into your cell, you better not use the wrong pronouns or you're going to be staying longer with that person with male genitalia inside of that prison cell. Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely seems fair there. In other absolute crazy news, left-wing crazy lady Cher has a major case of the flu, which she's blaming somehow on... Uh, people not taking a procedure against another sickness. All of this as very interestingly, a lot of mainline doctors and scientists that are usually regurgitated on the corporate media are reporting that in New York City, there is a very new dangerous variant coming out of here and here only. This says it's, it's important to note here that there have been more procedures giving out, more medical intervention, in New York City than almost any other place on the face of this earth. And now we're hearing that in this place of compliance, in this place where people did almost everything that they were told to do, the nanny state that is New York, that willingly obeyed with every procedure, every mandate, every action that the government told them to do. The government told them to jump, they said, how high? And now, according to some of these mainline medical professionals, there's a new variant, XBB.1.5, that is, quote, rapidly spreading predominantly out of the place that did everything that they were told to do. Gee, what a coincidence. And of course, we kind of explained on our own website, LukeUncensored.com, what really is kind of going on here, what the other scientific discussions and understanding of this is. But I have to stop it here and save that for a topic of discussion for tomorrow. As of today, we wanted to remind you about the bestpoliticalshirts.com. In December of 2020, there was a very interesting article released by Quartz detailing how there was a new Rothschild coalition coming together that involved the Vatican, the Pope, major banks like Bank of America, major corporations like BP, Estee Lauder, Johnson & Johnson, financial institutions like MasterCard, big pharma organizations like Merck, and many others like Salesforce, Visa, and of course, let's not forget the Rockefeller Foundation that were all teaming up under a new coalition being organized by Lynn Foster D. Rothschild that was, quote, going to re-envision capitalism and create a new world financial order. Now, why am I saying this? Why am I bringing this up now? As, of course, this was two plus years ago. Well, after this kind of larger announcement, there have been a lot of crazy things that have been happening with our financial institutions. There's been a larger promotion about the ideas of the ESG a corporate social credit score that has been promoting woke ideologies all in the name of equity when in reality they're they're pushing larger woke ideologies that destroy the family unit and promotes more kind of behavior that makes people better consumers all of this while of course also debanking a whole bunch of individuals as we have seen since this announcement that many high profile individuals whether it was yay whether it was the pillow guy whether it was canadian truckers 
daring to, of course, peacefully protest. All of these individuals, along with many other political pundits, YouTubers, commentators, people in the political sphere, have been debanked and had their bank accounts shut down, frozen, and have been unable to financially transact out of some of the biggest financial institutions in this world. All of this, as of course everyone recently now is talking about Andrew Tate and his recent arrest. Before this, they were all talking about Ye and Kanye West. All of this, as we have to understand, these larger financial institutions have a long history and record of doing some extremely awful things. So for them to, to sit on the high chair here and declare their larger involvement in our society, programming it to their liking, promoting wokeness, promoting degeneracy, promoting the destruction of our social order, we have to remember that these people have a very long history of doing some absolutely awful, horrible things. As now, the U.S. Virgin Islands is officially going after J.P. Morgan and Chase, filing a lawsuit against them on December 27th of last year, saying that J.P. Morgan Chase, quote, knowingly facilitated, sustained, and concealed Mr. Epstein's human trafficking operation that they financially benefited from. Now, of course, if you know, we've been reporting on this for a very long time, specifically bringing up, hey, why didn't Deutsche Bank, why didn't Brown Brothers and Harriman, why didn't J.P. Morgan and Chase actually do something here? As, of course, they're there was huge amounts of money being moved back and forth illegally in many ways, breaking rules, breaking regulations, breaking reporting guidelines. How is it possible that a man that no one knows where his money came from was able to move such huge sums of money without any kind of larger accounting or transparency behind it? Why was he able to continue to, of course, take small children, put them on an island, and then invite his very powerful friends to do whatever they wanted to him. Why was he able to do that? Well, he had a lot of money. Why did he have a lot of money? He had a lot of access to money. Why did he have a lot of access to money? Why was he able to move money around like no one else was without any kind of reporting or, or regulation? Well, those are questions that I think everyone should be asking themselves as this lawsuit is, is, is a major lawsuit. This lawsuit is accusing the financial institutions of playing a major key role in this, the same institutions that are trying to tell you how morally you should be living your life. This, as of course, also other people who were abused by Jeffrey Epstein are coming forward and are suing JP Morgan and Chase and Deutsche Bank in two actual separate lawsuits saying that they also participated and assisted in the larger trafficking operation that was happening here. And they wouldn't be the only major institution in our society that, of course, played a major significant role here. As, of course, many local police departments, many judges, many prosecutors, Many politicians, all in one way or another, were playing a very key active role here in this larger operation that was run by this front man, Mr. Epstein. This, as the Daily Mail is even calling it the Bank of Epstein, detailing a long history of controversies with the bank, as they, of course, just paid off Harry and Meghan Merkel in order to give a speech to them. This, as of course, their practices have been blamed on triggering financial crises. They worked with other scam artists artists like Bernie Madoff before. And holy cow, what's what's really happening with JP Morgan and Chase? What's happening behind the scenes? How involved are they? Well, I think we're going to be finding out with some disclosures from these two major bombshell legal court proceedings that are going to be moving forward in 2023 that we, of course, are going to be keeping a very close eye on. All of this as of course, the big banks are trying to squash these lawsuits. And hey, 
For us, at least that's something to look forward to in 2023. And hopefully the victims here and the people coming forward trying to get some actual justice for this larger travesty, for this larger controversy, for, of course, these major institutions playing some kind of role here is, I think, one reason more than ever why we should not go along with them tracking, watching, and keeping even more control of us through central bank digital currencies, which, of course, they plan to institute and roll out with their full participation, which essentially will mean the full enslavement of humanity. But hey, that's just my own personal opinion. That's my take on it. What do you think? Let me know down in the comment section below. All right. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, a lot has happened since last week. We did the, the show on Monday night and it was right after Christmas time. So not everybody was able to see the live stream last Monday, but I hope you had a nice holiday off. And now that we're in 2023, uh, we had a late, late takeoff tonight because of some tech issues. Uh, our streamer, we rent some streaming from one of the autonomy graduates, Cody. He had put a new hard drive in the machine. We had to adjust some audio settings. We won't bore you with that, but I will say that unlike Southwest, we were late, but at least we took off. So uh, with that, let's touch on some of the things that Luke talked about during his video. He mentioned uh, the Rothschild Coalition having this partnership with the Vatican. Now, I would like to point you over here to the history blueprint because we could dig in to uh, this other part about J.P. Morgan and where did J.P. Morgan get their money from in the first place? And Junius Spencer Morgan, did he work in the British uh, Street, you know, uh, City of London banking establishment? We're not going to ask those questions. Let's go straight to the source. Uh, 2014, there was a conference on inclusive capitalism sponsored by Rothschild and Company involving the Rockefeller Foundation and uh, Sir Evelyn de Rothschild's bank and al along with his wife, Lady Lynn Forrester to Rothschild, who's like best friends with Hillary Clinton and found throughout the WikiLeaks, if you were to search the DNC leaks or Clinton leaks, you'd find a lot of interesting emails on the topic. But the point is, Lynn Forrester to Rothschild got up <clears throat> and they had this conference. And I think maybe the conference was in France, May 2014. And Christine Lagarde of the IMF, International Monetary Fund, she gets up at the podium and she basically says one third of the world's investable wealth is in this room. And we have the responsibility as the wealthiest people in the world to eradicate poverty. And we're going to use our wealth and yada, yada, yada. They called it the Coalition for Inclusive Capitalism. And the website is still up. They have the power to build dynamic. We can go to the web page here in a second. Let me see if I can just uh, if I trigger this, press this button. Let's see. Does it work? coming up there it is capitalism done right has the power to build a fair more dynamic and sustainable world got all the keywords in here got all the hallmarks right these sort of things and if you were to go about our work and about us contact us these sort of things they've cleaned it up but if you go back in 2014 they were showing openly who their partners were and what big banks and world funds and these sort of things they're working with now now of course it's grown because of it didn't really take off back in the day, but because of the pandemic and because this runs parallel to the World Economic Forum and the Club of Rome, their agenda for the Great Reset, it reignited. It was like a, a fire that was almost out and reignited during the pandemic. And all of a sudden, now the Pope's on board. All these other big banks are willing to sign on because they saw the other end of the tunnel. See, when these guys pitched it, when Forrester to Rothschild pitched it in 2014, they... 
they didn't have they didn't have the vision in the audience to really take it to market like the rich people had the vision but the poor people that they're trying to get to buy into the vision didn't have that they needed a, a vehicle just like the pandemic and sure enough almost made to order like uh the vehicle showed up during the pandemic and then these groups get in in, in behind two things you got the the commons pass the idea of a digital passport is going to have you, not just your medical records, but all these other things that they need for the track trace database. So they can also run that through social credit score and limit your access to technologies, thus leading to you'll be uh, you'll own nothing and be happy. You'll be in your little 15 minute hamster city doing your little hamster activities. And the few free people who live a, a rural lifestyle will continue to be under attack, not protected by people who can't protect themselves anymore. So, you know. They're looking to disarm the entire planet to have everybody at the, the beck and call of a not local authority. So you have no local accountability. If you have no checks and balances, if you don't have representative government, if you don't have the ability to protect your own rights and property, you are somebody else's property. And they have more slavery today than ever in history. And uh, it, it, that's that's been a problem. So it was uh, it was good for Luke to bring some of those ideas back to uh, the front because they are covering it more openly these days that the Rothschilds and the Vatican <clears throat> have this partnership together. Are they together forever? We'll see. Maybe they have common agendas. You know, if we have uh, freedom on our minds, maybe there's a common agenda on the other side to eradicate freedom. And I think over the years, we've started to see some of these groups start to work very close knit with each other, whether it's inclusive capitalism or the world economic forum or CDC or WHO, it seems to just be a few players involved in all these places making all this mischief. And inclusive capitalism is just a euphemism for stakeholder capitalism that the world economic forum and Klaus Schwab in particular uh, promotes all the time. So these are just various euphemisms. Um, sometimes equivocations well, it, uh, to, yeah, Depending it's good. on this... the definition, because it's just about really eradicating the fundamentals of capitalism itself in the name of diversity, inclusion, equity, all these sort of buzzwords that they're using throughout the uh, culture. And we know politics and economics is downstream from culture, so they can influence people's perceptions culturally. They're going to be able to influence the way people then buy and sell within a market and produce well, capital. And one of the ways that you can instantly corrupt capitalism is let's put another word in front of it, like inclusive or stakeholder exactly. or any of these other things. Cause it basically says he who, who, he who makes the rules or owns the gold makes the rules. That's what stakeholder means. It means IBM and the fortune 100 companies that all participate in eugenics and globalism, they're going to set the tone and the United States uh, constitution is going to go bye-bye. And the bill of rights is going to seem like a myth told in the camps in the future. How did people ever have that much freedom? It must've been dangerous. Oh, look, and they'll select little things out of the news. Like, oh, look at this guy, machete attack in, in New York City. That was dangerous back then for people to have long knives or to be accessed like, to that many other people at once or whatever they make up in the future because they're totalitarian and despotic unless we learn our way out of these things. So yeah, yeah they're definitely exactly setting right. a trend and they're letting us know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's whether or not you'll be included in their quote-unquote capitalist system of the future, which is really a version of technocracy. So, Yeah. Well, a way out, we need to look at solutions at the same time because it's 2023 and we need to get a good, strong start. So uh, coming up, not next weekend, but I think the weekend after, January 15th, we're hosting a, a mindset seminar 
and then we're going to have a, a goal setting workshop. So the seminar is on the mindset you need to get progress. So you'd actually formulate a goal for yourself. The workshop is one-on-one -on -one, uh, tutorial. Like we're going to give you some structure and then you're going to work out with another person and some guidance who's been there and done that like a Sherpa. They're going to help guide you toward these goals. And you're going to be able to have a plan when you walk out of that meeting of what you'd like to do now in this first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. And at least you'll have a first draft of your goals. <clears throat> and then it's your job to attach those goals to your schedule and your calendar and build up the internal fortitude and the discipline to be able to show up for yourself consistently and provide value into the market if you're looking to extract value from the market in the form of payment and, and having money to do things in life. And money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does buy you peace of mind and mobility these days. And as they crunch down with all these rules and regulations, they're going to squeeze people who can't afford it first. So doing yourself a favor, the Mindset Seminar is free access. If you'd like the workshop where we're going to do one-on-one -on -one for a couple hours with the help and uh, tutelage of some leadership, uh, that's 47 bucks. It's easy. If you're interested, it's an easy price for you to say yes to. LD, uh, what's the URL for that? I'm sharing it out uh, to universityofreason.mykajabi.com forward slash Richard dash Grove. Yeah, so click the link in the description. It sounds like. Dash workshop. Yeah. I used a bit.ly when I tweeted it out earlier. If you want to go to my Twitter, it's also in my last couple tweets today. Prior to the show, I'll have more tweets probably throughout the show because now I can do such things during clips. All right. So um, the mindset uh, workshop, uh, what does it include, LD? What do you got a list over there? Well, I just have the information that it's uh, Sunday, January 15th from uh, 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's a two-part two event and the mindset and goal setting workshop, as you said, it's $47. And that goes from 1 until 3 p.m. Eastern time, January 15th. Yeah, so if you want the mindset part to show up from 1 to 2, and then if you get into the workshop, you go through the mindset part for free, you go into the workshop from 2 to 3, or th 1 to 3, sorry, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on the 15th. Those who want accurate numbers, just go to the website. And I'll mention at this point, early on in the show, I've already done a live stream for six hours today, working out with autonomy students and Q&A and other exercises as they prepare to graduate. So I'm here with a smile on my face, but I still might be a little mentally fogged and fatigued. But uh, yeah, let's move forward. So without further ado, let's go to Christy Lee with this week in media malfeasance. We'll get her summary and then we'll start breaking open individual stories and see what they have hidden inside. Just real quick. Yeah, she has. Uh, I don't know if she's doing the media malfeasance anymore, but she has these daily briefs that Love she's been doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. LD, I would just say play the two. She released them, I think, two days ago, back to back. They pretty much cover a meet what a media malfeasance would cover. So, they're like five Thank minutes you, each. Tony. Yep. Okay. Tony Myers, bridging the gap. So, that could be his segment, just bridging the gap. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Former President Donald Trump's tax returns are officially released. Coming up on Christie Lee's Daily Brief, hear what the tax returns reveal. 
Plus, the Kevin McCarthy compromise, how some establishment Republicans are trying to push through McCarthy to become the next Speaker of the House. The funding of false belief banning and how Chase Bank has allegedly protected pedos. Starting today with Trump's tax returns, the House committee has released them this after years of blocks and appeals. The Democratic-led committee had been working to gain access to the unredacted 2015 to 2020 returns to investigate whether Trump violated the Constitution by accepting payments from foreign governments while in office, according to Daily Caller. Congressional Democrats first subpoenaed the documents in 2019 after his former attorney, Michael Cohen, testified that he misrepresented his net worth. CNN reports Trump paid $750 in income tax in 2017 and none in 2020, yet $1.1 million in federal income taxes in 2018 and 2019. A 2021 Business Insider article notes most former U.S. presidents, including Barack Obama, George Bush, and Bill Clinton, make bank after leaving the White House, but not Trump. His net worth actually went down during the course of his presidency. Trump has referred to the obsession to gain access to his tax returns as a deranged political witch hunt. And he warns, quote, this precedent must now be applied to the corrupt Democrats themselves. The new Republican House should immediately obtain the financial records of Joe Biden and his entire political enterprise, because that's exactly what it is. Freedom Caucus considers keeping Kevin and Pelosi's House rules, according to the national file. It says some members are negotiating away the House rules established by Thomas Jefferson that kept the lower House accountable to voters. A compromise is being considered to make Kevin McCarthy the next Speaker of the House and involves keeping Nancy Pelosi's rules while adding a watered-down version of the crucial motion to vacate the chair. Rep. Lauren Bobart shared some thoughts on this move earlier this month. We have to have a, a, an accountability mechanism on the Speaker of the House. This is third in command for the presidency of the United States of America, and we are going to strip away the one check and balance that members of Congress have on the Speaker of the House. And by the way, this was a precedent that Nancy Pelosi started. Nancy Pelosi changed the rules with motion to vacate, and she stripped that individual authority away from each member of Congress. The deal to install McCarthy as Speaker comes on the heels of the omnibus betrayal Senate Republicans took away the House's budgetary capability by joining Democrats to sign a one-year budget just before Republicans are set to retake the purse strings and Pelosi's gavel. McCarthy is already calling himself Speaker-elect, but the number of votes he needs is not secure. Rep. Andy Biggs is challenging him for the role. Another way to control and impede our freedom of speech. The U.S. government is funding research on correcting false beliefs according to Reclaim the Net. The funding is in partnership with those always reliable fact checkers. In July of last year, the National Science Foundation funded a project titled How False Beliefs Form and How to Correct Them. Since then, more than 500000 has been allocated to a grant to address, quote, the urgent need to understand the real-world effects of misinformation on people's beliefs and how to best correct false beliefs. You've heard multiple stories now of conservatives or wrong-think culprits getting their bank accounts shut down, but if you're a pedophile, don't worry about it. 
Breitbart reports the U.S. Virgin Islands is claiming J.P. Morgan Chase turned a blind eye to Jeffrey Epstein's trafficking ring. The AG of the U.S. Virgin Islands has filed a federal lawsuit that alleges that J.P. Morgan Chase benefited from Epstein's sex trafficking operation and helped conceal activities that occurred on his property. It says the bank did this by failing to properly comply with federal regulations on records and reporting that might have tipped off Epstein's activities to U.S. officials before they eventually came to light. The AG argues that J.P. Morgan Chase should have thought twice before allowing Epstein to become a client, given that he pleaded guilty to a sex-related charge involving a minor in Florida in 2008. Epstein banked with J.P. Morgan Chase for about 15 years before the bank dropped him as a client in 2013. So to sum up, former President Trump's tax returns are out. The precedent is set Who's next? Any hope of the GOP actually taking an aggressive approach to turn the fate of our country around is fading as more deals and compromises are being made, including keeping Kevin and sticking with Pelosi rules. More money is going toward ways to combat misinformation, a word we rarely ever even heard three years ago, and leave it to our financial institutions to shut down freedom fighters while protecting pedos. To learn more, be sure to go to AmericanFaith.com and subscribe to our daily newsletter. For American Faith, news you can trust, I'm Christy Lee. Funny how they protect us. It's just like an unceasing, almost like the government ordered Epstein to be protected type of thing. You know, because when the government came out during COVID and said to do certain things, everyone obeys. So it's almost like none of these news channels. Have, I mean, when Amy Robach had the, you know, the leaked footage of her talking about maybe we can even find that footage. She's she's on stage, but she thinks the camera's off. And she was talking about the Epstein story. And this had to be July 2019. Uh, and she said, we had that story in 2016. And then we got a call from Buckingham Palace and they told us to not to run it if we ever wanted to interview the Royals again for the network. Right. So it was a threat to the network from Buckingham Palace that was protecting Epstein because we know Prince Andrew, who hasn't been seen recently, uh, you know, he had a lot to do with Epstein and that Ghislaine was Epstein's contact to the royal family modern days but he did have direct contact with the royal family starting in the 1970s before he was involved in iran contra and arms dealing on behalf of the anglo-american establishment so there's a lot too just like the epstein story but that's not the point of the show tonight epstein yeah i remember the amy robach yeah that was uh very fascinating at the time and it was abhorrent in a way because she seemed to be more upset that her story got squashed more right. than the allegations. The, so, yeah. right, that the so it's more about are, her ego. Yeah, children being abused. It wasn't, you know, but she was trying to take it to market, but she, it was like, it yeah. was like it hurt her career. And then I yeah. think it did hurt her career because that got leaked. Yeah, it did actually. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So she said the quiet part out loud on tape and they leaked it and no more career for you for a while. People have to learn to forget. Well, we're not going to forget Fauci anytime soon. And the next clip we're going to play comes from uh, Clayton Morris over at Redacted. And there's there's a couple of interesting clips that he's going to showcase in what you're about to see. The first, uh, you're going to see, uh, I think the inquiry from Germany is in there, but also the accusations about uh, from Robert Malone and the coroner in there. So we've heard in that movie, Died Suddenly, you saw morticians in that movie, not coroners. 
And when now, when in comparison to that, not saying that movie's true or false, I'm just saying it exists. Now over here, we have a guy who's a coroner who says the government told all the coroners not to uh, perform autopsies on people with the uh, the COVID. So let's check out the clip. Let's weigh the evidence and see what, what I think we're also going to need to go to the John Campbell clip. That's also probably referred at the end of this. There's a couple of things we'll have to dig into to see what's the substance and what can we take away. But this is new, interesting information that is relevant and substantive so far. So let's consider it and uh, do some thinking afterwards. So we've been tracking the sudden spike of excess deaths uh, this year around the world. We've been covering this story for a long time now. Why are country after country experiencing sudden unexpected deaths? Question. I'll, I'll throw it out to you. You let me know your thoughts on this. Well, now we can add Germany to this list. Germany. Should we define excess deaths? Uh, okay, go ahead. Because we, we're not talking about deaths that are happening given, you know, related to any given thing. Uh, the government sort of tracks normal death rates, birth and death rates around normal events, such as normally you get babies born in September because people conceive those babies around the holidays, that kind of thing. You get more drunk driving uh, accidents around certain times of the month, for instance. And so the algorithm will give you a national average. And in most countries, we are seeing that average spike um, in recent months. Yeah, recent months. So it's all across the board right now. So now we can add Germany to this list. Germany, excess deaths up 19%, according to the most recent data. Uh, vice president, parliament, parliamentary vice president calling for an investigation now into deaths and damages after the pathologists who examined these bodies at autopsy all said, hey, 30 percent of them all had one thing in common. He's saying that he's a doctor, he's a pathologist in Germany. They're calling for a parliamentary investigation. Watch this German news report. Gründen der deutlichen Übersterblichkeit und auch Bundestagsvize Wolfgang Kubicki will es jetzt wissen. Im Interview mit der Welt fordert er jetzt eine Obduktion und Überprüfung von Todesfällen nach der Corona-Impfung. Kubicki bezieht sich dabei auf eine Studie von Heidelberger Pathologen Peter Schirmacher, der herausgefunden hatte, dass bei 30 Prozent aller von ihm untersuchten Fälle die Impfung die Todesursache gewesen sei. So that's what the pathologist is saying. He's a doctor. And he's... He's saying this based on observation and asking for yeah. examination. He's seeing this in the autopsies. And asking for investigations. Yeah. So we're seeing this across the board now. We should probably maybe look into this and have an actual investigation. Allow, be allowed to freaking talk about it. Censorship, baby. Not allowed to talk about it. Do a Google search. Go to Yahoo News. Try to do searches. You can't find it. It's suppressed. That's why. German badass... Christine Anderson wants answers for her country and Europe and the world. She's a member of European Parliament from Germany. She asks this question. When these vaccines became available, we were promised it would prevent contraction and transmission of COVID-19. All governments around the world, EU Commission, everyone, basically repeated that, began harassing and intimidating people so they would take that promised game changer. Well, it turns out it was fake news, wasn't it? Somebody lied, and I want to know who lied. Well, why are we just hearing about this? Why are we just hearing well, about can this? I, 
Can I say careful. really quick that I want to? I, I just want to give kudos to Twitter because I'm seeing this information now on Twitter, and they have like released all the the guidelines on uh, yeah uh, COVID. So it's like now I'm getting information that I had to go elsewhere to try to find yeah. on Twitter. So kudos to that. At least the conversation is happening there. And things are being allowed to trend, which weren't mm -hmm. allowed before. Hashtags around questioning the vaccination program. Uh, so, yes, this is I mean, it's very interesting to see certain trends that were obviously suppressed before. Yeah. And certain trends that were being amplified, like we learned this afternoon, you, uh, war in Ukraine, Ukraine war was being amplified because of the pro-Ukrainian Twitter army uh, working at Twitter. Uh, so certain things were being amplified. Uh, and yes, we know what certain things were being suppressed. So why, you know, again, why are we just hearing about this? Uh, well, it's been suppressed specifically on YouTube. Watch Dr. John Campbell get all tongue-tied, not being able to talk about this. And he shows us over the past few days, YouTube's guidelines. And I love that he wrote them in Comic Sans font. Watch this. So serious under reporting. Now, um, Google YouTube guidelines, just so you know, a reminder of what's going on here. Now, these haven't changed. And uh, the YouTube guideline here written in Comic uh, Sans Script um, <laughs> claims that an approved COVID-19 vaccine will cause death, infertility, miscarriage, autism or uh, contraction of another infectious disease. I'm not allowed to say any of those. So I'm going to uh, stop reporting on that particular paper at this point. Because I want to follow, I have to follow YouTube guidelines. Um so isn't that amazing? Like, uh, what I love is that he does that. He puts up Comic Sans, you know, to make a point. It's like, I'm not going to talk about it, but you know what's going on. So now is a peer-reviewed paper, and I have to stop talking about yeah. academics. Here's a peer-reviewed scientific paper that he's keep reporting on, and I can't talk about it because their well, guidelines won't let us talk about it. And he's not just a YouTuber. This guy is a guy that has the, the credentials to be able to talk about it. He is a yes. medical professional. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, and so I would love to know, like, who on YouTube staff is a medical professional? Like, do you have like a team of doctors? No, YouTube has always just sort of deferred to the CDC. Whatever the CDC says, you can't violate, you can't speak against. Or the WHO. Yeah. So you can't go against. Oh, so, so that means that means we should be able to talk about the, the thing on that died suddenly documentary then now right um i don't know no no, no because because they haven't updated so yes even though the cdc and the who have now pointed out things on their websites youtube's still not caught up so you just got to get you know it's oh. like a it's like a slow they're like really slow on this yeah. unfortunately it's like waiting for ios 16 it's like they're still in beta or whatever yeah for the actual release so Germany is not uh, alone in these huge spikes in F excess deaths. Why are we just hearing about this? I'll ask that question again. Well, according to news reports from U.S. doctors, we're also learning that Dr. Fauci told coroners in the United States not to carry out autopsies. This is Dr. Ryan Cole, who admitted that Fauci was telling doctors, sorry, not necessary, don't do autopsies, watch. So what's happened to the autopsy, Ryan? Well, Anthony Fauci told our government to tell people don't do autopsies on COVID patients. You cannot find that for which you do not look. 
I have a post-vaccine. So, um, wow. Yeah. And I uploaded a separate video that I had beeped. I don't know why that's, uh, not there. I made specific, specifically, I even added beeps and everything today on it, but, uh, Oh, that, that was the one. Remember I told you at the last minute I grabbed one and cause it was all squashed and weird looking. Oh, much, oh. So it must not have carried through the beep. Okay. <laughs> what? Well, he didn't say, no, I cut him off. Yeah. So I beeped out. Um, so anyway, but I wish I had that video now. Do you have it that you can play it even though it's squished? We can fix it uh, later in check. post. Give me a second. Because I specifically spent like a half an hour adding in beeps because to take out key moments of this. But this is a key moment here. So Dr. Cole, I'll give you kind of a little rundown here. I, he's explaining the people that he's now seeing in his practice. He's a coroner. So these are people who are not talking anymore, who he's talking to or he's, he's, he's dealing with. Uh, these people all had something in common. Um, and he's saying we were told not to be able to talk about this and not even perform. Does these. he have any proof of that? Does he talk about proof of how what? the, the autopsy? No, how Fauci sent this mandate to not. I'm sure he does. Yeah, I haven't asked him specifically. I've invited him does, on the show. Okay, but uh, I'd love to know specifically yes, how these coroners because same. there's. I've heard this now from multiple different sources on coroners who have not been performing. We have other sources here we're going to show you in just a second. But so we have the squished version of this well, now. And, and I was just going to say real quick, I don't think like the, a guy like that, you have to understand, like if you're speaking to power that can destroy your reputation, you better have your your ducks in a row. And I'm sure he knew that. And so he wouldn't be saying that, I, I don't think, otherwise, unless he had proof, in my opinion. Yeah. OK. Uh, you know, I just that that's a big claim and it's a, it's an important part of this. And I would like to to see yeah. yeah so here is dr ryan cole again saying this um and we, by the way we've also heard the same in canada we've also heard the same in canada from from medical professionals in canada who have been saying that they've been asked not to mm. so this carries oh this is not just fauci uh, or it goes it's bigger than that but listen to dr cole beeped out this time with a little squished video here we apologize so what's happened to the autopsy well, Anthony Fauci told our government to tell people don't do autopsies on COVID patients. You cannot find that for which you do not look. I have a post nine-year-old on my desk, dead. I don't want to see one more child post ever on my desk. Are the autopsies starting to happen? You bet they are, finally, because people are saying, well, why wouldn't we do them? And in that same town from which this nine-year-old died, a healthy 22-year wrestler, wrestler, after his third is now also coming to be on my desk so I can determine the cause of death there. We're told don't do autopsies, don't look, and that's what your government is giving you for data. Don't don't ask, don't tell, don't look. And it's so interesting the type of data that we are allowed to talk about and the type of data that the media picks up on because I'm watching headlines all day. So these two studies that the CDC put out this week that showed some kind of statistical advantage of vaccination was very slight and it was more like, it was about statistics, it was not about trials. So the actual data 
they don't want. But if they can manipulate statistics, yeah. they want it oh, yeah, in order to feed into a pre-existing narrative. Just like the New York Times piece from a few weeks ago that came out that it was total. It was, it's been debunked now. They literally read the study wrong and wrote an article in reverse. It's been debunked now by multiple doctors. Like, no, no, you literally read the study wrong. What the study is telling you is the exact opposite of what the story you wrote. And then that went out to millions of people. That happens more than you think, you know, because I spend my time watching headlines, clicking through to the source and saying, that's, the exact that's opposite. not at all what, what this says. So good luck getting autopsies. County coroners have been refusing to carry out autopsies on these sudden death, sudden deaths among children. If you're a parent whose seven year old just dropped dead um, and the only thing out of the ordinary is that they went and got something done recently. Uh, you'd want to know what's going on. Like in Vegas, this family child's unexplained death and the refusal for an autopsy. Uh, this father who, you know, his seven-year-old daughter, Brianna, suddenly died in Las Vegas and the county coroner refused to do an autopsy. Listen to this father, heartbreaking, standing on her grave. And she just was an amazing little girl. She was full of life. She smiled all the time. I dropped her off to school on February uh, 16th, I believe. She had a stomach ache, and two days later, she passed away in the hospital. Uh, Clark County Coroner's Office, they refused to do an autopsy on her, so we don't know what's going on. It's been two years. I don't see how they wouldn't have wanted to know what happened to a seven-year-old little girl. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. We don't want to know. We don't want to know. So, All right. Well, uh, another study out of the Cleveland Clinic shows that uh, some interesting data about your risk of contracting COVID. Um, it does not tell us much about hospitalization or death or even severe COVID. The reason for that is because in this study of 51,000 people, no one had severe COVID, even the people who contracted it. So this, this study, again, it's a statistical analysis of actual people who had COVID or who had the vaccine. Um, it's not a human trial, but it's an interesting one. It says, and I'm quoting from the Cle Cleveland Clinic. That doesn't come out so easily. The higher the number of vaccines previously received, the higher the risk of contracting COVID-19. Further, the study found that the current bivalent vaccines were about 30% effective overall in protecting against infection of COVID when the Omicron BA4, BA5 lineages were the pre predominant circulating strains. Now take a look at their chart. So what you see here, I'm gonna explain these lines, is that uh, people who had no dose are black, the black line. Uh, the people who had one dose, this is the red line here. People who had two is the green. People who had three is blue. And then more than three doses is orange. Well, that's in order, you guys. If you look at, um, and this is a timeline, days since, since the study started. And then the uh, axis on the left is 
your who got COVID. Well, you can see that it's the orange line that is more likely to actually contract COVID than the people who are, are who have had no vaccinations at all, which is not what researchers expected to find. The researchers concede that this is not at all the only one to indicate that risk of infection may actually go up with more vaccinations. Now we've had doctors warn us, you can just deplete your immune system if you keep going with this vaccine. Uh, but now we have the data to prove it. This has also been observed. I don't wanna use the word prove, but we have observed this now. This has also been observed in studies in Germany, Israel, and the UK. Now, one explanation that the authors say is that um, maybe those who received more doses were more likely to be individuals at higher risk for COVID. So that's possible. Uh, but a small portion of individuals may have fit this description, they said. But when they actually dug into the data, they saw the majority of subjects in this study were generally young individuals. All were eligible to have received at least three doses of the vaccine by the study start date. Now, again, they could not infer anything about the vaccine preventing severe COVID because in this study of 51,000 people, there were too few severe illnesses for the study to be able to determine if the vaccine decreased severity of illness, uh, which you know, contradicts what we are being told that you should get this vaccine to prevent severe COVID or hospitalization. But if those cases are so rare, how do we know this? Uh, so, you know, the, the authors are saying we clearly need more studies about this because it does seem to show uh, what we've been warned about increasing numbers of vaccinations. Um, Again, it seems to be crickets about this on the mainstream media, though. Yeah, and the latest data on excess deaths, if Phil, if you want to take my uh, laptop screen here. So these are the latest data points for uh, countries around the world. So New Zealand, Norway, Poland are here at the top. You can see all the different countries along the, on the list here um, that provide these data points. And on the left-hand column is the week, right, the week of the year. So we're approaching, you know, getting the and by the way, we only have data up until the 40th week. So we're still waiting on data from the last few weeks, but it's all trending upward from a number of these countries. I mean, all across the board. So you can see 12 percent increase here. Um, and this is the column you want to look at excess death percentage, which is a change from the average. So let's just take a look. Go down the line here at Belgium. 12% increase, right? 23% increase here for Austria. 23% increase. Look at these last few weeks here of the of the of the of these particular months here through November, right? Um, Denmark, up from average, 17% increase, excess deaths. Um, just go here all the United States all the way here at the end, 13% increase. United Kingdom, 17% increase. Um, the list is goes on and on for these increases across the board for a lot of these countries. Uh, Slovenia, Portugal, 11% uh, increase in Portugal from 10, 12, 16, 15, 2.5 and 11%. So, you know, you can seek this data out yourself and you can look at these and wait for the, you know, specific country data points for these excess deaths. But why are we not investigating this? Why, why is, why is there not a international outcry? And only a few voices in the European Parliament and the uh, United Kingdom in front of their parliament and a few voices in the United States holding Senate hearings. That's it. Nothing. No outrage. No well, discussion about it. And, 
any of them that do stand up in their parliament or in these other countries, they're marginalized. They're like, oh, listen to crazy old Claire, um, Claire, uh, oh, no, I can't remember her, Daily, going on again about this crazy conspiracy stuff. Yeah. And they're just like laughing at them and everything. So it's like, you know, they, they do run the risk of, of damaging their careers, but these people don't care. And the thing is, if you go back and listen to them and lay it on the timeline and lay it on the actual data that people have been putting out there, they've been right the whole time. And that's very unfortunate. So we don't know exactly what to think of all that yet, but it seems like there's patterns emerging. And, you know, we went from talking about Borla and 95% effective down to what? They said 30% effective. Something it was like that. 100% 30%. effective, according to Borla in South Africa. So that was sure. the beginning of the vaccine rollout. Then it went down to 95. Then it went seems down. Seems like to- the more data we get, right, Tony? The worse it gets. It also seems where we get the data matters as well, whether it comes from Pfizer or the CDC or the WHO, or if it actually comes from independent researchers and journals and, you know, uh, What am I supposed to think of this Ryan, this Ryan Cole guy? Is he trustworthy? He's been a part of essentially the uh, Robert Malone, Peter McCullough, you know, um, Ryan Cole's been a part of it. He was part of the Senate hearings. People who actually Ron saved Johns lives. Okay. He's yeah. a pathologist. Yeah. All right. Um, so he's uh, someone who has, especially he has an intimate understanding of the immune system, if I remember correctly. I forget specifically his credentials. It's been a long time. Yeah, I, I heard his name, him. but that's the first time I've seen him on screen. With, uh, and I, I've watched him many times there. and he was uh, going on. His particular interest was in pseudouridine and the blood clotting issue, which then he was featured on that uh, died suddenly. But then there's a much better follow-up with that from both Chris Martinson, okay, um, so Brett Weinstein, remember- and then Del Bigtree actually interviewed Ryan Cole and did a little segment where he looked at blood samples and what the vaccine was doing to blood and Petri dishes and so forth and so on. So Yeah, there was, there was someone, we played a clip and they said something favorable about Ryan Cole. They're like, don't throw the baby out the bathwater with that movie. Because there are valuable people. Oh, I think and, Robert Malone was in it as well. There's a number of yeah. individuals that have are well credentialed and have expertise in that those fields of, or areas uh, of knowledge. But the way that movie was edited and presented was a bit hyperbolic. And yeah, it's a the little Stu bit, Peters version of yes, those interviews. You got it right. So with a like, lot of like non sequiturs embedded within it that may or may not connect to the overall global agenda. It just sort of was a mishmash of too many things and didn't stay as highly focused as it could have. And I think Chris Martinson, Brett Weinstein, and then later on Del Bigtree did a much more sat down and actually talked to these individuals in a non sort of fear-based environment and was able to really extricate what is going on in regards to what they're seeing as pathologists and experts in these areas of inquiry. That's a good lesson on filmmaking too. When you have an idea and you want to go out and make a film on that thing, it's like uh, creating a goal when you don't need to have a goal and you might end up taking steps to force things into that goal. So it's good to know when you just take steps with integrity and when to make goals, because as a filmmaker, like for state of mind, the psychology of control, the whole movie is made up from the interviews. So the script is taken from what the actual interview, like the people we interviewed said, and then, you know, put the script around that instead of Stu Peters sound like, cause he's made another documentary about the Cobra venom almost a year, uh, about a year ago, right. right? The Cobra venom's a COVID type thing. That was a rumor last year. We covered it. 
and we were right. We we stand by our coverage on that. We haven't had to correct our our coverage. So oh, he no, had no, no, it was heavily debunked by so many varying personalities, and it, it was shown to be false from so many different angles. But you know, it was a specious argument built up based on a straw man, and it was torn down quite easily by those who had uh, much greater knowledge in that field of study. Plus, I think it was Doctor Artis. He's the one who is necessarily yeah, promoting Artist, it, yeah. and he wasn't really an ex- expert in those. Um, but it was an interesting hypothesis, and if they didn't act so certain about it, it would have been yeah. fine. It would have right? been so, fine as a hypothesis, but when they acted with certainty, that was where it went downhill. I mean, Dr. Artist did great work sort of exposing Remdesivir. He wasn't the only one, but he's the one mm-hmm. who I know. We had him. We showed clips of him on the show talking about yeah, he was Remdesivir. Right. Yeah, he was right about yeah. that. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, with this hypothesis, he wasn't right. But if he would have just presented it as a hypothesis, it would have been fine. And but that could have also issue. been well. Stu, you know, framed the production though, so like you know, he could have been hyperbolized through the production too. So Absolutely. there's a case of Malone, Editing. Cole, McCullough being interviewed, and they might have had good intentions in the interview, but by the time they got the final movie out, it was a little hyperbolized. So you know, take it with grains of salt. But now yeah. compare it to what Ryan Cole was also saying about from a coroner perspective, and I don't think he was in uh, died suddenly that Fauci said coroners don't do autopsies. That was news to me when I saw that clip uh, earlier today. It's news to me as well. It wouldn't surprise me um, knowing the way in which let's just go back and look at COVID historically when this is all going down before the vaccines are even rolling it rolled out the, the CDC uh, and the NIH and NIAID, which Fauci headed the NIAID um, promoted uh, paying out hospitals for, um, for those that supposedly died with COVID. So hospitals lost one of their key sources of revenue, which is outpatient surgery, because they weren't allowed to perform outpatient surgeries. Um, and instead were incentivized to up the death rate, especially for those who died with COVID. And then they had you know, 30, 35 cycle thresholds in regards to the PCR tests and the rapid testing that was going on. We know about the issues with that that we covered. So there was a lot of sort of... Um, uh, sort of massaging the data going on very early. So it wouldn't surprise. So we have circumstantial sort of analogous evidence of the way in which these institutions that are supposed to be overseeing public health help to incentivize aspects that had nothing to do with helping public health. And Adele Big Tree showed, you know, um, a very interesting video um, that I think it was trending, if not on Twitter, on other social media platforms at the time before it got taken down, of hospital marketing staff, a major hospital around the nation, actually saying we need to up the fear, up the death rate, up, 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 because that's where they're making their money. So at least we have one example of where they were already doing this. And so it wouldn't surprise me um, as a hypothesis that Anthony Fauci did indeed, if it wasn't Fauci himself, then it was other members of this uh, NIH or perhaps uh, you know a sort of sister organization, so to speak, was the CDC members within the high-ranking members within those organizations telling the federal government and also telling then uh, private coroners not to go ahead and do autopsies. Now, we don't have direct evidence of that, but it's a reasonable hypothesis. We need to go out and search for evidence in support of that as a potential. Um, well, if you think back to how the pandemic kicked off, right? China, the big obscurity. Like there's something going on, but they're not telling us. And then they had those mass graves in Iran. And you saw like, so from the from the coverage of it, there's mass graves. They can't touch these things. The, the, the families are 600 yards away and in hazmat suits. It's so dangerous. So at that time, when Fauci makes an order, let's say he did in this case, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no autopsies. It's probably like under safety. Like, yeah, you'll get infected. If you're working on a dead body, you don't have the precautions. It's not BSL four. Cause they, they also know it's their thing from the lab to which they're going to come out later with the antidote after they hold the world hostage for a while and get their way. Also goes so that's, against it's germ theory the though, yeah. which they support insofar as like once the bodily host has died, the virus will have no way to live at least under Unless a certain amount lab. of time. Unless so, it's a lab thing that stays sure. post-mortem. It's all, a lot of contradictions here. It wouldn't surprise me as a hypothesis that indeed Fauci or other high-ranking members of various health institutions around the nation, whether CDC or um, the NIH, went ahead and told um, coroners and the federal government as well and they'll relay that to coroners around the country to not perform autopsies. Perhaps to your point, I think that's a good qualifier as a, as a public health measure early on, just like they were, who was a Deborah Burks uh, scarf herself, Miss scarf, Mrs. Scarf, who essentially said, she's no, funded we by told- Bill Gates. She should have to wear like a logo. Like the she's from Penn drivers. state apparently as well, which is ironic. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, she, she knows of- Graham Spanier. <laughs> well, I remember Graham Spanier. The, uh, she went on to say, I think very early on when um, President Trump had his like COVID panel that he was hosting early on in the pandemic, stating that, well, you know, we're including anyone in death certificates that has died with COVID to, you know, essentially that had COVID, meaning they died from COVID. So they are, in other words, they were associating COVID deaths with those that had been infected by use of PCR with high cycle threshold. Uh, as being COVID deaths, and that would include, I've heard, murders, um, homicides, uh, bike accidents. You definitely don't want to autopsy those. Just let it be assumed. And that was before the vaccine rollout. So there's certainly circumstantial evidence, at least as an analogy, to them already doing something very shady and dubious to begin with. So it wouldn't at all surprise me if, again, under the guise of public health, they also suggest, as you pointed out, to not perform autopsies as a measure of public safety. But now we have a you know, again, that goes against the the basic ideas of germ theory and how germs and viruses in particular work. And also we now have much more data about the virus. But they're scared, so they're not being reasonable necessarily. They'll just <laughs> obey orders because they're super dependent. Look, something's going on. You work right under the authority managing it. They're lying to you. They're keeping you in the dark. They tell you to do something. It's not unlike what the Nazis did to people with Amtsprache. Oh, sure. Uh, official bureaucrat letter saying not to do something. I mean, they did it on everything like uh, governments and governors banned ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, all these things that they've never done before. They're all up in your pharmacist business and what's going on and denying people early treatment because they were working together to achieve a desired effect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget as well, like we're now, was it almost three years now into the pandemic, supposedly? Yeah. And it's almost three years now. We're January 1st, 2023. Happy New Year's, everyone. Um, at this point, there's no real excuse for not performing an autopsy. We know enough about the virus. It seems like autopsies are beginning to move forward because they're, uh, because we see now evidence uh, that there are these you know elongated, very strange, fibrous blood clots that have yet to be fully identified. We've just identified the fact they exist. We don't you know, we only have an idea of what they're made up of. Um, they're not a traditional blood clot. Yeah, they exist and, and they're kind of new. They're just new now coming on the radar. So it's right. very murky as to what they are, when they're caused, how they're caused. Yeah, t- they know t- a little t- bit about what they're made up of. There's some sort of fibrous thing. Fibrin, right? yeah, fibrin. Um, usually you have red blood cells, some white blood cells. Um, 
you know, sort of attacking it. And then you usually have fibrin, but in this case, and so blood clots typically have a very red or darkish, um, complexion when they get pulled out, but to have one that doesn't have that, to have so many without that seems to suggest that, uh, it was the amyloid protein, I believe, as well as fibrin in, in absence of, um, you know, the red blood cells, it's, it's a very strange mechanism of action that's going on to creating these. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if in some way is uh, associated with vaccines and, or just COVID itself. Um, the spike is part of it. So that's one of the big questions Chris Martinson asks, um, you know, how much of it is related to possibly, it might not be an either, or it might be also, and, but also might be an incidence where the people who've been vaccinated, especially three, four, five times are experiences at greater rates. We don't know. Again, we just identified on a very basic level that something new is being pulled out of individuals, especially post-mortem, particularly post-mortem and seem to be developed post-mortem has to do with uh, both the weight and volume. Wouldn't be able to actually produce these things while you're alive. It would have to be something that fully structured, or I'm sorry, but got that backwards. The weight and structure would have to be produced, I think, when one individual is alive. And so it wouldn't be produced post-mortem. There wouldn't be enough um, uh, cellular activity and uh, protein left to be able to produce them post-mortem. And Chris Martinson does a great breakdown of both the mass and volume um, sort of measurements that would that sort of weigh out the issue of being a only post-mortem, which I at first thought it was all just possibly post-mortem, sort of amyloid protein and fibrin sort of getting too caught Congealed. up. It can geo essentially, cools, yeah. but no, it'd have to, based on weight and volume, abs- or, so mass and volume, in other words, it has to be produced because you need all these extra cells. You need all this extra protein, you need all this extra material like fibrin. This is another yeah. style of protein um, that helps with Plus the Plus in that movie, you see them pull out of somebody who's alive. Wasn't exactly. That part of the heart well, that's surgery? another like, thing. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence of individuals. You can read this on message boards and forums. It's kind of crazy. But people who are alive that have had multiple, since they've had the COVID vaccine, have had multiple surgeries for blood clots and not just one, but many, um, some of which look eerily similar to what is being pulled out of, you know, what has been exhibited by these coroners. So there's so many questions. And all we have is essentially the beginning of something being identified, but um, with a, yeah. a simple sort of protein structure, but it's very different from your standard blood clot, thrombocytopenia, um, it's Del Bigtree and Jeffrey Jackson. I heard it first heard and about McCullough. it. McCullough. Yeah, McCullough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that's being recognized, I think, by the CDC, other health organizations around the world as a potential side effect. You know, now a year and a half, two years after it was first uh, recognized. So if you're waiting exists. for the CDC or the WHO, you could be dead by the time they come around to what's going on. Exactly. And the, here's it's almost a, you know, deadly. I can't say that it's deadly to listen to them. Because in many cases, it's not. But in this particular case where there's a global shutdown and this whole pandemic and great reset thing going on, it seems like they're deep captured and they haven't been given us good oh, yeah. health information. Uh, deep captured by Big Pharma, which is powerful enough to pretty much hire standing armies at this point. More powerful well, than the most media, economies. That's for sure. <laughs> Brought to you by Pfizer. It also should be of note, I think uh, Harrison Smith is, we don't necessarily have to play it, but I do have it on the show card for those that are interested. And a, a new meta-analysis has come out about ivermectin's um, use, safety, and effectiveness in COVID-19. Again, just goes to what you were talking about earlier when they immediately- Horse-based bad? Yeah, horse-based, or who was, um, it's part of Sanofi, uh, the first hydroxychloroquine, I forget his name, it's on the tip of my tongue, I can remember him, he had a long carry as a French doc, Diderot. Oh, uh, did, yeah, Didier uh, Raoult. Raoult. Didier Raoult, yeah. Who and also used to work with Remdesivir back during the 2003 SARS, and then he was tweeting about that as possible treatment, and right. then he moved on past that because he knew about the side effects. It was too, it was too toxic, especially to the <clears> renal system. 
So your kidneys, in other words, weren't able to flush it out. And we knew that by March of 2020. And the rest of the world's parents and grandparents all got treated with standard of care as remdesivir at the hospitals. So we didn't even have Grand Theft World back then. You would have had to been following me on Twitter to get that life-saving information or the hydroxychloroquine or any of that type of stuff. Exactly. Like the like when it was going on, not even two months later when they started banning it. Go back to my tweets in March 11th to 19th of 2020 and check for yourself. There and you I'm know. obviously not a doctor, um, but I can st- state for certain that um, I'm on the lower third, so I'm sure I'll fix that later. But uh, I can say for certain that at least within my family and myself, we've used ivermectin, things like vitamin D, NAC, vitamin C. This is what we just did for ourselves, and it worked quite effectively, uh, even for those of you like myself who are not vaccinated. And for those in my family who were, there's a mixture of people who were and weren't. And we found it to be very safe, effective, and uh, worthwhile, as well as uh, alongside nutraceuticals and rest and recovery, all the standard things you would do for a flu for the most part. Um, you know, so it's not unsurprising. Also, I mean, I've on the show card here, Jimmy Dore. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily need to play this, but he, he had a clip here, what I learned by being targeted and banned on Twitter. And it's talking about, he had an interview again with Stanford professor Jay Bhattacharya, who's one of the co-authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. And he, you know, has a very enlightening interview as to like what his experience was being a Stanford epidemiologist, very well respected, including one of the ones as well as at Oxford and that other uh, major epidemiologist who was shut down. I think Ron, it was Ron Johnson or another Senate. Senate or maybe DeSantis. Here. Yeah, they both did things. Uh, with, DeSantis, oh, that was it. DeSantis, right. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So DeSantis did the one with the Stanford, Yale and and, uh, and Oxford and Oxford or Harvard or somebody. Yeah, yeah. And they got banned. And uh, Johnson did the ones with uh, Pierre Corey. And yep. the other ivermectin hydroxychloroquine was first on front front line. Uh, oh, that doctors. one. That was that. Then he had another one with Ryan Cole and and uh, Robert Malone. And so Pierre by Malone. censoring Johnson and DeSantis in those cases, people died because they didn't get in touch with that life saving information and be able to weigh an informed choice. And instead, they were unwitting participants, uninformed participants, in either a biological weapons release and or the antidote being offered. After uh, the uh, the antibodies, I think, was pretty legit. They can use that in other areas. But they took that away as soon as it started being effective. They took it away from everywhere to push people back toward a Pfizer or J&J or AstraZeneca. And I remember last or, year when uh, Bill or, Bill uh, Gates had Monsanto. a um, <laughs> Moderna. Damn it. Moderna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember Bill Gates had a sort of list for 2022, his sort of like New Year's sort of reflection on what the upcoming year was. We had a germ was. team. It was like a, a, it was a blog or pandemic something. pandemic tracker. And I forget it was 2022 or 2021, but I remember reading through it and we actually got it on the show. So you can go back and review that episode so long ago now. But in it, he'd stated how, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we thought monoclonal antibodies would be useful, but we figured it would be difficult to manufacture them and distribution, all this stuff. But yet, it seemed as though that wasn't really an issue and that the government was creating an artificial sort of scarcity. There was enough, but they weren't allowing it to go to places that were using them, particularly Florida and other places that didn't abide by the political script um, that uh, is being written in America right now. So it didn't seem like that was completely truthful by Bill Gates. And they had considered that as an option and possibility and something they invested in. But, you know, he talked about logistics and all these other nonsensical issues that weren't an actual issue as, you know, government created artificial scarcity um, by not allowing it to be distributed. And so, yeah, that was also very useful and much more, obviously, by many orders of magnitude, safer and effective than the vaccine. And and arguably, ivermectin is much, much safer than uh, 
than even that. So yeah. It's, yeah. And that brings us full circle back around to Trump and the, the more dependent you are on authority, the more scared into obedience you're going to be. Trump was one of those people. He was funded by the pharma companies. Fauci said he would face a pandemic. He didn't know what that meant. They put a bill in front of him in uh, September 17th, 2019, like the the vaccine refurbishment, they're going to bring in mRNA. They had made all these decisions. They got him to sign off on it. They got a bunch of orders. He just signs off. He doesn't know what he's doing. Come on, let's be honest here. Nobody's cluing him into what they planned for him. They made him a character on their game show, for Christ's sake. Do you not see what's been going on? Don't misinterpret that, translator. I didn't say the other word. I said not dash S-E-E. That's what I said. Jeez. Got to watch yourself these days with these algorithms and YouTube translations and whatever's going on in the back end over on that pirate channel. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Our, I mean, the Vaccine Modernization Act, what, 2019? He sort right, of there you go. Yeah, yeah. Vaccine was in 2019. I forget, November? It was late, I believe, in 2019. People who so, do those get paid by the letter, so they used a longer title than I did, but it was them. It's like a modernization type of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, they wanted to go, as they said in... Uh, I think it was the same the, year that... the Michael uh, Milken. Yeah, Michael Milken thing was up. the you next month. Yes. So they got, they, got Fauci it. et al., Barda, Rick from Barda, all these people, they got Trump to sign that executive order in September. And then they were like, right over to Peter Daszak. And they're, they're doing the milk and form. And they're saying, well, if only we had an emergency where we could speed, you know, these MRNA things into the public. And they're like, well, what if, can't we just do it? They're pretty brazen. If I might speak clearly about it. I don't know if we have that clip easily referenceable, but we've played it many times on the show, but I also know sending people to the, web page to find a clip like that can be arduous for them so if we have it laying around the uh what's his name rick rick bright rick Rick bright Bright from from barda which is like barda's bright a government biological research darpa type agency and they're sitting on stage with the new york times reporter you probably Just find like, that. I mean, that's yeah. on Rumble, probably almost immediately. Like, I'll get a quick clip of yeah, that. Yeah, the fingers are dancing over there. And, and uh, fixing the lower So theory. the relevance is it? these guys are sitting on stage, and they're like, our Santa dream list would be this. And at the same time, they're sitting on stage. Event 201's going on. And at the same time, they're sitting on stage, not identical days, but during the same month. The pandemic is breaking out from a lab in Wuhan. And security measures are being taken at the lab in Wuhan because they knew this, but they weren't worried about where it came from because they lied to the public at every, every step of the way from the end of January, when Dazak wrote the false paper for the Lancet to uh, Collins and and Fauci covering up and running, uh, running at uh, all the doctors that were asking questions. And getting people like Dr. Christian Anderson to reverse their positions in four days without any new evidence. Oh, here it oh. is, by the way. Oh, here you go. Trump right, right, White House archives. So I found the clip as well, but just so people for reference. They weren't caught by surprise is my point. That should tell you something. There's this executive order on modernizing influenza vaccines in the United States to promote national security and public health. This was September, not November. So September and they did 19th, such a good job. All right. They did such a good job that the, the flu then disappeared for two years. Believe that. Yeah, that's another i had a, that on the show card on, actually man. i think it was john bound did that really good video um i had on last week's show card about uh how the flu disappeared and 
getting into the numbers. You also had a good one on miscarriages as well. Oh, right on. Well, I haven't yeah. seen that. So we could play that yeah, next. We could play that. Yeah, we could play those. And, so there's yeah. the executive order signed by Trump, who also promoted the vaccines. And everyone who promotes the vaccines ever since said they wouldn't take the vaccine and, when Trump said it. But now it's a good idea. But nothing so, changed. And to look here, we can highlight a couple things here. Um, let's see. Can you so, search mRNA? Do they say they Mr. Use... Mr. Na? So for the first thing is a further implement vaccine production process improvements to reduce the time required for vaccine production, for example, right. to the use of novel technologies yes. for vaccine seed virus now. development yeah. and through implementation of potency and sterility ass assays. And there's another one here further. So they're not well, saying, here, okay, so this yeah. is the gist. This is what Tony's showing you. They're not going to say MR. We're not, they're not going to say we're going to go from egg-based vaccines to mRNA-based vaccines, and we're going to circumvent 20 or 30 years of development and testing that we should do. We're going to go straight through that. So they don't use that exact language in the executive order. But when you couple this executive order with the clip we're about to see from uh, the Milken Institute, yeah, you're able to put bring... two and two together and verify one, 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 one. Oh, that's cool. Clip of oh, you got it. Okay, yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then before we go to that real quick uh, here on point C, uh, further support the conduct and collaboration with the DOD, BARDA, and CDC of applied scientific research regarding developing cell lines and expression systems that markedly increase the yield of cell-based and recombinant influenza vaccine manufacturing processes. And I'm sorry, I, I yeah. misheard you. You said DOD, not DOE, right? Or does it say we DOE? Do, we, we do have a lot of those on here in Pennsylvania. Well, the DOE, D Department of Energy, I thought they might have straight up just been referring to us as batteries. I mean, like our power source management system. <laughs> but it's a DOD, Department of Defense. All right. That makes Department sense. Department of Defense. DARPA, yeah. DARPA, yeah. Yeah. DOD alongside BARDA. Uh, and then the CDC. of applied scientific research using uh, cell-based and recombinant influence of vaccine recombinant is sort of a euphemism Genetics? for sort of gain of function yeah we looked up uh, chimeric gain of function style recombinant's a type of chimeric uh, gain of function technology that's utilized in cell lines where they introduce many different viruses to different types of cell lines and that through a process of recombination will develop novel mutations that may or may not make that particular influenza strain or spike protein or whatever more infectious. And mm -hmm. that's that's the way in which people and Anthony Fauci and his Jesuitical sophistry was able to sort of weasel his way out of the questioning by um, um, Rand Paul. In mm -hmm. regards to, see, well, gain of function specifically, it's, it's about, you know, the... Uh, it happens when you specifically make it more infectious, but sometimes it got less infectious. So that means it's not gain of function by definition. I'm like, oh man, this guy. Yeah, because Fauci's speaking in like the law of averages. If only two of the re results were gain of function and the right. other were loss of function, then he would say, on average, it's it's not gain of function because he could speak <laughs> in between zero and one like he's Zeno without seeing the paradox. <laughs> oh, and that's, oh and that's, Tony, your science is so big. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. Uh, that's pretty funny. I mean, that, that, that they might just have to take it. You know, soundboard's gonna get worked harder, Tony. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry. So, well, you don't even have to think about it. That's a good and, thing because it'll just go on. We you don't have to think it. about it, dude. There right. we go. Yeah, Ethan yeah. Klein's always a little slow on the uptake. So, and then the last uh, part here. Let me just read this, and we go on to the clip. Uh, D assess in coordination with Barda 
and relevant vaccine manufacturers the use and potential effects of using advanced manufacturing platforms for influential vaccines through the director of the CDC. So the idea is like they're going to use recombinant processes and cell lines, basically gain a function to create a new technology using mRNA and, you know, viral vector technology like um, J&J, Janssen vaccine, and also the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. And these will essentially tell your cells what to do with genetic technology, produce the spike, the synthetic form of the spike and so forth and so on. And it's a BARDA DOD. It's in collaboration with DOD, BARDA and the CDC. And in coordination with BARDA, huh. they're going to work with BARDA and vaccine manufacturers. Well, wait for- a minute, dude. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It almost sounds like they had cut a deal in September for something that they then talked about in October as if it hadn't had a deal cut already for it, which is fascinating because mm. it tells me those dudes on stage were putting on a show and not so much free thinking and hypothesizing at that time. They were speaking toward what they just got the power to do in that executive order, which is why they were speaking the quiet part out loud. No, they were That's, certainly speaking the quiet. Wow, part did the New York sure. Times cover that? I don't. I don't think they did. <laughs> did. No, you heard it here on Grand Theft World. Let's play that clip. All right. Why don't we blow the system up? I mean, obviously, we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, "Hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet." But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. In order to make the transition from getting out of the tried and true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that to something that has to be much better. Uh, you have to prove that this works And then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, phase three, and then show that this particular product is going to be good over a period of years. That alone, if it works perfectly, is going to take a decade. There might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and and, and processes. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza, and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way, because you do need both. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of a novel avian virus could occur in in China somewhere. We could get the RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. That reminds me when Anthony Fauci is sitting there saying it would take too long, all these phase one, two, three trial, blah, blah, blah. That reminds me of uh, Maddie Bannon, who's now represented on the um, on T-Lab uh, for her work in the COVID collaborative, her essay on uh, Dr. Robert Kayla from Duke University. Because he's the one who innovated the whole real world data, real world evidence model where you skip all those trials and where you jump right to um what Nazis called applied biology, but now what they call precision medicine. So I just see a little bit of a continuity there, ominous one. That's neo-semanticism. Thank you. 
They're neo semantics. <laughs> yeah, more like rebranding. They're assigning new meaning to words. Right. Yeah. So I'm not trying to be anti-semantic by saying that, but I'm saying let's get fact up by just taking what we know <laughs> and laying it on. You know, let's just lay it out on the table here. You got that executive order. Well, let me just start here. You got the closure of Fort Detrick, America's bioweapons laboratory, in August of 2019. The following month, not saying these are all related, the following month in the timeline, September, executive order for the restructuring of how they make and produce and distribute vaccines. Then in October, you've got Event 201, you've got the release of the pandemic, and you've got Fauci and Rick Bright from BARDA talking at the Milken Institute, all talking about the same thing. And then from there, they had EcoHealth and Peter Daszak running uh, uh, interference on the medical journals. They had Fauci and his boss, Francis Collins, <clears throat> running interference in America, censoring and censoring dissent. And then they censored any alternative treatments, right? So dissent and treatments were all censored. And from there, they had a clean getaway and they knew people would catch on. But by then, the damage is done. You can't get it out of your bodies from what we know today, but we can always discover stuff that maybe does it in the future. I don't know. First, we would have to understand a problem. Now, Fauci called that a problem. What do they do with problems? They look to solve problems, right? That's what they're getting those big budgets for. And their way of solving it was a disruptive inside job based on ideology to take control of the constitutional republic process and your representative democracy, run it into the ground. And they could run it into the end zone for the Great Reset, yay globalism, end freedom forever, and they can back it up with biological and nuclear weapons. And let's not forget, you know, just to circle back a little bit, Saki style, to what, what Clayton and Natalie were mentioning on Redacted, is that these this spike in all-cause mortality has been recognized for months and months now. Insurance yes. companies are the ones yes, that came the out. Actuaries. That ha- yeah. Actuaries, exactly. And you look at the actuarial tables and you juxtapose it to the rise in death amongst like 18 to 40 year olds, something like that. It was the younger reigns. They weren't at risk from the COVID itself. Correct. A little patch. So, you know, uh, the the other thing to consider there is um, I think Del Bigtree did probably one of the best segments. It was maybe through a Jeffrey Jackson report where they're both going back and forth about this, but they did a breakdown of not just um, a couple of different insurance carriers, but most of the major insurance carriers. And you saw at least the 15, 20, 25%. I think the highest was around 40% for some insurance carriers, but even the biggest ones still had 20, 25% increase in all calls. And that portends a sort of, it's sort of, it's a, portends circumstantial evidence that we should look towards and use sure. as a hypothesis and epidemiology to then study what's going on. Then from epidemiology, we should take it and actually get into actual bodies and see what's going on that might cause this. Is it vaccine related? Is it COVID related? Is it something totally different? Depression, maybe? I mean, it could be anything. I'm just saying like that's how science is supposed to be conducted. And instead, it was not allowed to move forward is what we're now finding out. And what a surprise with all the other... Um, sort of data points you brought up earlier about what they did during the pandemic that was really anti-science, but can't question the science. Well, I think uh, their actions prove over and over. They weren't curious as to what is this thing and how do we solve it? They at every avenue blocked off pursuit from them in their getaway with Grand Theft World. 
that's exactly right. And what the, all this does, as well as like the Ukraine-Russia conflict and all the other con- and the, sort of the the wokeifying of the world through postmodern rhetoric and, and philosophy and all this sort of nonsense we're seeing in the culture, is perpetuate and speed up to their Agenda 2030 program that the WEF is essentially the front man for and yes. the front organization, in other words, for- The UN handles so, nations, the WEF handles corporations, corporations, and none of these things are being representative of the people's will. And they don't need informed consent because we're not seen as people anymore. In their exactly. System. And it's, it's moving uh, with great haste to the CBDC technocratic model, model that, you know, Quigley- that is really the inspiration behind your research and the, this, the development of all of what you've done as a forensic historian mentioned that they want total financial control, but now they can have total biological control and financial control. So they can get both. That's what they're moving towards. And that's all these did was ramp that up, move that forward at a great, greater speed. And now we have what the, what was that new pandemic um, planning sort of a sem- a seminar oh, or the Sears, the Sears, Sears program the Sears, that they just yeah. put on for uh, that new, new virus. It also starts in their simulation, what, just like event 201. It also starts out of Brazil. And what did Bill Gates say? It was so interesting. He's like, the next one's going to be much worse. He wants to sound more like Terrence McKenna, but you get the point. So culture wanna... is not your friend. <laughs> yeah. Terrence McKenna teach you a lot more than Bill Gates. Oh, that's for teach. damn sure. Yeah. What I don't get is why Trump listened to Gates when Gates is like, you don't want to look into that stuff. That all oh, that that Robert F. Kennedy stuff. Stay away from him, right? Or and Gates the- even he's even in that clip saying some guy named Robert F. Kennedy. Like he, <laughs> he, he I don't know. Do you not know who he is? Or you're playing like you don't know who he is? You know, some guy you don't know who Bobby Kennedy Jr. is. Okay. And then Trump actually didn't have better people around him to but what do you expect, man? He's a talk show host. Or well, a, that you know way it was a game show game show, game show kind of comedy thing that he did. Well, and there's a lot of very strange connections. We're reading through volumes. The last book club was phenomenal Friday. Um Maddie Band's hosting um for the GTW community. So if you want to become a subscriber, grandtheftworld.com top right hand corner. Every other Friday, Maddie Bannon hosts a um, one nation under blackmail book club and last week went like an hour and a half. And there's a lot of very interesting connections, even with Trump and Assad oh, yeah. keeps popping up uh, more Cone. so than you could ever met. Oh yeah. Roy yeah. Cone. We covered Wexner last week in yeah. particular, and that was quite fascinating. Um, especially his connections with mafia and some very spurious and very strange, um, hit jobs that were done and very, and professional reminded me so much of Pulp Fiction. What was the guy in Pulp Fiction, Rich, the wolf who Winston came in? Wolf. And, yeah. Winston Wolf who comes in. There was almost that exact scenario that happened in regards to the Shapiro murder and that Wexner seems circumstantially very oddly enough connected to. And so well, you can see, you know, the, the gist is there's a, there's a couple layers to that, right? There's the Epstein layer, but as far as the Wexner layer, there's uh but shows his connection uh, with the mafia potentially if that's the, there's the, what you're yeah, trying to the way i was going to explain it because i grew up in western pennsylvania <laughs> and, and i've been to ohio and youngstown so uh there is a, a semi-well-known mafia family organized crime that operates out of that area and uh that family might have owned professional sports teams like the san francisco 49ers might still own it i don't know yeah dave bartolo it was the oh, genovese I'm, crime he's saying it. he still lives uh, in pennsylvania dude I'm, I'm out of state i'm not talking oh shit on yeah actually yeah good point so i mean no, I, is, I appreciate the 49ers they're, no, they're playing the christian mccaffrey's the, having a hell of a year okay good good segue the point is uh the mafia controls uh the mall so they buy big piece of land they have the money to develop malls and wexner is somebody who had stores that went in malls uh, the limited brand of stores, which uh, the limited express 
yes. Victoria's Secret, stuff like that, right? Yeah. So now he's got spaces in there and they started working together. And then Epstein goes and he starts working with Wexner and he brings in this Israeli Mossad, blackmail, British royal family angle to the whole thing. And uh, yeah, the second the second volume of her book is definitely super spicy, but you need the first volume to understand One Nation Under Blackmail, the history behind it. Cause it's really interesting going back a hundred years almost. But then the second volume teaches you like what's happened in the last couple of years. Why is Epstein and the client list, the thing, and where does it connect into what doesn't it connect to? So the same people that persecute uh, a, a Julian Assange, uh, an Elon Musk, an Andrew Tate, these types of characters, like it's the same group of people that's on that client list or protecting yeah, that client list at the very least. Yeah, exactly. And we covered um, there is Fisher, who's connected with deep state Mossad um, and Hugh and Taliban. But Fisher in particular had a hand in essentially the Aliyahs, you know, forced essentially pseudo forced migrations of North African Jews to Israel, as well as arms dealing with between the Reagan administration. He had direct connection with H.W. Bush. She's he's also mentioned, I think, in the third chapter, or chapter 12 or something, because she just continues from volume one to volume two, a numbering of the chapters. We did cover some of volume one as well, particularly the BCCI scandal, chapter seven and eight, um, seven in particular, because that I don't know how many times she's already referenced in the first three chapters, the second volume, chapter seven. Um, BCCI is sort of a linchpin of so much of what's happened in regards to the continuity of big government and mafia being one and the same thing. As Rich, you always state, they're, they're really two sides. And, the and then Tony's point. had a word there. You, no, we're not talking about the the R and B singer who died in a plane crash, Aaliyah. We're talking about the first Aaliyah, the second Aaliyah, mm. these uh, moves to colonize Israel. I'm sorry, Palestine before it was Israel almost 100 years later or 60, 70 years later after that. Right. Uh, and it starts with persecution in the 1800s and a seek to move to uh, a place where they're not being persecuted anymore, which is very reasonable. And it was a, a timeline that had a, a philosophical and political underpinning before the persecution even happened. So those two things uh, eventually start the colonization and the Aliyah movement all the way up through uh, the, the creation of Israel in 19. And, and, and after that, because Operation Moses, yeah. Operation Solomon, which are Aliyahs, they also happened in like the 1970s and 80s. And Fisher, who's connected intimately with Wexner and then Epstein, um, essentially is one of the sort of, um, what did I say, the, one of the ones sort of orchestrating this this continuing of mass migrations. Now the question that was posed in the book club is like, well, why would why would they need to get more Jews to Israel? It's like, was there a diverse group of people already in what was not called Israel before 1948? I don't know. It's a speculation. Just you know, Coptic Christians, you had secularists, you had Islamists, you had a whole bunch of different people that seemingly lived in at least some basic peace. And then all of a sudden there's this UN ratification in 1948 for the state of Israel and everything just kind of gets kind of weird from there, you know. Well, uh, they're definitely and the no MI6 set up them from Ethiopia and the, the MI6 and M MI6 set up Mossad, right? Or was it was it the CIA through the MI6 that set up Mossad? Uh, CIA did not uh, negative on that, Ghost Rider. Okay. So MI6 created both uh, CIA I wasn't sure and like, Mossad, okay. and they had Reinhard Galen help to create uh, certain policies and procedures because he ran in. Mossad and CIA. I was really, let me just show you in the history yeah, blueprint. Cause yeah, I was really incredulous when I learned that. Comes that. I was like, wait, this guy's a top Nazi and they, they let him work with paperclip and then they had him over uh, with Mossad. So let's go to Galen G H L E N. Uh, let's see. 
There's Dr. Franz Six, who worked with the Galen Org, but here's Reinhard himself. And he helped to bring in other Nazis into paperclip, like Otto Scorzini, Klaus Barbie, all these people we talked about last week in the uh, the uh, the Odessa, the stay behind Nazis that kept being Nazis after after the war ended. So uh, Reinhard Galen is used to train uh, some OSS. There, first off, CIA didn't exist until after World War II. Right. So during World War II, OSS is running spies. They pick him up early. And then you have he's part of the like the 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 uh, the people that Kissinger and these guys pick. So Kissinger was early on working with Nelson Rockefeller and the United States military in sifting these Nazis. And there was Operation. Let's see. We call it. uh, There's Ashcan and Dustbin. There's two no, different right. operations. I could go to those after this. So anyway, Galen helps to create uh, what becomes Mossad, you know, Israeli uh, secret uh, special forces, uh, secret service type activities. Over so he's the, he's the connecting glue between CIA and Mossad as far as the creation of both in a way. And then the next guy who okay. becomes okay. the connecting tissue of CIA and Mossad is uh, Angleton. Oh, uh, James Heeses Angleton. Okay. Yes. Heeses is how you pronounce Heases, his name. Yeah. Right. We're not making fun of him. That's that's how he pronounced his middle name. That's all. It's not Jesus or Jesus. Not Jesus. But Galen Jesus. was running the Arab Nazis. So the Islamic fascism uh, okay. was groomed by those Nazis. Oh, so he set up the counter narrative then between right. like what is modern day Hezbollah or Hamas. Uh, right. See. And then given to okay. MI6 and then uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh Philby at MI6 sells it to Dulles, and then it becomes Operation Cyclone in America and Mujahideen and Osama and, bin Laden. And who was the individual? Individual It wasn't Loftus. Who's the individual you interviewed that um, was an expert on this? We showed it a number of times on the show, but he's the oh, one yeah. who specifically was it Loftus? Yeah. Uh, John Loftus. John and here, Loftus, real yeah. quick, here, here's camps. Ash, these are camps. Ashcan and Dustbin, the American protection of Nazis. And then the British had, so British had, uh, let's see, we call it an Ashcan. I don't know. There, There's one's a British name and one's an American name. I forget which is which. This is an Anglo-American like Bush dynasty kind of approved, right? The people who funded the Nazis put this together to sift out where, where they can get some more Nazis for the Odessa network and the Nazis post-World War II. You get guys like George de Morenschild, whose name is in, uh, let's uh, see. His, his, He's his, connected to Oswald. Isn't it right. HW books or HW's like little black book he had when <laughs> what's his name was murdered? I mean, it's right. a weird. Yeah, yeah. So the Demore and Schultz, real quick. He's got a brother, Dimitri. So now you can like check into to both these characters. But Demore and Schultz, when he's found dead, he has an address book, and in there is George H.W. Bush's number. That's it. That's but he also has a very important connection to Lee Harvey Oswald during the whole Kennedy assassination, and there's. Some in- he also has connections to Abraham Zapruder. So there's a connection to Purich through our Gordon Wasson. So, so it's, it's like, like an really Operation strange. Gladio. It's like an Operation Gladio frontage that's uh, able to be put into motion there during that event. Anyway, uh, the American and British protection of Nazis, and then the things that came out of that commando groups, Navy SEAL. Does Navy SEALs exist before this exists right here? Well, it doesn't because connect- they took a lot of these German guys. Like uh, not Scorzini, 
where's the other guys that they used for these types of things? They used a bunch of these German guys to start training special forces in Britain, America, and Israel at the same time. Doesn't that come out of the um, what we went over a couple of weeks ago with the trained murderers, like the trained assassins um, yeah. out of the the British group? Yeah, yeah. Camp X, Camp X, yeah, other, that's other camps, and like then you that. get special groups like yeah, Navy SEALs or the the Army version, which is Army Rangers, and so forth and so on. So there's a lot to all that. Yeah, but the the point is most people need to get their learning on before it's not going to matter anymore. And you just need to do what you're told. (laughs) That was the reason I brought that up is because there's been more mentioned about Mossad than even the CIA, at least in the second volume. So it's just been something that's been tickling the back of my mind. And I'm talking about in Whitney Webb's book, One Nation of Blackmail, Volume 2. That's come up more often than not, um, Mossad and the connection with Jewish royalty and elite, um, sort of secular Zionists, if you will, that um, have, you know, are connected to Wexner, are connected to Epstein. And have yeah, they're part of a secular humanist conspiracy. That's right. That's right. Yes. It's not. Yeah. yeah, they're not religious Jews. This is not. It's not like Kanye said. So no, we're, talk, no. we're talking about something way different over here. Correct. Yeah. But anyways, it comes up all the time and it got me thinking like, what's the connect? Was it CIA, the one that trained or did, like MI6 trained, you know, like sort of trained us to OSS that then became CIA in 1947 or 48. But then Mossad, because it wasn't until 1948 that Israel became quote unquote a nation that then uh, when were they trained? Were they trained by our CIA? What was trained by MI6? But it seems like that's not the truth. It was actually Richard Galen or excuse me, Reinhard Galen. <clears throat> that was sort of the connecting glue, if you will, the middle term and a syllogism for those who are as nerdy about logic as I am. That would be the, yeah. And here's what the Whitney. Yeah. And this is a fictional book, right? Rich? That has an honest or well, a truthful tale. We got to yeah. unpack it because not everything's as it appears. <laughs> so it appears as a novel that you could find on the shelf at a bookstore, right? It's just a novel. They don't, they don't keep such an eye out for novels, right? As they do, like, here's factual whistleblowing books. So I would go to... That and narrative structure is a little bit more digestible. People might yeah. read it more, you know? Okay. Let's, let's try it like this. Oh, we got to get rid of this other screen so I can see my book. Seconds. It only takes a second. All right. So <clears throat> this book is called... Zoom out. The Witness Tree. It's a novel. It's very important. It's a novel by Brendan Howley, who writes novels, and John Loftus, who doesn't regularly write novels. He's a researcher. He's an author. He has impeccable books on the United States and the Nazis and the Vatican and the rat lines and Operation Paperclip and U.S. United States, uh, America's Nazi Secret and Unholy Trinity and a whole bunch of books that he wrote based on really good research. He had uh, a top secret cosmic clearance or i think it was cosmic clearance uh, at the uh, united states national security he had access to the 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 acres and acres of underground vaults of secret national security information at suitlands maryland and i've interviewed him uh over a weekend so this is not somebody who's just writing a novel this is somebody who came across real documents and then needed a way to get that narrative to the public so he goes and partners with somebody who knows how to write a novel and he writes this this book called the witness tree now the woman on the steps uh, the one of the main characters in this book is uh the sister of john foster and alan dulles and she ends up marrying somebody who was pro-zionist and then he ends up dead 
very suspiciously, almost as if the Dulles brothers whacked him so that he didn't get any further down the road with his sister, which would, you know, uh, be a little point of good. So anyway, there's, there's the novel part of it and that part of the story. That is not why you read a book like this. So in the postscript, before I show you anything from the novel, let me show you why it's a novel and why you might want to check out the book. This is a novel, but much of what you have read throughout it is based on known fact, although the most intriguing elements are still classified. Some isn't. There were, there were no Neemans, for instance, so he made up that family, renamed another family to, to, so he didn't get you know busted for talking about them. Uh, but Baron von Schroeder knew Foster Dulles and the Sullivan Cromwell record of involvement in cloaking the Nazi assets, and that's clear. And then the Reuven Shiloh did, in fact, mastermind the Mossad from the networks we recount. Eleanor did work with the Quakers in France in 1917 and had a particular a peculiar habit of turning up in Allen's life at critical points, just as we suggest, not the least in Trieste in 1946, but that's for another book. And then he goes through that, um, aside from how they dealt with the Nazis, the part that I'm going to read from is right here. So we're going to we're going to hear a story of how Nelson Rockefeller was blackmailed by a proto Mossad participant uh, who was a Haganah agent back then. And this had to do with the blackmailing of Nelson Rockefeller in order to get uh, Nelson Rockefeller's Latin American U.N. votes for the state of Israel to become a country accepted by the United Nations. So this is from I don't see if there's a page number on here. It's just in a postscript of this book. From the second page, John John Loftus personally interviewed the Haganah agent who had firsthand knowledge of the blackmail of Nelson Rockefeller. This guy right here, Nelson Rockefeller, you'll see it in a second. Prescott Bush was indeed up to his eyeballs in the Union Bank affair with Nelson Rockefeller. And some believe, as John does, Brendan not so sure, he's a novelist, that the Bush family fortune stemmed from his single Union Banking Corporation share. Certainly the Bern Berlin wiretapping story is true. John has never seen the Luftschungsgant intercept uh, that opens the novel in a slightly dis- different form at Fort Meade. So he did see the, the, the intercept at Fort Meade, the National Security Agency's massive archive, when his NATO level security clearances allowed him to roam the vaults at will. Eleanor Lansing Dulles died at the age of 101 in 96. Uh, there's another character, Misha, but you don't need to know about that right now. So now let's go to the recounting of the blackmail of Nellie Rockefeller. And that is in the later parts of the book. And surprise, surprise, it happens on a date familiar in history. Most people think of this date as a 1963 date, but you see there's a very important precedent prior to that date on November 22nd. And, um, let me just move the microphone over so I can read this longer passage. <clears throat> and if you hang in here for how many pages? Um, do we have to read all these pages? No. So let's just give you the gist. Let me catch you up. These guys are sent from Jerusalem to blackmail uh, Nelson Rockefeller. They go to Rockefeller Center. They go up the elevator to his offices. They go in and they throw down a dossier on his table to blackmail him. And on page 426, 
reads as follows. The effect on Rockefeller was palpable. Even his eyes, uh, even his eyes went from the dossier to Elam and then to Misha, who constantly slowed his uh, consciously slowed his heart rate to something that didn't register on his temple with each pulse. So these guys were nervous because they're blackmailing one of the most powerful men in the world in order to get a nation state started. And the nation state is depending on them to get it done. And they're waiting for a call back in Jerusalem for, that this is done and that he's kept. Let's see how it goes. Now, I'm just mentioning this because it does tie in with One Nation Under Blackmail, a book that uh, the book club and Grand Theft World community has been studying for weeks and weeks. Let's let's get to these points. Rockefeller's eyes hit the first page. The current account records from 1943. Oh, is that a year he's funding the Nazis? Supposed to make him nervous. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, the, the One guy goes and pours a scotch. Not a big deal. Rockefeller turns the page. Incredibly, Rockefeller did so. The next was a share structure of a very well-known Swiss bank, courtesy of files no one next to God in Switzerland had ever seen, except a sweet young thing at the Zurich Public Registry Office who happened to know Israel Kifferman's son. The next page is very informative. I think even a journalist might follow its implications, Elam said. So they're just building up the blackmail. Rockefeller's hairline was suddenly shiny. Rivets of perspiration gathering there. He turned the page and moved his glasses back with a finger. Page three was a record of a 1944 share transfer, a transfer tantamount to treason in any U.S. jurisdiction. Hmm, that's a problem. Let's see. I lost my page. Oh, jurisdiction complete with U.S. Treasury Department letterhead. Well, they're powerful. They're connected to the Treasury Department in the United States. Rockefeller studied that one for a very long time. He looked up, ignoring the scotch that one of these guys had poured for him, right? Because he's going to read the blackmail file. They, they poured him a scotch out of his own supply in his office. He looked up, ignoring the scotch. What's Ben-Gurion want? Elam was already reaching for the files. Votes, he said simply. Latin America votes for partition. We need all 15. You get us your votes. You say goodbye to this embarrassment. You can put the dossier right inside your safe. Rockefeller said nothing, turning page after page, some faster, some slower. The U.S. government documents giving him the most pause, right? Because the government in the United States already knew this stuff. It's in their documents. But it's the other countries and other people in the world they're threatening to tell with the blackmail. Misha expected a rant or a confession. But there was only silence and the dim sounds of the city beyond the plate glass because they're in Rockefeller Center. You know, the place where they light a Christmas tree every every season for Christmas. Rockefeller Center, the home of British, the home of formerly or prior to this blackmail. It was the home of British security coordination in Rockefeller Center. There was no trace of stress in the man now, his hand raised. And when he spoke, his voice was flat and slow, almost a recitation, not a reaction think you can walk in here and waltz off with the whole damn store? Rockefeller rolled up the dossier, turned it into a cylinder, and began tapping his desktop with it. Condition one. What I've read never sees a light of day. Clear? Well, that's understood. You got that right. If a word of this leaks out, you can tell Ben-Gurion he'll be drilling for oil in his own backyard. 
Well, that's interesting because later in 1967, the whole USS Liberty is sunk so they can take over, I think, the Golan Heights. And now they drill oil in the Golan Heights. That's interesting. I'll personally guarantee that's the only place on the planet you'll you'll find it. Understand that. So he's threatening, like, you'll drill. You're not going to find much. But now they did find some. That's good. Condition two, you want your country? You get your country. But only if you give up your pound of flesh at Nuremberg meaning you can't prosecute Nelson Rockefeller and all those bankers that helped him fund the Nazis, which means the Nazis remained in control. And the Nazi in chief was vice president of these United States in 1974. Right. People don't get it. All right. So uh, not a single German banker goes on trial. Not one. Oh, there was no bankers trial. That's funny. That's interesting. Right. Because there wasn't Rockefeller. Stop tapping the cylinder that he'd made from the file and pointed it at Elam. But you don't get both. You can have vengeance or a homeland. That's a deal. That's the deal. I'll have to consult Jerusalem about that, Elam said with his voice flat. Consult all you like. Ben-Gurion has one card. Oh, that's the science of leverage right there. Right? That This is an yeah. exposition in the science he waited of leverage, for this. everyone. Yeah. Oh, man. He waited for Ben-Gurion to play his card. But, uh, you know, Ben-Gurion, he's good at playing cards, so this didn't end here. Consult all you like. Ben-Gurion has one card, Rockefeller said easily, and you've just played it. Condition three, the Nazis we use as intelligence assets, they stay secret too. Total immunity. You don't touch them. You don't leak a word to the press. Oh, like they have influence in the press. They've vanished. Lock, stock, and barrel. Clear? Now all Elam could do was nod. Right? He's not even replaced. It's like, okay. The room had gone silent except for the ticking clock on the big oak sideboard. You seem a sensible sort of fellow. Good. Condition four. You'll have your votes, but not a single American businessman or banker gets tarred with this. He means the Nazi funding stuff. Not me, not anyone. We didn't win the goddamn war to put half of Wall Street on trial. Rockefeller raised the scotch to his his two guests. Thanks for coming. And then they said they need to make a call. And then they made a call and then they cut a deal. And then November 29th, 1947, they get into voting for uh, becoming a state recognized by the United Nations. Right. So right. we were talking about Reinhard Galen. And his training, the Mossad and the blackmail networks of Whitney Webb mentioning it heavily in volume two, all these sort of things. So if you're reading and you get done with Whitney's book, you might want to read the witness tree for a variety of reasons. I honestly would say it's the only novel I've read in the past 15 years or so, but I read it because I knew there was source material upon which it was based. And, uh, that's that's good firsthand source someone who was there blackmailing nelson rockefeller told that story and lived to tell that story is probably still alive today well nelson, said, it's, nelson it's rockefeller a, died pretty young with his head between the legs of a young secretary <laughs> allegedly kind of like, kind of like uh what was it golden eye i forget the one the chick who is a hired assassin would go around and kill powerful people by having sex with them anyway it's just thinking of good old ian fleming stories you know or zoolander either one zoolander. <laughs> oh boy but 
So there's a long history of the Odessa network post World yeah. War II, and the fact that uh, you're not allowed to talk about it anymore because uh, the people who funded the Nazis they're still here. They're they're still they're around. They're in control of things. They have goals. They're in with the Great Reset. They're into internationalism. I mean, Nellie Rock's brother, David Rockefeller, tells you he's a proud internationalist. And what they're accusing him and his family of doing, they're up to it. What are you going to do about it? They're gangster. Exactly. And it's something, it's a repeating theme so far, not only in volume one, but in volume two, when it comes, even in volume one with chapter seven, Mossad pops up just as much as the CIA in regards to, they're almost like the Middle Eastern branch of what was going on with the Arab constructed BCCI, which was basically a drug laundering child or a sex trafficking laundering you know, uh, money bank, if you will, that even when it fell, obviously Gary Webb's book shows that there was still a continuity of this, these actions taking place in the inner cities of America in regards to the cocaine smuggling. And, you know, BCCI was just but one of many different financial institutes. They had so many different holding companies, so many different, uh, um, subsidiaries that were hiding the transactions. It's it's almost dizzying um, when you read chapter seven, and that's in volume one, which we read as a sort of precursor to then what we jumped into. We're reading chapter by chapter of volume two. So yeah, you almost need something to like organize all the that data right there. <laughs> now the Bank of Commerce and Credit International it went on for a while, but then like the evidence of such things still going on were the Panama Papers just a couple years ago. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Right. So right. there's uh. There, there's uh, a lot going on with those Panama Papers because Masik Fonseca, there's a movie made called The Laundromat that takes this story, fictionalizes or not, two people who ran that, Masik and Fonseca, and they tell you the story and it's many, 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 many layers of, you know, shell companies and all these, you know, nasty things they do to people. And Yeah, the shell company. Yeah. Like, it's There's so many. It's, yeah. It's literally dizzying. And, um, you know, with arms trading, especially in drug trading, uh, those are the two main sort of assets they played with. But there's also implications of sex trafficking as well. But the arms trading was mass, especially in nuclear armaments back in the 80s and advanced weaponry and that sort of stuff. So it was uh, into India, into the Middle East with Pakistan and Iran. It's just goes on and on. So it's... um. Yeah, so you can watch and, a, yeah. a movie like The Laundromat, or you can go to Corbett Report, 1156, New World Next Week with Pilato talking about the Panama Papers. You'd get the gist of why, you know, listen to a 15-minute episode and then go find that movie, The Laundromat, and it's an hour and a half, and now you get another gist. And as you get more and more layers of context, you get closer and closer to understanding, and then you don't have to put your head in the sand anymore. Because I think that's the gist. It might feel like, oh, it's disempowering to learn about how the world really works, how do you think it is? Do you think it's disempowering with your head in the sand and your ass in the air, knowing how these people roll? Take it. Or I don't think you should do that to yourself. So it's easier to look around and say, okay, the world is not as tidy and cleaned up as I thought it was. But until we recognize how it really is, we can't make any effective changes to ourselves or to it that are going to be very long lasting. So start with yourself, move forward, learn about Masik Fanseca. Masik Fonseca, the Panama Papers. That's the easier way to say it. See, they had good branding on that one. Panama Papers. They use that alliteration. TPP? TPP. You down with TPP? You down with the Trans-Pacific Partnership? That's another one. Yeah, play the acronym game all night long. 
You down with you down yeah. with MPX? Then stop hanging out with Paul Pelosi. Come on. Come on, man. I thought that story so was uh over. circling. Hey, back. how about that new Paul? Uh, how about that new uh Alexandra Pelosi documentary on the January 6th. Oh, sure. I have a video about that. Now, first, the most, the the thing that shocked me most about seeing like the clip about this was that the Pelosi daughter has 25 documentaries on HBO so far. It's like her 14th or 25th. It was some ludicrously high, your mom must be the Speaker of the House and we're cutting deals type of number for a single filmmaker to have that many. I don't think, you know, uh, Ken Burns doesn't have that much stuff on a a premium channel network like that. What is going on? And then all of a sudden in her prescient nature, nature of, of seeing the future, she knew to be there that day on January 6th to, to, to catch the crescendo of her mom's career. But do you see really? the Ray transcript as well? You know, yes, sort of, a, I, yeah, yeah. I did tweet that. Let's cover that story first. Yeah. Cause we have yeah. talked about who is Ray Epps. We don't know, but it seems like that would be somebody you'd have like suspect number one. And <laughs> turns out, he might be suspect number one and they still haven't looked at him. Like he's Hunter Biden's laptop or something. I don't know what's going on. Is he an informant? I don't know. But so I have, have to learn more. Yeah. I have an Alex, Alex Jones clip talking about Ooh. it or, or do you want, do you have any other? No, let's go to band. Video band. Video band. Video. We're not so, live there right now, but we are on the replay. So it's at the bottom of technology, economics and politics. I'll highlight it there for you. Yeah. We have All a jukebox right. of 300 stories for tonight's episode. So, do have a lot. I also Wait. posted those John Bound about the miscarriages and the where did the flu go if we want to get back into that. Oh, yeah. I do want to cover that because yeah. I didn't see that last week at all. All right. Let's get fact up with Alex Jones. This Friday edition, December 30th, 2022. Friday bombshell broadcast. You know, I have a blind spot. It's something weird. That happens to me when something is so massive and so huge. I learned about it this morning. I went and checked the congressional record and the J6 committee record for myself. And I have a copy of it here in my hand. This was so big that I should have started the broadcast immediately with us. And I meant to, but then I didn't. So I'm going to hit the other news now. But when we come back, I'm going to hit this. Please put the live show headline back up on screen. This makes me actually gasp for breath a little bit here. This is so insane. We're going to play the clips. Ray Epps confessed under oath to orchestrating January 6th. <laughs> and then they defended him in the New York Times, and the J6 committee said he was a good person. We have him ramming signs into police. We have him telling people go into the breach. We have him saying attack the Capitol. And... In the J6 transcripts, when he was interviewed, remember we kept saying release those, release the 14,000 hours of footage they have from the thousands of cameras in the Capitol. They've declared national security on those and said they're not releasing them for at least 20 years, maybe like the JFK files, maybe here in 60 years. And Ray Epps told them he, quote, orchestrated it under oath. Now, you know why he did that? The FBI did their job and subpoenaed his records. Remember, he was on the wanted list for the first few days. But that's the low-level FBI. They were shut down, ladies and gentlemen. But under oath, they had his text messages where he was bragging to a family member that he orchestrated the break-in. 
Well, we don't need Ray Epps to tell us that. We have him running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Telling everybody to attack the Capitol days before and that day and ramming signs and telling people help him ram giant Trump signs into the police. And then it goes on from there. They ordered half the Capitol Police away to do crowd control at the Ellipse a mile away. Mile and a half away. And they said no to Trump and Milley threatened to resign if Trump overrode him and tried to put National Guard there. Turns out General Flynn's brother, who was in command, put a direct request in and was overruled by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And Pelosi got involved and, and had her film crew there with her daughter and for Netflix and to make a whole movie that day. And here came Ray Epps and their operatives to create a mob psychology where a few Oath Keepers and a few Proud Boys got involved once the police got manipulated into a fight. They couldn't win. And it's just like a bar fight. And if you've ever seen a bar fight, I've been unfortunate enough to be dumb enough to be in a few of them. It looks just like an old Western movie with John Wayne, where one guy punches one guy, that guy punches the other guy, he falls over the table, people get mad to attack that guy, his buddies jump in, their buddies jump in, and pretty soon there's tables and stools and chairs flying around and, and, and whiskey bottles hitting people upside the head. And that's exactly what they did. They had a million-plus people marching to that Capitol. We'd had Trump rallies everywhere that were peaceful, including two in D.C. right before it. We were there to show them that we weren't buying the fraudulent election and call for a legal 10-day investigation by the Senate that Democrats have called for before themselves in, the, in previous elections. And I walked right into a damn trap, and I tried to stop people going in that building. So that's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. And they manipulated us into a bar fight with the police. The police were victims of being set up. The citizens were victims. And it was all deep state coordinated, ladies and gentlemen. And I showed up in the middle of the bar fight, got up on a big stack of chairs, and told people, stop, don't go in. You're going to get Kent stated. People are going to get killed. And it happened 30 minutes after I gave that speech. Ashley Babbitt got executed. So, see, I said I'm going to cover it next segment, but I'm going to I'm going to cover it properly next segment. This is so big, and can you imagine why they sealed their investigation for 20 years at least? It's now sealed for 20 years, two decades, absolutely criminal. While they ran around subpoenaing my records and harassing my crew and charging two of our crew that were peaceful there. And Owen Schroyer also told people to not go in the building, and he's still facing years in prison. And the FBI and the Justice Department filed charges on him, and you read those charges, they say he went in the Capitol, they say he led an attack, they say he attacked police. He didn't go in the damn Capitol. They said in a federal filing to the judge that he committed perjury, and that he does not work at InfoWars. We've read the we've read the arrest filing and pre and, 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 and later court filings. They still go to a federal judge 
and say Owen Schroyer went in the building. Owen Schroyer attacked police. Owen Schroyer told people to attack. Owen Schroyer did the opposite. Owen Schroyer did not go in the building. Owen Schroyer did not attack police. Owen Schroyer tried to stop people. But Owen Schroyer is charged. And Sam Montoya, I really like Sam. But I said, Sam, you got to stay here. We got to have you and Harrison Smith stay when we take the crew up there. You can't go. To show how lenient I am, I learned Sam was there when I learned he got footage of Ab Ashley Babbitt being executed. And I chewed his ass out. And I like Sam. But it didn't matter. They tried to then charge me for ordering him to go in there. Then obviously they leaned on him, but he hasn't lied. But th 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 that's where all this is. That's, that's what's going on with these people, and it's disgusting. Just like they set up the attack on Governor Whitmer. Okay, I said I'd get to it next segment. I will. I told you that they provocateured it. I told you they had operatives that broke in. I told you they were going to suppress the video inside the Capitol. They've suppressed 14,000 hours of it. And we looked at Ray Epps with his classic cutout of an intelligence operative running around for two days before and that day saying attack the Capitol, go into the Capitol, him with big signs, helping it ram it into the police. And I wondered how he'd get away with it and what he'd say under oath. So under oath, the January 6th committee now has released thousands of transcripts of these depositions. And it turns out, and I didn't just believe this when I saw it on Twitter, overhead shot, please. I went to the January 6th committee site and I pulled up the page and I've got it right here. We're writing an article right now for Infowars.com. This is not broken yet, except on Twitter. On the afternoon of January 6th, Ray Epps texted his nephew about the events at the Capitol. I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. <laughs> and we wonder why he was never charged and why he's the only person whom Kinzinger and Cheney defend in the New York Times defense. So here's the actual section of it in his deposition, page 60 and 61. Question. So it looks like around 9 a.m. your nephew texts you. You and Jim be safe. And then at 2.12 on January 6th, that's after they broke in the Capitol, you text back. I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. You know, the orchestra has an conductor who orchestrates the symphony. <laughs> so let me read the actual quote instead of adding what I said. This is a pure quote. Question. So it looks like around 9 a.m. your nephew texts you, you and Jim be safe, and then at 2.12 p.m. on January 6th you text back, I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. And then they go on and go, what does orchestrate mean? Well, I, I let it. This is the exact same time on the video that I just played. Help us understand this text. What did you mean by orchestrate? Why did you orchestrate? What did you orchestrate? Answer. I just meant that I got, you have to understand our relationship, uncle, nephew. We hunt together. We fun with each other. We do that kind of stuff. What I meant by orchestrate was I helped get people there. He goes on to say, at that point, I didn't know they were breaking into the Capitol. He says on the video, go into the Capitol. I didn't, windows had been broken. I didn't know anybody was in the Capitol. If I answer him, that means it was 
2.12, I was on my way back to the hotel. Yeah, mission complete. So there you go, running around, telling everybody to go in for days. They're doing it, helping Ram. It, it's him on the video, the big sign. I noticed you guys were playing it from the ground level. There's a shot above of Ray Epps. They're directing people to grab the sign and then ramming it uh, into the police. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the shot from the ground. We have one from above. So if you don't find it for some reason, I want to add it in post. We archive this demand.video. Please put a note. But yeah, that's him up close. There's a shot from above with him on the corner helping. So everybody else that they caught doing that went to jail, but not Ray Epps, ladies and gentlemen. Not Ray Epps. So that is a big, big deal, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there's, there's the actual footage of him with the sign, directing it and getting others to push the sign over the police. So there he is, ramming over police and barricades, laughing and smiling. Good job, crew, finding that. And there's Ray Epps on the video helping do it, but he's okay because he just orchestrated it. Isn't he a good person? Isn't he a wonderful person? He orchestrated it. I've said probably 300 times Ray Epps helped orchestrate the breach at the Capitol, and there he is ramming the sign over the police and directing others to help him ram police and run over them with a crowd and stomp on them. But he's their little darling because you know if it actually came out, you know who he works for. I would bet my last dollar that he's an FBI or CIA operative or informant. Just like it turned out, half the people in the Michigan group that went to supposedly try to kidnap the governor but never actually did it. It turned out the entire leadership were FBI agents and informants. Incredible information. Totally disgusting. And now they've sealed the rest of their report and all their data for 20 years. Why would you seal the investigation for 20 years. And now the article's gone live by Kellen McBreen. He's to go super viral. It's on Infowars.com. You have trouble sharing Infowars.com? Copy it to your website or get somebody else to share it. I don't care. Just get the article out. Epps confessed to January 6th committee that he orchestrated attack on the Capitol, that he got the people there, that he grabbed a sign a huge metal sign that he led people to ram it over the police and break the barriers. And then as soon as they got into the Capitol, he turned and left because it was mission complete. The article is on infowars.com. You want to fight the deep state? You want to expose what they've done? This is bigger than the Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah, we know he's a Chinese spy. We know his dad's a spy. It's all in there. The pedophilia is the tip of the iceberg. But this, ladies and gentlemen, shows the committee knows that he said he orchestrated the attack and he's there ramming signs into police and saying, go into the Capitol and we'll come back and play some clips of that. And he has not been arrested, but Owen Schroyer has and Sam Montoya has and Stuart Rhodes has been convicted fraudulently, totally innocent. And now the Oath Keepers are on trial 
in a kangaroo court in Washington, D.C. Let's uh, finish up with uh, Ray Epps. And there's just so much huge breaking news right now. Idaho murder suspect Brian Christopher Kobager arrested in killings of four university students. Totally brutal. Non-student reportedly alleged. We're going to be covering that. I've got the inside baseball and the Andrew Tate situation. And we've got huge new government documents that just came out on COVID-19 that are stunning. I mean, <laughs> we don't overuse the words epic, stunning, over-the-top, incredible bombshell. It's just all bombshell. And, of course, you're not going to see hardly any of this on mainstream news because it'd be over for the New World Order if this stuff came out. But here, here's Ray Epps. You've seen the clips a hundred times, but I, I don't want to say something and not show it to you. I don't want to say, hey, here he is directing folks with a big sign to overrun the police. I don't want to say it's in a transcript that he told in a deposition to the J6 committee that he orchestrated the attack on the Capitol and not show it to you. I don't want to say here he is running around saying, go to the Capitol tomorrow, go into the Capitol, and then the, the, that day. We're going to always show it to you. It's what we do. Here it is. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to say go. It. I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. No, Dave, but one more thing. Yeah, so can we go up there? No? When we go in. Are we going to get arrested if we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get Does shot. Can arrest us all? the Capitol Police to half their normal number. You'd think with a big event like this happening, they'd double or triple the number. No, no, they cut the normal number you'd have on a Monday or Tuesday afternoon when there's school kids there getting tours. They cut the normal number to half instead of tripling the number. Block Trump's call for 10,000 National Guard. Block General Flynn's brother's call for that. And that big old disgusting New World Order maggot, General Milley, Threatened to resign if Trump put troops on the streets. And they were going to try to deliver Trump to the Capitol to set him up that day, right as the breach happened. But the Secret Service said it's too dangerous. And then they said Trump grabbed the wheel and attacked the Secret Service. None of that happened. All lies, all the time, out of these people. And then Andrew Tate gets in a big fight with Greta Thunberg. He was uncancelable. And so they set him up with fake charges he's already beaten once that the police found were not true. And let me tell you, when you're a public figure, ladies and gentlemen, that's what goes on. That's what happens, especially if you're a populist or conservative. Is Andrew Tate racy? Yes. Do you have a criminal record? No. But they're trying to give him one now as a message to anybody that is able to reach 200, 300, 400 million young men in the West and other parts of the world, that's who he influences to be men and to be strong and to not be victims and to be masculine. They don't want masculine role models. And so it's for that sin that they're coming after him. Do I think his brand of masculinity uh, is mine? No. But I'm also not three-time world champion kickboxer. 
I'm just a all-time champion, New World Order fighter, thanks to your support. Remember, I always give you the credit. We'll be right back. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll address that Tate taint situation in a, in, a, in, a, in a minute. But first, there's big numbers. 20 years. They want to cover this stuff for 20 years, but you want to hold people. Like, don't we have a right to speedy trial? There's been people held without trial for two plus years, and they want to hide the evidence for 20 years. I smell something rotten there. Seems like they might be political prisoners being held and not criminal prisoners. And basically solitary and confinement like conditions, from my understanding, at least some of them. So like yeah. very extreme holding conditions, in other words. Yeah. And I'm not too sure about you know, Ray Epps. Let's consider him innocent until proven guilty, but he should definitely be a suspect. At this point, I would think there's something going on. And uh, they've never been able to identify the alleged capital bomber, the pipe bomber, whatever down there, even though they got this obscenely slow frame footage that allegedly, you know, it has them, but it doesn't have them, you know, because their tech down there just doesn't capture the megapixels and the frame rate enough to identify him for some reason in this case only. But I'm sure there's nothing corrupt going on behind any of those types of things. And we should probably, you know, ignore it. But when the technocratic apparatus in place doesn't work for some individuals, but works for others. I don't know. It's just... Just noticing a weird thing. They have enough footage of the event that you could watch an hour of footage and spend your 12 years in school again just on the Capitol footage. There's 14,000 hours of footage. There's 15,000 hours you spent in public compulsory indoctrination camp land. So that's a long time. That's a lot of footage. But they want to hide that for 20 years. For what reason? And what could we you. learn between now and the 20 years that they're going to get away with? You know, it's interesting that this seems to be repeating from, you know, reinforcing the election people brought to you by the same group of people, you know, whether it's Pfizer forever, get how many years they tried. Was it 60, 75, something obscene number, obviously JFK assassination records, you know, they continue to just leak out stuff that isn't quite meaningful, but you know, and then extend it longer. You're right. Longer. It is. It's like the JFK documents, extremely long national security. And then the Pfizer forever may not yeah. be as long as it used to be. So, right. I mean, yeah, that's one that right? that one is challenged by Aaron Siri, I can lawyer. And uh, why do you think they want to hide lawyer. this stuff for 20 years? Wouldn't you, if they're the government and you want to rebuild trust, show the evidence and then prosecute people? I have a hypothesis that maybe it's really not about rebuilding trust at oh, this point, shit, dude. Maybe they don't need our trust anymore. Is yeah, that where they're at with robots and cybernetics? They think saw a picture of some Chinese firm with all these robot dogs. Reminiscent of the Black Mirror episode, woof, doing woof. all these crazy things. So yeah, you know, getting ready to roll out the. Uh, I heard real dogs are bad for the planet, Tony. Mm. Yeah, I guess you should have them all spayed, spayed and neutered because that mm. that used to be the daily advertisement on The Price Is Right. Bob Sounds Barker like would a... tell you, "Have your." I didn't even know what spayed and neutered meant at that age. But you got to like have eight. it done to your dog or cat. I got You got to tell my parents, get, get a spade and neutered, you know? So they've been carrying these messages for a long time for the robot dogs that take place. <laughs> Sounds like a type of eugenics to me, uh, regardless of the species. They call question. it breeding. Good breeding. <laughs> Good breeding, sure. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> oh, boy. So we go to the, I have a Russell Brand on the um, HBO documentary. That was released. Yes, by please. Paul that's Piano. that's. I caught a mi couple minutes of that, so I too had those questions about uh, Alexandria Pelosi. 
very strange. It's just right above a little bit. Very uh, prescient. Maybe she has a, a, ma- a magic magic ball. What do they call it? The uh, crystal ball? No, she's with Sagar. Over I like the way Kyle place. Donegan, you know, a little a little yeah. birdie. To whenever I, ha- I have a feeling and I write a law and then I make lots of money in the stock market. So <laughs> that's Nancy Pelosi with uh, the gimp or the hammer rather. I keep, so I keep, I keep yeah. using the analogy to Pulp Fiction because that seems to be ever too relevant. <laughs> They're living the dream out there in California, Tony. They're living the dream. Yeah, it has to be a dream. It must be a dream for you to believe it. What was the quote that, uh, what's his name said? You have to be asleep to believe it or something like that. Uh, uh, it's called the American dream for a reason because you have to be asleep yeah, to believe it. it. George Carlin. George Carlin, yeah. All right, bring out not the gimp. This guy's Rusty Rockets on Twitter. His name's Russell Brand. He's going to tell you about the, the opportunistic filmmakers, just like the Naude brothers, that were just there on 9 11 to capture that one event in history. Let's check it out. Oh no! Nancy Pelosi isn't Speaker of the House anymore, and she's an uncomplicated, brilliant, just, fair, lovely politician. That's why someone should make a documentary about her from a completely unbiased perspective, because it will just show how great she is. Probably best to get her daughter to make it, actually. Hello there. Thanks for joining me on this voyage to truth in this corrupt and crazy world that wants to fill your mind with senseless propaganda like this HBO documentary about Nancy Pelosi, who I'm sure is not actually evil, but does seem to be participating in a lot of congressional grandstanding and moral posturing when in fact making quite a lot of money from regulating companies that her family at least are invested in. So what exactly has Nancy Pelosi done that means she's so worthy of a hagiography? Or is it another case of Washington whitewashing? Hmm. And of course we're doing this because of the new HBO documentary about Nancy Pelosi made by her daughter. In her 14th documentary film for HBO, acclaimed documentarian Alexandra Pelosi offers a candid behind-the-scenes chronicle of the life of her mother and Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. How candid is it? My candid documentary would go, what stocks of shares do you and Dad own? And do you ever sit on regulatory boards of those same companies? And why did you elbow that little girl? For the children. So this documentary takes you through Pelosi's career milestones leading up to the inauguration of President Joe Biden in 2021. Filmed in a cinema verite style. Yeah, that's the only thing that's verite. Over the course of three decades, Pelosi in the House provides a unique longitudinal window into the life of a long-standing democratic politician and history in the making. So what will it be? Filthy propaganda or what it claims to be a verite or truthful look into the career of a politician. And the truth is, I believe that there's nothing uniquely bad or cruel or wicked about Nancy Pelosi. It's just that if you are in that role, you likely have sets of interests, receive money from and have affiliations with organisations that are ultimately at odds with the requirements needs and rights of American people. So that's the only claim I'm making. She's not like Cruella DeVille or something, although... For the children. Mom, why did you choose this life? Greed. I didn't really choose this life. No, not it chose me. Don't say it chose me. Don't use a cliche. Don't use a cliche right at the beginning of your trailer and then expect us to come along with you and sort of go, oh, that this is about like one woman challenges in a male-dominated world as if the actual issue here is about gender and sex, which is admittedly, obviously, an issue in the world and in society. But when that issue is framed within a corrupt political system that ultimately exists to support the interests of, you know already, military-industrial complex, big pharma, big food, mainstream media, don't pretend that it's a victory that someone's not got a dick. It shows me. Oh no, it is that, yeah. Politics was the life that we led. I have the high privilege as the first president to begin the State of the Union message with these words. 
Madam Speaker. Yes! Yes! Now, now let's go to war with Iraq. They've definitely got weapons of mass destruction, and she's definitely got female genitals. Yeah! Everything's cool! Everything's cool! Woohoo! Nothing to think about! What? Oh. Well, just pull a statue down. It'll look good on the telly. We're there to do a job. Do you think that what they do is present you with certain issues that can appear like victories? Because I believe that there should be equality and people should be free to express themselves sexually in consensual ways however they want to and that identity is important and libertarianism and identity politics actually meet at the back as it were because you should be free to be whoever you are. But when these things are continually broadcast in your face it might be as a bit of a distraction that centralised financial, corporate, military, industrial interests are carrying on in the business as usual way while you're sort of clapping blindly that someone's a woman. Some people count sheep at night, I count votes. I don't know what Paul's doing there, he seems to be counting something as well. Maybe he's Apple stocks, which seem to be doing well at the moment, but that's nothing to do with me, I don't have any connection to that. You can't get tired, you can never get tired. Are you gonna be on your best behavior tonight? Yes, I am. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, democracy, oh. There you go, baby. Take that, huh? Oh, there's your democracy standing up to Trump, you sexist pig. Why did you tear it up? With a total pack of lies. What it does is it frames as meaningful the differences and distinctions that take place within that house. They are not meaningful. I recognise that people will say, oh, there might be a small gap, but millions of people live and die in that gap if this care package gets granted or that bill gets passed. But have a look at the trends over the last 30 years and look at who's continually benefiting and you might come to some interesting conclusions about the true validity of the things that they say are significant and important. Let us pray that today, January 6th, will be an epiphany for the American people. Look at the protesters outside the Capitol. Oh my God, how did that guy get up there? Mr. Vice President, don't let anybody know where you are. To be fair, he probably doesn't know where he is anyway. We always knew that this responsibility would take us into the night. We'll stay as long as it takes. January 6th, I think, is pivotal and significant only in so much as the reporting around it attempts to suggest that there is something in there that is sacred. Suddenly, democracy is sacred. Don't storm that building! That's where we do all our business deals with Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and fight. That's where our lobbying money is handed over. How dare you! How dare you knock over a statue of a person that used to take bribes? You're always on message. There's no cracking you, huh? Well, then, if that's what you want to do, crack your mom. <laughs> yes, I do. I want to crack you. <laughs> Ugh. We've been promised a candid documentary, and it looked to me like a hagiography that presents Nancy Pelosi as a uniquely and solely benevolent figure who represents a victory for women's rights, which are important. That's why they always use that narrative, because it's an important thing. But I believe they use it to mask areas of corruption, duplicity, collusion, and even conspiracy elsewhere. Here are some things that could have been in that documentary that may have made it a little more illuminating and valuable to a discerning viewer who's interested in understanding how the system works and how a particular figure within that system, like Nancy Pelosi, can be used to tell a story about democracy and in particular its shortcomings. Because most of us are told and led to understand that the function of democracy is to allow the will of ordinary people to be enacted systematically across vast nations and wide populations. But many of us believe that what happens really is the establishment gets co-opted by corporate interests and ultimately democracy becomes a kind of piece of theatre. So maybe it's a good documentary on that basis. Here's some things that are not in that documentary 
documentary that you might be interested to learn. Pelosi is one of the wealthiest members of Congress. Her and her husband Paul's net worth has increased rapidly over the past few years. After generally hovering near an estimated $100 million throughout the 2010s, the Pelosi net worth began shooting up in 2020 and by the end of 2021 had reached $171 million. Their wealth doubled during a time of massive crisis for the world. Her personal wealth doubled. So what do you think tells you more about Nancy Pelosi? Her tearing up a bit of paper behind Donald Trump or the fact that her wealth doubled during a time where the majority of people in the world were suffering? What's more significant? You tell me. Let me know in the chat. Let me know in the comments. This is thanks in part to her husband's holdings in the likes of Slack, Tesla, Disney, Visa, Salesforce, PayPal, Alphabet, Facebook and Netflix. All of them major corporations that spend untold millions every year to lobby the government. Hmm, what a coincidence. And yet every time Nancy Pelosi says anything about what motivates her, oh, the job chooses me. I've got to help the children. For the children. Unless your children are called Alphabet, Facebook and Netflix, it seems like you've got other motivations. Although your children are also doing quite well. So during a time where the narrative was, we're all in this together. Although you're suffering economically, we're all in this together suffering. I don't know though, because Nancy's personal wealth doubled, Alphabet's wealth increased, Netflix's wealth increased. All of these organisations evidently benefited from a time of crisis. Should that be in the documentary? Is that something you're interested in? It's really weird, isn't it? At a time when you see someone who's presented as a heroic figure double their wealth in a time of global crisis, that there would be like civil unrests and uprisings. Those people must be so racist to do that. Oh, the racism must have really bubbled up during that time where powerful figures doubled their wealth and some of the most powerful corporations in the world increased their profits. The racism just went poosh, almost as if it's not racism at all, but in fact, corruption that drives these people. Much of their added wealth is due to extremely lucrative and lucky decisions about when to buy and sell stocks and options in the very industries and companies over which Pelosi as House Speaker exercises enormous and direct influence. No wonder they have to work so hard to keep people divided because all of us would benefit from changing these systems. We would all benefit. So as long as you're thinking, these people are too lefty liberal, these people are too right-wing nationalists, as long as you're all caught up in that, which obviously houses some significant and important issues, you won't be able to unify and confront true corruption. People parading about on the TV set in pearls, doubling their wealth and saying that the real problem is Donald Trump and poor people. To underscore the towering conflict, towering conflict of interest at the heart of Speaker Pelosi's self-enrichment, consider the company in which the Pelosi's traded most often. Apple. Buying and selling in that one company accounted for 17.7% of the Pelosi's overall trading volume. And yet during this same period, Pelosi held at least one private conversation with Apple CEO Tim Cook about the state of Apple and possible effects on the company from various pending bills to reform Silicon Valley. But that wouldn't influence their stock price or their value or give you any advantageous information. And even if you don't use that one direct clear example, it shows you a kind of systemic symbiosis that is the heart of real power. These relationships are what important. Do you think your vote's important? The hanging chads, the blue one, the red one, or Apple and the Speaker of the House having meetings during a time where her wealth doubles? You tell me. I don't know. Maybe make a documentary about it. Indeed, all five of the Pelosi's most traded stocks over the last two years just so happened to be the five Silicon Valley giants that would be most affected by pending legislation at the time. Wow, wow. Is that in the documentary? Paul Pelosi in March exercised $1.95 million worth of Microsoft call options 
comes less than two weeks before the tech stalwart secured a $22 billion contract to supply US Army combat troops with augmented reality headsets. Poor Pelosi, he may not be so good at driving and he may have some dubious house guests, but by God, when he gets a hunch about Microsoft, he's always on the money. Paul's feeling some feelings. Paul's feeling some feelings. Better have a little drinky, then a little drivey, then a little visit, and then buy Microsoft, Microsoft. Ah, police, police, intruder alert, intruder alert. In January, he purchased up to $1 million of Tesla calls before the Biden administration delivered its plan to shift towards electric vehicles. Good at investing in them, not so good at driving them while on the boozy woozy. Arrested for driving under the influence. Beyond that, Google, one of the companies in which the Pelosi's stock trades have made millions, is one of the top five donors to the House Speaker. You can draw this as a graph. You can just look at all the interconnections. You can look at the convergence of interest. It's not conspiracy theory. It's just business. The wealthy couple buys and sells in Google stocks, making millions. She works on bills that directly affect the future trajectory of Google, and they lavish her campaign coffers with cash, a key source of her entrenched power. What a hero, though! What a hero! Let's focus solely and exclusively on the women's rights aspect of this, because if you look one millimetre to the left or right of the women's rights issues, it suddenly becomes a story about the relationship between Congress, the Speaker of the House, and powerful big tech lobbyists and organisations in whom her family owns stocks and shares. And that's not such a good documentary, is it? That's not so encouraging. That's not, yeah, everything's improving, is it? That's, oh, everything's corrupt, as you've always suspected. The reason certain people are doing well is because of their connections, their relationships, lobbying, legalised bribery, and legislated for corruption. But just keep focusing on a plucky woman who just against all the odds made it. It's sort of a bit like Ratatouille, really. But instead of manipulating a chef's head, you're manipulating Congress and Apple stocks. Hey, but that's just what I think. Let me know what you've... Oh, the Ratatouille. See, that's why you got to mix the comedy with the news, because we all... We all grow when we laugh like that. So this Pelosi name keeps coming up. <clears throat> and I know I heard a Pelosi name the other day, but it wasn't related to this story. And it had something to do with Hunter Biden and the Pelosi kid and maybe John Kerry's kid. And they're on, are they in a, a, a funding place for Metabiota for the uh, Ukrainian labs? Okay. Yeah. What was the, what was the, was it Rosemont Seneca partners or where's the place Hunter had a place funding and then that funding was going to the Ukrainian bio labs. And then it was like Pelosi's son maybe and Hunter Biden and John Kerry's Can you find um, it? someone or other in his family. What I, what I sensed was a lot of nepotism and flowing of American dollars. Ro Rosemont. Yeah. Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca investment fund finance, the Pentagon. Let's see this. Yeah, who's who else is on Rosemont Seneca? Let's put that on screen. Let me um this is let me put it archives. This is a Washington Post, so give me two seconds. Yeah, to we're gonna get this. behind that. We're gonna look get behind, behind this real quick. Where the civilians can't see. Search uh, he's just using archive dot what is? Yeah, yeah, dot is yeah. So this is just it might just be a whitewash, but let's find out. The truth about Hunter Biden and the Ukrainian biolabs. This was written today at three o'clock. Uh, is that correct? What? No. That's March 29th, 2022. So this is okay. probably a whitewash, but it does mention what you were mentioning. Uh, quote, Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca Investment Fund financed the Pentagon's military biological program in Ukraine, said Igor uh, Virilov. Vir uh, 
Kirill. So this isn't Burisma. Of- this isn't Joe getting the guy fired. This is a del- this is another set of deals in Ukraine that the Biden crime family had, uh, you know, uh, been doing on behalf of the United States Pentagon Department of Defense. So this is an allegation made by Igor Kirillov, head of the Radiation, Chemical, and Biological Defenses Forces of the Russian Armed Forces. And so it goes into a timeline. Um, Russian state-owned domestic news, quote, the National Policy is reporting tonight, apparently a private equity firm run by Hunter Biden funded some of the research into pathogens in these biolabs. Tucker Carlson, also March 24th, Russia's assertion that President Biden's son Hunter was financing biological laboratories in Ukraine was based in truth, according to emails reviewed by the Post, New York Post. So they could figure that out, but not his laptop. That was a big enigma for them, but they could figure this part out. And there's a New York Post article. This is March 26, 2022. Bombshell. Did Russia invade Ukraine because of Biden's biolabs? Hunter's laptop says yes. Headline <laughs> <laughs> on PJ Media article, uh, March 26. The Russian Defense Ministry. Yeah, I'll make this bigger for people. This is where I'm at right now. The Russian Defense Ministry knows how to stir up the interest of the right-leaning news media in the United States. Just mentioned Hunter Biden, the president's son. So to get us into the whitewashing. Of oh, because it's Russia, 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 where Hunter was doing the things with his niece. Yeah, they're setting up Russia as a straw man, basically. And this is like oh. Glenn Kessler. For people who don't know from... how to search the internet for Hunter Biden's laptop contents to see for yourself, you'll just trust Russia, Russia, Russia. Okay. Let's there is it. a spectrum of people that does that. I don't know which side of the bell curve they're not they're on, but I'm not on it. Well, was, was it Alexandra Pelosi? Yeah. Plus, okay. Let's 14 look. documentaries for HBO or 14th that's, documentary. No, no, that's HBO. connected with the Rosemont Seneca investment. Oh, no, I think uh, it, Pelosi must have a son. I'm thinking it's her son. Uh, okay. I've never, I've only read the stories. I've never looked at the wiki for the company or anything. Let's see. Um, but we're getting down to it because there is a, a Reuters uh, fact check. That's there's an problem. agency that was involved with these bio labs in Ukraine that had i think it was funding that came from a group that had on its board or in its participants all these people who are of of left powerful politicians so it's like their training op for the next generation and also gets them into like uh here you go is that this uh, is strange uh this is finance.senate.gov Hunter Biden, Burisma, and Corruption, the Impact on U.S. Government Policies and Related Concerns, U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, U.S. Senate Committee on Finance, Majority Staff Report. So let me see if it gets into anything juicy here in regards to... Search the word crack. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, let's see here. Since the offices of Chairman John... Okay. Rosemont Seneca Partners... Let's see. For example, according to media reports, Dirk Here, Hock- control plus that so people at home can mm-hmm. see it on their screen. <clears throat> and Dirk Hack is responsible hands. for spreading. Let me start here. For example, according to media reports, Dirk Hack is responsible for spreading allegations that Brisbane made direct payments to Joe Biden in the amount of $900,000, which were allegedly funneled to the Biden through his son's consulting firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, and marked for quote oh. unquote consulted. Con- consult- consultative services this claim about direct payments made to the joe biden is not evaluated in the committee's report of investigation <laughs> yeah we're just not going to look at it it's just a claim that's out there but we're not going to evaluate it in any capacity it's kind of like hunter biden's laptop uh, <laughs> just it's in the same folder they're in the same drawer just put that in there or, with stuff we don't touch 
I love this. Uh, so it says here, this claim about direct payments made to Joe Biden is not evaluated in the committee's report of investigation, nor has it ever been cited as a predicate for any of the committee's info- information requests. In other words, like, we're not going to evaluate it and we're not going to request it for information. Uh, but we know it exists and we'll mention it in this report in case we get blackmailed. We, we have... We- <laughs> Is that what they're saying? Why even bring it up, man? It goes on to state, however, during the chairman's staff interview of George Kent, ranking member Peters, Peters' staff inserted into the interview record the same Dear Cat created document that the Democrats relied on in their July 13th letter to falsely accuse the chairman of relying on disinformation. So then there was just setting up Dear Cat as, I guess, one of the individuals who uh, leaked this information as being who is... I'm not sure if they go into who Deercock is. It's possible Deercock's, Deercock's, however you pronounce it, efforts could have shaped the committee's investigation anyway. Does it go into anything? It doesn't mention him a number of times, but doesn't mention that they evaluated it in any, they're sort of setting him up as being like, oh, just don't look there. It's just some allegation made by this individual. Let me see if I can find more information about who this individual is. Well, he pops up uh, 18 times. So according, it says here, a subsequent political article, again, citing unnamed sources, reported that in 2019, Dear Cack allegedly sent information to several members of Congress, including the chairman and ranking member Wyden and ranking member Peters. The article then further suggested these weak parallels reinforced the quote-unquote suspicions of some Democrats that the committee's investigation was, quote, laundering a foreign influence campaign to damage Biden, end quote. The political article also suggests that Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, George Kent, and several other individuals have been the subject of the committee information requests. The chairman repeatedly rejected claims that had been engaged that he had any engagement with Dirkak in August 2020. Dirkak was publicly identified by the ICA as a proponent of a foreign sourced influence campaign to influence 2020 election. Oh, okay, so that's what they're playing here. So fascinating. All right, I put a link in the chat, and this yeah. is coming from Reuters, and it's a fact check. Denying what I was just trying to tell you. So let's see. Let's read between the lines and see what's actual and factual about this. Yep. Fact check. Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, and Mitt Romney do not have sons on boards of energy companies doing business in Ukraine. What about Joe Biden? They don't even mention that Joe Biden doesn't have a son doing these things also. And just for the record, this is from February 4th. (laughs) They also don't know that he had a laptop, apparently, either. February 4th, 2021. uh, Reuters staff. So let's go dive into this a little bit. Post claiming that the sons of U.S. President Joe Biden, Senator Mitt Romney and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and special presidential envoy for climate John Kerry, quote, are all on the board of directors for energy companies doing business in Ukraine and quote, have been flagged by Facebook in its efforts to combat online misinformation like they did with Hunter Biden's laptop. I love how they go with the this. So they go on to state the claim is false, although Biden's son Hunter previously held such a position. Uh, okay. So they don't go into any facts. They say it's false. I'm sure they're going to facts down here. So let's go here. And really those people are on the board of something else and it's not the energy company. It's the bio. It's probably like a holding, company. it's probably like a holding company or a shell company or subsidiary. You know how this game is. Some played. operation Gladio blackmail <laughs> network company. Examples of posts making this claim can be found here, here, and here. Well, whatever. Uh, Hunter Biden. I mean, we can look this up, but let's just get into how they, where do they work man and tear it down. That's what we're trying to figure out. Where do they work together? Because this is a straw man. They always debunk oh, straw yeah. man articles. So there's going to be something in here we can use to find the truth. 
So Hunter Biden, during the 2020 campaign for the White House, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, became, hold on real quick, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, became a focus of attacks from former President Donald Trump and his Republican allies who questioned potential conflicts of interest from Hunter's position on the board of Ukrainian energy company Burisma at the time his father was vice president to Democratic President Barack Obama. As Reuters reported in October 2019, interviews with more than a dozen people, including executives and former prosecutors in Ukraine, paint a picture of Hunter Biden as a director who provided advice on legal issues, corporate finance, and strategy during his five-year term on the board, which ended in April of 2019. (laughs) Let's just break that over for a second. They paid him to consult on what, what, and what? Because we've all seen Hunter Biden's laptop. I don't know that he's qualified to consult on such things. Am I so bold as to be one of the first people in history to observe such things? Yeah, I'm in a small couple percentage of people who've been saying that for years and they go on bullshit he had a five-year term on the board it just ended in 2019 reuters you gotta love how they build a straw man they say he's still a part of it but he's not really a part of it that's false but he was a part of it for five years doing what corporate finance and strat legal issues corporate finance and strategy oh okay that doesn't spell a conflict of interest at all they also said what about pyatt what about uh, uh, victoria newland uh, what about George Soros? Open Foundations, the Foundation in Ukraine, uh, the Maidan coup in 2014. Okay. Anyways, let's go continue forward. They also said his presence on the board did not protect the company from criminal investigations launched by the Ukrainian authorities against its owner, uh, Mykola Zlokev- Zlokevsky. The allegations concerned tax violations, money laundering, and licenses given to Burisma during the period when uh, Zolokevsky was a minister. In June 2020, an audit of thousands of old case files by Ukrainian prosecutors found no evidence of wrongdoing on the part of Hunter Biden. That's it. Okay, let's click on that one. Uh, no wrong. Was this, was this after? Look, hold on, hold no on. What was it? When was the CFR with uh, Joe Biden when he's like, well, if you don't fire that prosecutor, we're Son not going to send you the money. Call him, see what happens. You give him a call. See if yeah. you'll get those millions or billions or whatever it was. And that's in yeah. front of the council. I forget what stuff. year. What was. do they put another prosecutor in place who runs an audit? And it's like, he's like, look, they f- turns up that uh, now there's no wrongdoing here. He well, they impeached the Trump with- over that because Trump tried to check it out and they impeached him for calling the guy and trying to check it out, which shows you how gangster the gangsters are. So this let's look into this. This is June 4th, 2020. And this is so if you follow this last claim here on December 8th, 2020, Hunter Biden announced that the U.S. attorney's office in Delaware is investigating his tax affairs here. Oh, I'm sorry. The one above. In June 2020, an audit of thousands of old case files by Ukrainian prosecutors found no evidence of wrongdoing on the part of Hunter Biden. So this is where it takes you, I believe. Yes. Ukraine found no evidence against Hunter Biden in case audit, former top prosecutor Kiev or Kiev. This is Reuters. This is from what June of 2020, June 4th, 2020. Up here. An audit of thousands of old case files, Ukrainian prosecutors found no evidence of wrongdoing on the part of Hunter Biden, the former prosecutor general who had launched the audit, told Reuters. And Ukraine's prosecutor general, Ruslan, oh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, speaks during a news conference in Kiev, Ukraine, October 4th, 2019. Ruslan Ryabashapka was in the spotlight last year as the man who would decide whether to launch an investigating the former Vice President Joe Biden and son Hunter and what became a key issue in the impeachment of President Donald Trump. President Volodymyr Zelensky described 
uh, will buy a shopka shopka as 100% my person. <laughs> I mean, he is on a call in t- July 2019, which Trump asked Zelensky to investigate Biden, the man who became his main rival in the 2020 presidential election or presidential race. After taking office, uh, so Zelensky shop- was happy. He was on the scene and helping out before the war. Raya Bashapka in October announced an audit of old cases and he inherited, including those related to the energy company Burisma, where Hunter Biden was a board member between 2014 and 2019. And what was he a board member doing? He was, what was it? Uh, legal. What was it? Uh, yeah, he's doing consulting. It's consulting, but. Consulting. See here. How many times can you use your crack pipe before you have to clean it? Oh, it's over here. Tutorials. To that, and he had some tutorials like that. Yeah, here it is. He is a consulting for 2014 to 2019. Legal issues, corporate finance, and strategy. Nothing to see there, nothing at all. So the audit was intended to probe. FTX. (laughs) I mean, there's an overlap in the Venn diagram between all these crimes that are going on. My favorite here. So it goes on to state the audit was intended to probe whether cases Ureo Bashapka had inherited from his predecessors. I think the predecessor that got fired under threat of Joe Biden. Yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, when he was in front of the Council on Foreign Relations. So that's a neglected aspect fallacy. That would kind of change things and make this fact check a little bit more dubious, but they don't, you know, maybe I'm but wrong. They must that. not know that, Reuters. Only people like us know that, Tony. And according Reuters to can't Ukraine, have the ability to know such things. He had been handled properly, given the reputation of the prosecution <clears> service <throat> as being riddled with corruption and influence peddling. The audit was part of a broader reform of the prosecution service, but became politically charged given some of the cases related to the Burisma's founder. Quote, regarding to the call to Zelensky and the story with Burisma, I can see that there was no pressure on me. Ariel Bashapka said the audit was completed. End quote. And continuing uh, the different quote. Because he's I Zelensky's just- guy. So he's going he's right. to do it in favor of the people that put Zelensky in office, which uh, among which are former vice president's group. That's correct. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Quote, I specifically asked prosecutors to check especially carefully those facts about Biden's alleged involvement. They answered that there was nothing of the kind. <laughs> yeah. The big guy was not there, man. He was not yep. there. He doesn't get his cut. It's not, in the, was it's not in the Hunter Biden laptop at all that type of stuff. Those details are not on the laptop. Don't look at the laptop for those type of pieces of evidence. Ariba Shapka was fired in March after lawmakers accused him of not moving quickly enough in prosecuting cases. Ariba Shapka said he was axed because he had started bringing real reform to the prosecution service the first time in a way that threatened the interests of corporate politicians. Maybe it's, I don't believe it's the same prosecutor. I, I'll have to go back. I, no, it's not. They all have too many sworn. consonants in their last name. That's why. Trump was impeached on charges of abuse of power and obstruction of Democratic blah, blah, blah. Hunter Biden's activities at Burisma have also been the target of scrutiny by the U.S. Senate committee. If I remember correctly from, uh, it wasn't a Poroshenko, no, it's a Burisma scandal. I'll just bring it up because it'll tell me because there's a, oh, luckily there's a wiki, Wikipedia on this whole situation, the Burisma, Hunter Biden, maybe they got rid of it, Wikipedia. I think it's called the Burisma scandal. Plus, Wiki. Well, Burisma is just one energy company that yeah, they the had Biden investments Ukraine. over there. So here's here's the Biden Ukraine conspiracy theory. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> there's no there's... evidence that Hunter was on the board of the company doing business over there, and there's no evidence of his dad threatening 
the the prosecutors over there to do it. Like, there's no evidence. It's just conspiracy theory. It's tell just, me more. I'm, I'm fascinated. Tell me more, Tony. And real quick, it's Victor Shokin, former prosecutor general of Ukraine. He was the one that was fired, if I remember correctly, after Joe Biden made the threat. So here's but here's the Biden Ukraine conspiracy theory. A series of false claims make this really big for people. I love when they start out like that. <laughs> yeah, right. They're that's like, not, in case you need to read no further, like a read question no begging further. epithet, you know, that's like, that's sort of a question begging epithet. It's a bit of circular reasoning. You can there. start out the story of Jesus the same way. Is that the way we're going to represent history now? <laughs> oh, boys. Well, if you take them literally and not as a metaphor. Okay. Anyways, a series of false claims are centered on the basis allegation that while Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, he engaged in corrupt activities relating to the employment of his son, Hunter Biden, by the Ukrainian gas company Burisma. They were spread primarily in an attempt to damage Joe Biden's reputation during the 2020 presidential campaign. United States intelligence community analysis released in March 2021 found that proxies of Russian intelligence promoted the laundered, misleading or unsubstantiated narratives about the Bidens to, or quote, to U.S. media organizations, U.S. officials and prominent U.S. individuals, including some close to former President Trump and his administration, end quote. The New York Times reported in May 2021 that a federal criminal investigation was examining a possible role by current and former Ukrainian officials, including whether they used former Trump personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who's the subject of a separate federal investigation to spread unsubstantiated claims. The conspiracy theory alleges that then Vice President Biden withheld loan guarantees to pressure Ukraine into firing a prosecutor to prevent a corruption investigation into Burisma and to protect his son. The United States did withhold government aid to pressure Ukraine into removing the prosecutor. And, and Biden court, did admit to it on the Council on Foreign Relations stage. But it's with, a conspiracy theory, Rich. With That's Rhodes what it says. Scholar Richard Haas. I mean, how right? convenient. But it's a conspiracy theory. I mean, we should just start calling them conspiracy facts. And then we have this fucking fact check. Excuse my language, but goddamn. Um, goddamn. Ukraine found no evidence against Hunter Biden in case audit when they have this other prosecutor, Prosecutor General Ruslan Ryobashapka saying oh and then so he's like this is my guy yeah Yeah, he's like this is my guy and we he comes in and he's reforming the audience let me paint it out oh my god are we kidding me what a former comedian who on the show became president and later became president Zelensky of ukraine who also was on a show where he played the piano with his johnson his guy says there's nothing to be seen there just like 50 FBI directors told you that it didn't come from a lab and Hunter Biden's laptop doesn't exist. And you guys are all Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all. You need to worry about Russia more. But you can trust the fact that they found nothing rich. According to this article, according to the call to Zelensky in this story with Burisma, I can say there was no pressure on me, Ray Bishapka said. The audit was completed. I specifically asked prosecutors, continuing the quote, to check especially carefully those facts about Biden's alleged involvement. They answered that there was nothing of the kind, he added. Really? I think you could prove it both ways for Hunter and dad. And then it goes on to state that he was still fired. Rape Shapka was fired in March. The lawmakers accused him of not moving quickly enough and prosecuted cases. Uh, Rape Shapka said he was axed because he had. Because the other guy up. had set such a pace that you have to keep up with it. Oh, with, didn't yeah, they get rid Victor, of the guy before him too? Victor Because he was prosecuting Hunter Biden. It's this guy, Victor. <laughs> yeah, he was. Michael. He was. He was knocking off the cases like a mofo. He's going after Hunter Biden. So that's right. 
It's an interesting change in protocol. General of Ukraine, having previously worked as investigator for the prosecutor general office, he served as prosecutor general for a year between 2015 and 2016, mid domestic and inter international pressure. <laughs> he was removed from office by the Ukrainian parliament on March 2016. The move welcomed by the European Look at this. Who else a, would care a, about on. what goes on in Ukraine? In a move or, welcomed by oh, look Joe Biden. Sorry. In a, look at this. In a move welcomed by the European Union, mm -hmm. the United States, and the IMF. Oh, and the World Bank. And don't forget NATO. Oh, and NATO and the CFR. <laughs> all right. I mean, come on. Sponsored by all of them. But there's yeah. nothing to see there. The, he, Joe Biden, they all made money. They all made Hunter money. Hunter Biden, yeah. Joe Biden, $900,000. Yeah, he, he was uh, on a board advising on legal legal matters and strategy and Very finance. Important. Very important for five years until April mm -hmm. 2019. And then, but there's nothing to see there. Nothing at all. Isn't that when Joe Biden started running for president around that time? What a brilliant, what a kind of, I can't even say it's a brilliant. Almost as if there'd be a known conflict of interest. I mean, how do you not, because at first they try to debunk the first article by stating that this. this. Well, they do for any fan of Reuters who believes Reuters, they debunked it. Because... But if you understand how to read past what Reuters was allowing you to know and look at that, that which exists, which is the focus of this show, then you can see and you can be in the know. As far as Mitt Romney. Nancy Pelosi's son, it goes on to say, according to the LinkedIn page here, Paul Pelosi Jr., the only son of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Let me highlight so people can keep up. There you go. It's currently a manager Jr. Phyto Pharmaceutical Company, ST Biosciences, a board member of the San Francisco Shanghai Sister City Committee, and a business development executive at the Corporate Governance Initiative. What the fuck is that? The Shitty claim, Sister City Committee? <laughs> she teep a town. Go to a shitty walk. Get your shitty food. Anyways. So the person in question was Paul the Hammer Jr. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The hammer, bring out the gimp or the hammer, excuse me. Uh, the claim that Paul Pelosi was on the board of directors for an energy company doing business in Ukraine may stem from his time on the board of Viscoil, a U.S. energy company's, excuse me, a U.S. energy company based in Southern California. That did business in Ukraine? Most likely. As, as explained here by PolitiFact in 2019, Viscoil, which was focused on U.S. business, dissolved and reformed in Singapore under a new name, according to Drew Hamill, a spokesperson for the speaker. Hamill told PolitiFact that Mr. Pelosi was not involved in the new entity. Reuters, Reuters could not reach Hamill for comment on the recent recirculation of these claims. In addition to PolitiFact, factcheck.org, while well, you want to talk about circular reasoning, here we go. In addition to PolitiFact, factcheck.org, Snopes, and U.S. Today, all rated claims of Paul Pelosi's connection to the Ukrainian gas company is false. Well, they're all stating the same sort of false. Like they're all citing each other as though it's false. So yeah, it's And was it not a Ukrainian everyone. gas company? And Maybe it was a, a, a different classic, type of energy. Maybe it was a, a classic, division. That's a classic example of a chain version of circular reasoning. You don't see those as much. You usually see the like question begging epithets and redefinitions. So that's as a nerd in logic, that's actually wow, they're that bad at it. They're just they should each other. like as a fact check, they should be like as Reuters. They should go to these people's LinkedIn pages and say, according Let's to their resume on. on LinkedIn, it says they'd never worked at these places. Let's go check. Let's do a little checky check. Plus uh, this coil plus Let's see what pops up here. Fact check. Was Nancy Lee some executive uh, service media? Because so the straw man part could be misattributing what type of energy company or all oh, these yeah, different things that figure. they use to throw you off the trail to be like, just like Fauci says, that's not gain of function. 
Nancy Pelosi's it's this, son. It's this, these six other companies. words that mean kind of function. So this comes from January 14, 2022. It's a New York Post article. Nancy Pelosi's son linked the five shady companies probed by the Fed's report. Paul Just Pelosi five. Jr., right, son of the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, has reportedly been linked to at least five business entities under investigation by authorities for alleged fraud. The 52-year-old Paul Pelosi Jr., son of the hammer, uh, the only son of Nancy and Paul Pelosi Sr., Guess Hammer's the other guy, was hired by several firms that were subject to both federal and state probes, and meanwhile has, quote, connections to a host of fraudsters, rule breakers, convicted criminals, and quote, although he has never been charged himself, according to the Daily Mail. We'll click that link and see what's going on there. The website reports that in February 2007, Pelosi Jr. was hired as senior vice president by Omaha-based InfoUSA, database marketing company investigated by Iowa. Uh, data was, the, okay, so it goes... Anyways, uh, investigated by Iowa, Iowa Attorney General's office several years earlier for allegedly selling consumer data to fraudsters. That's mm. one of the businesses. And uh, the data was then used to scam sick and gullible elderly people out of money. It was alleged. The investigation was closed. No arrests were made. Paul Pelosi Jr. was paid a salary of $180,000 per year joined the firm after the probe ended. Nothing to see there. So he's competing with Social Security? Let's see. Here. Yeah, That's pretty much. Uh, talks SEC alleged that the company was sickly run by two convicted fraudsters, James E. Cohen and James Karat Joseph Karatsi. In 2014, the agency brought fraud charges against Cohen, Karatsi, former New Mexico governor Tony Anaya, and a former executive of the company, Eric Perry. Let's see what some other companies here. He was a is there a uh, this let's look at this coil, nothing, charisma, nothing, hmm, bunch of oh. other shady companies he's involved with that have pending investigations or carried out investigations by various attorney generals of various states or whatever. So what it could be is typically about Burisma. What it could be is sensing that there's scrutiny on some of these very powerful people and their nepotistic children being placed very high up at these opportunistic early insider information type places, right? They might be scared of people putting together where Pelosi's kid works, where John Kerry's, you know, these different, right? Well, here, so in order to keep people away from it, somebody at the meeting says, let's say they all work at the same place. And then that, that gets out there and then it gets fact-checked, even though they, you know, he's working at five suspicious places all by himself. Who else was Hunter getting mayor, money from? China. Right. Who else is Kerry's family getting in the the opium Forbes family uh, legacy getting, you know, what are they doing business with, right? The skull and bones aspect of that that equation. So there's more to be seen. And the, the fact checks in these types of things, political fact Reuters, they're telling you to go the other way. Why? Because somebody yeah. has paid them money to say, go the other way. There's something to hide on the other side of that. Yeah, basically, put a fact is again circular reasoning chain style with all referencing each other without providing the, the, the source. Yeah, data. right. There's no primary so, source. There's no there there. They just said they researched it and it basically comes out that this coil was dissolved and um, reincorporated um, or restructured in Singapore. So is that correct? But we found the situation is not similar to Hunter Biden's appointment to the board of Ukrainian energy company Prisma. Paul Pelosi Jr. once served on the board of an American energy company, Viscoil. After he left the board, the company dissolved and reformed in Singapore under a different name. Pelosi Jr. had no part in the new entity, which is not based in Ukraine. It's unclear to what extent the company has done business, any business in Ukraine. So that's a big question there. WayneDupree.com, where this supposedly emerged, did not respond to an inquiry for the article. I tried to click, and I clicked on the source material. This is what this, but the server 
can't find it. So Oh, what a shame. The internet didn't used to break so readily back in the day. Source Those links appears. used to be there for years and years and years, and you could look them up. So it goes on to state, position with Viscoil, the source appears to be an October 3rd tweet from Patrick Hawley, uh, a conservative writer who publishes material on the website nationalfile.com. Quote, boom, Nancy Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi Jr., went to Ukraine in 2017, was a board member of Viscoil and executive at its related company, ah, NRG Lab, which did energy Ooh. business in Ukraine. Howley said in that's tweet, interesting. And is that Howley related uh, to the other Howley, Brendan Howley from the witness tree? Wouldn't that be H interesting synchronicity for this H episode? Yeah. H-O-W-L-E-Y. H-O-W-L-E-Y. Wow. That's interesting. Well, it's a little bit Maybe more. synchronicity style. Hmm. Howley said in a tweet, which has been retreated almost 14,000 times, Nancy Pelosi appeared in promotional video for the company. As evidence, Howley linked to two YouTube videos published March 5th, 2013. The first shows Paul Pelosi Jr. speaking at an event in Washington. The video opens with clips of a speech from Nancy Pelosi and then shows Paul at an X-Prize Foundation competition. In September 2010, the nonprofit group organizes public competition with businesses to encourage the technological developments. So that's what they claim is what uh, this National File, which Patrick Howley wrote, this National File, National File article, which Patrick Howley wrote, um, which was entitled, Boom, Nancy Pelosi's son, Paul. Let's see if we can find this, by the way. Paul Pelosi Jr. went to Ukraine in 2017. Was a board oh, member of Viscoil and executive. Sure, that's very random. <laughs> he mean, just likes to go there for the the tourism aspect. See if we can find the national file on this. Not because they're helping to set up a war infrastructure. Here it is. So here's the original article that they're attempting to debunk here. What's the title? What's the date? Who wrote? So it? this is November 15th, 2019. This is by Patrick Howley. So Breaking. COVID is out there, but nobody knows it at this point when this article Correct. is written. Correct. Yep. Vaccine Modernization Act was assigned like September 9th or something, 2019. Then the Milken Institute, I think, is being held in November of that year or December or something like that. October. October. Okay. As well, and it wasn't the uh, event 201 in October. October. As well. Bill yeah. Gates and Johns Hopkins. So breaking Nancy Pelosi's son was exec. So let's see if we can find some source material. Last update on November 9th. 15, 2019, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi Jr., this is the claim made in the article, visited Ukraine in 2017 to meet with government officials in connection to a business initiative. Now on Earth, records reveal that Paul Pelosi Jr. was an executive of a gas industry company that did business in Ukraine, and whether Nancy Pelosi was featured in one of the company's promotional videos. Uh, what? Paul, Paul Pelosi Jr. Where's the evidence of that? Let's Can see we see that, that video? That would put an end to it, right? The American Mirror, which flagged Paul Pelosi's Jr. appearance in 2017, preserved a clip of Pelosi Jr. on the Ukrainian station following the video's removal from YouTube. Let's see here if I can find. So here's a Twitter, but God knows this is probably deep six by now. But let me see. But this we could potentially find is, it on BitChute, Odyssey. Yeah, it says this page doesn't work. This is a Twitter. So it was deep six on YouTube, but then they quote or they link to this Twitter that saved the video. But when I click on that, and put in a this says assuming this page doesn't exist and that's anymore it used Pat, to it used to as patrick howley found paul pelosi jr previously held top positions yeah we should look for it on rumble or odyssey or something put or bit shoot or something like that 
On March 5th, 2013, Energy Lab New Technology posted two videos on YouTube. One video opened with a clip of Nancy Pelosi discussing energy-efficient technology, followed by a direct-to-camera statement from her son, Paul Pelosi Jr., filmed in Washington, D.C. in 2010. So these are, this is what... That's, energy Lab plus Nancy Pelosi video. One of the problems here is that's what they're saying. They're Okay, so the article here is claiming that, and then... The fact check by PolitiFact is claiming the same thing. Is that what's that is what debunks yeah. the connection? What? Right. Right. That's, that's they a, made a straw that, man. Another, it's a straw. It's more of it's a straw man. It's also um Petitio Principi. It's a form of um circular reasoning where they're just restating it and then building a straw man based on the restatement. That that just proves that there isn't a connection. Wow, this is just well, the people at PolitiFact don't have the budget hilarious. to afford your logic and fallacies course, Tommy. Paul Pelosi Jr. is a member of a management team at this coil group of companies and energy lab. So uh, yeah, a lot to be done here in regards to a little bit more research, but it seems like energy lab and this coil and energy lab might be one of the companies look into to see if there's a connection with Paul. Now Pelosi. was energy lab open at the same time that FTX opened? Cause remember FTX opened when Biden launched his campaign and then it ended right around uh, this midterm election. So it's also the timing of that because it was laundering allegedly a lot of money over in the Ukraine situation. And that started before the Ukrainian war kicked off. It'd be There's interesting to find her promo video. Oh, yeah. Let's go to it. Found it. So, LD, I'm going to send this to you. Um, if you want to play this, see what this I uh, put it in production chat. Let's play this and see what this looks like. First comment underneath of it. I thought the family was in the tuna business. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. One second. Here we go. Yep. Coming up, serving it hot off the The best search. way to predict the future is to create it yourself. When President Obama became president of the United he States, screen, he elevated science to a higher place in our national priorities. It is Hang on, what's going on? Did she say Joe Obama? President Joe Obama? I thought she did, so we're going to have to rewind it anyway. To be President Yo Mama or Joe Obama? <laughs> Joe Obama is your mama? I just think it's funny that Reuters will Joe gaslight Obama people and no say there's nothing Kenya. to see here, and there's definitely nothing to see here like Pelosi, Nancy, doing an ad for the company that her son worked for doing energy in Ukraine. There's nothing to see there. That's not yeah. news. And to it's Reuters. Energy Lab, which is owned by Viscoil. So Viscoil is an American energy firm that was then um, restructured in Singapore, um, reincorporated, restructured, whatever, in Singapore after he left. But they apparently it was a subsidiary of theirs, Energy Lab, that was, at least that's the claim which right. supposedly did energy business in Ukraine. Right. So. Almost as if they're doing it on purpose and they, they, they see the news, but they're like, we don't see that news. We can't, you know, not going to tell you that Reuters. You would think that that'd be a story. You would think it's almost like they don't need to tell the truth, to stay in business. Hmm. It's almost like they stay in business because they don't tell the truth. Let me try to play this again. Yeah. All right, let's play it again. The best way to predict the future is to create it yourself. When President Obama became president of the United States, he elevated science to a higher place in Pause our national priority. 
Joe Bama? Did she just say that they have to create the future themselves because that's the best way to predict the future? What's what the milk and ex- milk and excuse was on stage, right? Milk and excuse. And there's also what was this quote in the beginning of volume two? Uh not Jared Nadler, not Henry Kissinger, not Nic- Niccolo Machiavelli, but Ron Suskin. Quote, we're an empire now. When we act, we create our own reality. And while you're studying that reality, judiciously, judiciously as, you will, as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities, which you can study too. And that's how things will sort out. We're history's actors. And you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. Senior advisor to Bush, Ron Suskin, New York Times, 2004. But that's Carl Rove's quote. That the writer Ron Suskin brought to. Yeah, I thought public. it was Carl Rove because when we, I, remember I don't know why she didn't working. attribute it to Carl Rove in her book. We're talking about One Nation Under Blackmail by. Yeah, this Whitney is Webb. Volume Two. That's what I was reading from. Yeah. This is in the beginning of Volume Two. I have the I have the document cam here, but I need to set it up. See, I have a document cam. Oh, nice, nice. I it thought is. it was really remarkable. Right after Whitney Webb was on, uh, Glenn Beck, that. Nettie, net, net, the yeah, BB came, yeah, BB, BB made an appearance in the studio. Oh, did you see BB mentioning earlier this week? They caught a clip out on Alex Jones. Usually, may play that later about how he's like, yeah, yeah, basically yeah. signed a deal with Pfizer and we're like, said you can experiment. We have a medical ID card, you can take all the data you want from the mass experimentation of you know these mRNA jabs, see what happens yes. to someone. Yeah, we should, yeah, we should play that clip yeah. next, next. Okay, so it's uh, sorry, LD, go ahead. I just had that. Help my attention there. Go for it. It is science, 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 and science. Breaking our crippling addiction to oil. They are developing desirable, efficient cars that get more than 100 miles per gallon. My son, Paul, who is here with me, tells me that that is par for the course and not to be uh, overwhelmed by that prospect that will be considered the normal. We're having a very exciting day here in Washington, D.C. A lot of focus on innovation and technology to help solve a lot of the world's energy crisis. Both oil spills, which we'll be participating in, cars and efficiency, which is represented today, and space and different adventures and using technology from space to make human conditions better here. My name is Paul Pelosi. Of course, I'm on the board of Visco Oil. And Visco's here today to talk about accelerating the future. It's about using cars in a more efficient manner. It's about utilizing natural resources, whether it be electricity or gas or fossil fuels in a more efficient way. And Visco Oil is a part of that solution. We're also going to take place in the next XPRIZE competition. This XPRIZE rewarded cars, utilization of natural resources through the use of technology. And that's what Visco Oil does. It uses technology to maximize the use of natural resources. Uh, like oil and other resources. We're excited about the X Prize. Today we awarded some cars that use oil efficiently and use alternative energy efficiently. The next X Prize has to do with oil spill, oil spill cleanup, and preservation of our planet. Visco Oil will be part of the next X Prize and should be very successful in cleaning up oil spills such as that happened in the Gulf to improve the quality of life for the people in the Gulf area and around the country and around the globe. Fiscal Oil is the leader in technology, and that's what's rewarded here today in our innovative agenda for the United States. Fiscal Oil. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Say resources again, motherfucker. I didn't hear him say sustainable. 
So I heard a lot of talk about efficiency, but I didn't hear the word sustainable. I'm not sure if I'm buying into his rap. It could be circumstantial, but there seems to be at least some connections in regards to Energy Lab and the Ukraine, whether he's directly a part of it or receiving kickbacks. That's maybe not been substantiated, but there does seem to be some connections. It goes on this national file that PolitiFact is trying to build a straw man of basically goes on to state. Um, Paul quote Paul Pelosi Jr. is a member of a management team of this coil group of companies, Energy Lab. Paul Pelosi Jr. is interested in developing clean energy, you can see there in the video, that can replace gasoline and diesel as transportation fuel sources. Read the description of the video. Another video posted that same day confirmed that Energy Lab was working in Ukraine. Quote Walter uh, uh, Afanasiev, Brandon Stone, Mika Newton, and other artists are actively involved in promoting the clean technology of this coil group of companies and Energy Lab. For example, Mika Newton helped to secure the rights to build a plant for the production of SH boxes in Ukraine. Read the description of an Energy Lab and Research Council video. Mika Newton. So it's actually NRG Lab. NRG and yeah. NRG Lab. In 2013 interview, and it has a uh, hyperlink there with Energy Lab's lead technician uh, Ziv Drury reported that Energy Lab was funded by environmental businesswoman Anna Shell. He writes about Ukraine energy issues in our blog. In the interview, Jory uh, discussed gas generation techniques in Ukraine. Quote, currently, Anna Shell Fund also provide finances and support to groom talented arti artists like Mika Newton, a Ukrainian singer and representative of Ukraine in the Eurovision 20, uh, Song Contest in 2011, reported a 2013 interview with Anna Shell, referring to the singer who brokered the SH Box deal in Ukraine. Uh, continuing the quote in brief sh boxes are environmentally friendly generators it's some blah 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 it's you know, new technology and then it goes on to a video showing uh, performing as ukraine's representative eurovision talent contest energy labs website states that the company is based in singapore and notes quote the company's additional projects include strategic partnership and investment from viscoil holding holdings to recycle waste materials into eco-friendly diesel fuel NRG Lab has obtained an exclusive license for the Viscoil technology from the Southeast Asia region for all raw materials. Viscoil Holdings is currently suspended by the California Secretary of State. It was registered in 2009 to manager David Strawn in Escondido, California. As of 2010, it listed two managers, Strawn, an individual named Sergei Sorokin, based in Moscow, Russia. Paul Pelosi Jr. co-founded the company Natural Blue Resources, which the SEC charged with securities fraud in 2014. Nancy Pelosi led a congressional delegation to Ukraine in 2015 to discuss issues including, quote-unquote, energy security. So one thing's for certain, there is a lot of circumstantial evidence around not only Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi Jr., but NRG Labs as sort of a, a front company for Viscoil, yeah, oil. the rotten apple doesn't far fall, fall far from the tree. And so now all that's missing is the financial connections that actually we do have information for in regards to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, especially substantiated through the laptop. Well, luckily NRG did all that work through FTX, so you don't need to you don't have to think about it. Oh boy, that's uh, and as far as I'm the other kidding. one, Mitt Romney and or uh, Spawn Bones, John Kerry. Yeah. Uh, we can, you guys can, you get the gist of how we do research. I leave it up to the, yeah, audience. you can look it up on your own. Yeah. Okay. See, you guys find out in regards to the connections there. And they're up to some skull and bones duggery. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. It, it restores my faith in Reuters though, that they can totally take what exists and twist it up to make you think it doesn't exist. And that's the yeah. value of Reuters. And when it comes Special. to like, 
fallacies that Reuters, PolitiFact, Snopes, um, what was that other fact checking? There's a bunch of them. The way they work is through straw men, um, circular reasoning, neglected aspects, excerpt lifting. It's a, it's a very specific group of fallacies that make it seem like they're presenting arguments when in fact yeah, they make not. a decision, then they write an article to justify it rather than right. doing research to come to a decision. Right. But they try to they try to front load it with a bunch of supposed evidence that's not really evidence or is misquoted or out of context and a whole bunch of non sequiturs. So there's a sort of group of fallacies that make it, it's a little bit more pernicious in the sense they try to build a specious argument, if you will, which would be a straw man and tear it down utilizing all hosts of different fallacies that I go over in my course. So that was sort of fun to do. I haven't done that in a while. So Many such stories like that out there. All right. So Netanyahu, AJ, do we have that clip? Uh, I don't have not the one with Kanye and the net and the Yahoo. I'm talking about where the, okay. So the clip this past week, because I, I I played it for, I thought there were two relevant clips. If I, if memory serves, one was BB talking about how they have all this database and, you know, went to Pfizer and cut this deal test on his population. And I'm pretty sure Borla also talked about having this perfect test population database. I got it. So there's multiple, angles to this to consider because real-time data these days and these other euphemisms that they use to masquerade their nazi experiments on people right i think uh they need to be de-euphemized and called what they are which are acts of inhumane experimentation on unwitting uninformed people and they should be held to account for it instead of giving the rest of the world orders under threat of blackmail right Right. Demystifying it, unocculting it, a veil lifted and a sense of apocalypse or apocalyptic vision or revealing. I mean, that's uh, education. Yeah. Education, we call it. And the really drawing it's, out it's, of that which exists. It's like a yoga, yoga of the mind. There you go. Yoking, drawing out. Yeah. Untying the knots that Reuters ties in people's minds. All right. Let's go to uh, something from Bandai Video. Here's the man himself. Sir Voldemort of Austin, Alex Jones. We came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert Borla Pfizer. And I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh, the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records and little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with, uh, meningitis. What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it? You know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the the lab for Pfizer. By using the people in Israel, the Jews, the Christians, the Muslims, as guinea pigs under forced injections, lockdowns, with a genetic database to see what the mucinogenic injections do to the host body. Benjamin Netanyahu is not stupid. And he just got reelected yesterday to the Knesset to be the leader of Israel. 
And I just so happened to come across a clip of him from a few weeks ago that I hadn't seen when he went on Jordan Peterson's podcast. I'll play a clip in a moment. And it's only two minutes long. And it's filled with lies. He says Israel has this national ID card that tracks everything our citizens do health-wise. That's true. But he says that way we could you know, make sure it was safe. That way we could track what it was going to do. That way we would know what the health effects of the shot were. But they've used that database and the claims of that database being there as the pretext to say then later that it was totally safe when Israel had the worst adverse reactions of any country in the world. Look it up. We've shown the statistics from the UN, from Israel, from the United States, from Canada, from them all. Israel had amongst the highest injection rates of the so-called shot in the world that was experimental and doesn't protect you and erases your immune system. And it is a huge, huge controversy in Israel, and the Israelis are pissed off, and rightfully so, because there they are locked in that country. And remember, the government tried to roll out vaccine passports, tried to say it was forced, Tried to make people take it. I was telling you at the time, it'll be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven shots a year because Bill Gates had said it two and a half years ago that you'll have to have these on a routine base basis because it'll lower your immune system. Bill Gates said that. Scientists at Pfizer and Moderna said that. They giggled and laughed and said the stock's going to go way up because you're always going to have to take this now. And the more you take it, the more you get sick. And then there's Benjamin Netanyahu saying, I used my country like a lab experiment, meaning he used the Israeli people, the Jewish people that live there, and the Christians and the Muslims and others as a lab experiment. Well, I'm not a lab experiment. And people in Israel aren't a lab experiment. And when this was done to black people, it was Tuskegee, it was illegal. And what was done here, and when our troops were made to take it, the federal courts have ruled that was illegal because you can't make troops take an experimental shot. So what our government did was illegal. What the Israeli government did was illegal. What the UK government's done is illegal. What the Australian and Canadian and German government and all the rest of them have done is absolutely illegal. And they used Israel like China as a beta test of lab rats to not just give them the poison shot, but to track everybody and to ban protest and to attack the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jewish groups that are smart and were following Leviticus and said, we're not taking that into our bodies. So shame on Benjamin Netanyahu and shame on the evil leaders of Israel that went along with this and used their people that believe they're there for their protection and safety that have come there fleeing persecution in many cases, to only be persecuted at an even greater level than what Joseph Mengele did. Joseph Mengele reportedly did tests on over 50,000 people, killed more than 10,000. He's known as the angel of death. How many Israelis got forcibly injected or intimidated into it? How many got sick and died? How many are sick and dying now? So the test sites were Israel, Italy, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, Communist China. And that's all this was, was a giant exercise in tyranny. The Israeli people 
and the people of the world are all being targeted by the same global world government operation with Albert Borla and Bill Gates at the head of it. And Benjamin Netanyahu is nothing but their little pimp. Here's the clip. Give me one example, so you'll see, because I don't want to bore you with uh, detailed, detailed plans. I, 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 but they are detailed in my mind. Um, we came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert Borla, Pfizer. And I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh, the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records and little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, meningitis? What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it? You know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the, the lab for Pfizer. And that's how we did it. We got it out and we gave the information to the world, not only it's been published in medical magazines and so on. Um, that's a database we have. I intend to bring on that base database of medical, personal medical records for entire population, a genetic database, genomes, okay? Give me a saliva, a sample, volunteer. But I'm sure most people would do it. Maybe we'll pay them. Now we have a genetic record on a medical record of a robust population. It's got, you have to have diversified populations. We have people from 100 lands. This is a very powerful engine. Now, now let uh, pharma companies let medical companies, let them run algorithms on this database, okay? I'm telling you right away that I'll give preference for a few years to Israeli firms, but you can create, and then to the world, but you can create, uh, you know, a biotechnological industry that is un unheard of right now, unheard of, unimagined even. Uh, and, and these are just the examples. So we can become a lot, stave off Iran, become a light onto the nations in uh Groundbreaking. A light unto the nations by using the people in Israel, the Jews, the Christians, the Muslims, as guinea pigs under forced injections, lockdowns, with a genetic database to see what the mutagenic injections do to the host body. And of course, a lot of the big companies that are pushing all this are based in Israel. So they're sacrificing that population to set the precedent to be able to test GMO deadly gene therapies on the public so the elites can actually get some of the breakthroughs for themselves while testing on humans instead of testing on rats and pigs and other animals. And that's just evil. Out in the open, calmly said, very cavalierly, very proud of what he's done. And they're all just doubling down. Albert Borla... Bill Gates, you know, in fact, I'm going to continue along this line. I've got an Albert Borla clip talking about the four shots you're going to be made to take every year. And we got Bill Gates' 2023 announcement where he tells you what's coming in the future. And then I'm going to get into the lockdown of the cities and the climate lockdowns that they're now calling 15-minute cities or 15-minute prisons. 
They have, they'll have actual fences and gates around them. You can't get out. We'll be right back. Infowars.com. Very interesting. So, LD, let's go ahead and go to the two clips right above that. Um, let's just get an idea of what these shots are actually doing a little bit. Uh, first one's where the flu go and then miscarriage is statistic. Let's display those two back to back. These are John Don reports, investigative journalist for a band video Infowars, And he always does great videos. Let's, let's check out what some of these shots are doing that, uh, BB is relating to that. They have, um, a database, a medical database for 98% of the citizenry, and they're going to do genetic testing that of course it'll be voluntary, uh, but maybe we'll pay them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. So let's let's get a taste of what's going on with uh, what these shots seem to be doing from John Bowen. The president was also very clear that COVID is not over. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's but the pandemic is over. But the COVID is not over. The president has been very clear on this. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. So they're like, well, the public's woken up to us. Let's just claim it's over and then turn it right back on, which they've turned all the same fear, all the same lies back on again. Probably the worst flu uh, outbreak we've seen in a decade. Um, there uh, and there are some places where maybe flu may be peaking, but it's very early data. Um, but a lot of flu out there again, the worst in, the, in a decade. There was basically zero flu. Almost nobody has had flu now for 18 months. Literally, there was nearly no flu uh, this year in the southern hemisphere. They went from tens of millions of flu deaths to basically zero. Remember that? The flu? You can type in the headlines. The flu is gone. Why is the flu gone? Because they counted the flu deaths in 2000 and 20 to scare everybody as COVID. We've taken a very liberal approach to mortality. And I think the reporting yeah, that those, if someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. Now that they've taken the poison shots and death rates and all these other viral infections and uh, erased immune systems are so bad, oh, now it, it, it's, it's the flu. We know this virus is constantly changing. New variants have emerged here in the U.S. and around the world. We've seen cases of hospitalizations rise in Europe in recent weeks. Contagious viruses uh, and uh, like COVID are going to spread considerably more easily. The most important thing you can do to prepare for your holidays is to get your updated COVID vaccine. And if you get it now, you'll be protected in time for winter holiday gatherings. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining the Global Citizen Concert, especially our frontline workers who have carried us through this pandemic. We're deeply grateful for all that you've done. The vaccines are safe. I promise you they're safe. They work. Dear Santa, I don't want games. I don't want toys. Just get me the COVID vaccine. Here we are going into the third year of it, and we are still in the middle of a pandemic with the numbers that you just showed. In the U.S. alone, the COVID vaccines have saved more than three million lives and helped prevent... Did you say so? Um, we've heard uh, figures of around three million lives saved globally as a result of the vaccine. Uh, yeah. Do you really want anybody that's in a vulnerable situation, an older person, somebody with a high BMI, to hear you talking down the vaccines and then die from COVID? I mean, here's the thing, Asim. Surely the COVID vaccine is, by definition, the most tested vaccine in history, given the fact that billions have had it. 
Yeah, sadly not, um, Mark. And in fact, that figure of 3 million, that isn't based upon any good hard evidence. I mean, there was a, a headline about 20 million lives saved from COVID vaccines, but it was based upon the lowest level quality of evidence we can ever have a modeling study. In other words, you know, people like John Ioannidis, who I consider the Stephen Hawking of medicine, describe such sort of studies or observational studies as being spurious, in other words, fake. This is science fiction, not scientific fact. We have a vaccine that unequivocally is highly effective and safe and has saved literally millions of lives. The Commonwealth Fund has come out with a report just this past week that vaccinations that have been administered over this period of time, this last year and a half to two years, has saved 3.2 million lives, 18 million hospitalizations, and approximately $1 trillion in costs. So what's the problem with vaccines? It's not a vaccine. It wasn't approved. It's not safe and effective. It doesn't protect you. It erases your immune system. Everyone knows it. And he just went back to the lie of two years ago that it's safe and effective and protects you. You are a lying, dirtbag criminal that produced the weapon and then released it and then gave us the deadly shots. And you need to go to prison, you little Joseph Mengele. Let's first go back to this great Mike Adams article uh, that came out in July of last year, and it links right to the New England Medical Journal that hides it deep in the study that said 82% of pregnant women who got vaccinated for COVID during the first and second trimesters suffered miscarriages. And it's still a very, very large amount as well. You can read uh, in, in the third trimester as well. That's also in the uh, double digits. Here's one of the studies, preliminary findings of mRNA COVID-19 vaccine safety in pregnant women. Miscarriage, stillbirth rates exploding worldwide as depopulation continues unabated. You can see the graph there um, from the federal government's own numbers, similar numbers around the world. Exposure to COVID vaccine spike proteins renders women infertile. Nurse whistleblower fetal deaths have skyrocketed since pregnant women started using and being forced to get COVID-19 shots. Australia sees 63% drop in births after introduction of COVID vaccines. What will be the government's excuse will be? Hospital president, COVID-19 vaccines causing miscarriages is a complete myth, plain and simple. I'm very happy to report that among the tens of thousands of women who have been closely studied after they chose to get the COVID-19 vaccines, the data is clear, these vaccines are safe. The often mentioned but completely unsubstantiated concerns about COVID-19 vaccines causing either miscarriages or other problems with their pregnancy or causing problems getting pregnant is a complete myth, plain and simple. Where's the study? The tens of thousands of women. Where is it? They admit it's all lies. Pfizer fake reports as well. This guy is a lying scumbag. So he doesn't give any facts, doesn't give any statistics, doesn't give any numbers. He just says we have thousands of women and none of them had a problem. No, no, no. Just no, there nobody's nobody's dying. No children are dying. I've been actively miscarrying since the eighth. I have gone to a doctor, and this is my second visit to the ER. If you're wondering why women's rights matter. This is my life. Nobody actually is coming down. They're always going to send me home. These are the folks that tell you the two men can have a baby. It's all upside down world. You know, they use DNA to prove somebody committed a murder 30 years ago. and That's all scientific. But now the science guy, Bill Nye's new shows, tell kids that there are no X and Y chromosomes. They're murdering the truth. They're murdering science. And he sits up there and says, out of tens of thousands of women, nobody's had a miscarriage. 
Nobody's had a sick baby. That's a damn lie. I see a vast number of patients a year. Uh, I don't know of any other maternal fetal medicine physician in this country that sees as many patients as I do by ultrasound. At one point in time this year, I was on track to see 9,000 9,000 high-risk OB ultrasounds. So I, I know what's going on, and I've seen death and destruction like I've never seen before. The stillbirth rate is measured in terms of live births per thousand. And really, it's come down in my career from about 10 to about almost 5.8 or 6. Now, let's go to 2021 and look at the stillbirth rate for Michelle's. This is horrifying. But if you take this death figure and you look at that rate at 29.3, that sigma that you're looking at is 40 plus sigma, standard deviation. Let that sink in. And what I've seen in my clinical practice has been a substantial, massive increase, unprecedented in menstrual abnormalities uh, prior to pregnancy, a substantial increase in infertility, a substantial increase in miscarriage, fetal death, and fetal malformation. Um, we published many studies this year, uh, over the last two years. Uh, our latest study, which we've used from VAERS and CDC uh, data, and we compared the COVID-19 vaccines uh, over the last 15, 18 months with those of the influenza vaccine in pregnancy. And what we've seen is catastrophic. What did Alexander Seltzenitsyn say about this? He goes, we know they are lying. They know they are lying. They know we know they are lying. We know they know we know they are lying, but they are still lying. They're still lying and lying squared these days. What do you think, Tony? Should we check in with Jackson report? Because it seemed like the interlude there with uh, the band video crew begs for more information of that ilk at a higher level of scrutiny. Because I saw a couple of things in there like that Mike uh, Adams report where it's like 82%. Yeah, we... We didn't debunk it. We just, yeah. we dealt with it and put it in context and it, you might not want to hang your hat on that type of thing. Sorry that it got recycled there in that video, but there are other valid points being brought up for which there are substantial pieces of evidence that aren't being mistranslated as right. it goes through the cycle. Right. Yeah, that's fine. Then it's not too terribly long. It's only like 25-ish minutes. Right, right. so it's not too long yet. yeah so we'll, we'll round out the latest stuff with covid and such and then we'll uh brace ourselves for intermission because we got a couple different spicy things we can discuss tonight yeah yeah there's some good choices that's for sure fantastic all right so this is coming from del big tree at the high wire this is his weekly segment with jeffrey jackson investigative reporter par excellence let's go to del and jeffrey and see what uh the jackson report contains this week my god jeffrey 2022 went by in a flash and maybe it's because i've been traveling so much but i just it's it's incredible to think that you know 
all of this is just flying by. We're so busy and there's so much information. Um, but here we are, last episode of 2022. And I got to say, I'm not going to miss reporting on Anthony Fauci's double speak <laughs> for the rest of my life. I'm done. It's put a fork in that reporting. We're done with that. Unless there's prosecutions happening, and then I guess we can bring that back up again. But farewell to that that chapter of the high wire, I guess. Indeed. But one of the you know one of the most important stories that was reported throughout the summer. It's still been going on in the background. And we forget about this because it's in another country here in America, but it's in the Netherlands. We have the Dutch farmers and they've been protesting because their farms are, are being really closed in upon by the government. The government put nitrogen restrictions of up to 95% on Dutch farmers. And the Netherlands is really the breadbasket of, of one of the breadbaskets of Europe. As far as its land size, it's, it's, there's a lot of farmers that are proportionate to its yeah. population. So it's a very interesting, you know, if you want to call it attack on, on farmers via this sustainable matrix. And they were asked to cut their fertilizer. They were asked to cut their heads of cattle. And they were already implementing a lot of these a lot of these things, but it wasn't enough. So the government really moved in on them, uh, and you saw a lot of protests throughout the throughout the summer months. And now we're seeing kind of the next phase ratchet up here into this. And you know, this it's not an accident we're reporting on this because this is such an important topic at the end of the year here, moving into this next into 2023. Here's the headline now as we're closing out 2022. Netherlands to close up 3,000 farms to comply with EU rules. It says here, farmers will be offered a deal well over the worth of the farm according to the government plan that is targeting the closures of 2,000 to 3,000 farms. Earlier leaked versions of the plan put the figure at 120% of the farm's value, but that figure has not yet been confirmed by ministers. This is the uh, nitrogen minister. She says, there's no better offer coming. They're kind of playing hardball here. This is Christian Vanderwall, nitrogen minister, told MPs on Friday. She said compulsory purchases would be made with pain in the heart if necessary. I'm sure that will be painful for the government to make compulsory purchases. Wow. So what's going on here? We're, we're looking at this happening and people are saying, you know, there's we're moving into a food crisis. There's, you know, there's inflation. People can't really afford groceries and you're shutting down the farmers in, in, in the Netherlands. Well, the World Economic Forum has a plan that's kind of coming to light here and it's really shedding a different angle on this. And a lot of the farmers have also said this may have been the plan. Check out this video from the WEF. Okay.
It's amazing when I watch these videos coming out from the World Economic Forum, I, I just wonder who's their head of promotion and PR. I mean, it, it always seems like this is the worst advertisement for whatever you're dreaming up here that we could possibly imagine. But this idea of just being stacked on top of each other, I'll be honest with you, you know what this reminded me of when I was working on, as a producer on the CBS talk show, The Doctors, uh, we went to Haiti right after the big earthquake that just killed an incredible amount of people. And being there, what you realize is these giant tent cities, like nothing I'd ever seen in, in my personal life before, but those were all people that used to be farmers and out in the country. And just over the years, as sort of industrial agriculture took over, all of these people were just forced into the cities. And so that's where you really had just amazing amounts of squalor and sewage running down between these tents and children, no clothes. And it just reminded me of that sort of progress, right? Where we go away from people having jobs and working and being able to be a part of the land to just stacking them on tops of e on top of each other with just very little to even survive on. And if that's some dream for our future, I hope below the no box, there's definitely like a check. Hell no. Oh, hell no. Right. And, you know, it may not be it may not be really easy to see what's going on in some place like China or, as it said in the video, in Africa, when they're packing everybody in these cities, you know, hundreds of millions of people. But in the Netherlands, there this is all pretty much farmland and they're trying to kill this farmland as quick yeah. as possible. And on the top of that, all of a sudden this megalopolis tri-state city, this is what it's being called. Now, this is an article from 2017. This is when it really started to roll, but the farmers were, weren't under this much pressure. They were still feeling some pressure from this uh, net zero push, but they weren't getting this heavy hand from the government like they are now. So here's the headline in 2017. Dutch investors launched new marketing program for the Netherlands, Tri-State City, it's called. They said a group of institutional investors in the Netherlands have joined forces to present the Netherlands plus parts of Belgium and Germany as a single city network named Tri-State City. The project, backed by Dutch employer organization VNONCW, that's the largest um, employers organization in the Netherlands, by the way, says the region's population of 30 million people creates a sustainable urban powerhouse. The project supporters include property developers and pension fan, uh, pension funds, as well as Utrecht's uh, economic board. That's one of the larger cities there. It goes on to say, you know, why are they doing this? Uh, we had talked about this, Dell. Why are they doing this? They, according to these people, the Netherlands must present itself as one of the most powerful and sustainable city networks in the world, the project's backer says. It's, it is about how Dutch companies present themselves to companies such as Apple or big Chinese firms. Uh, pro, uh, Prologist Benelux uh, director Bram Venerhoeven told Financiela Dagblad, that's uh, one of the papers in the Netherlands. So it's not about you know individuality, independence, really helping communities grow. It's about how we present ourselves to Apple and big Chinese firms. We have to look out on the international stage. That's why we're going to do this. We're going to get rid of farms to do this too. That's I mean, reading between the lines here is what it's looking like. So this is actually, they have a website, uh, tristatecity.nl. And if you go there, you can see kind of these, these dream plans for this mega city. You have this megalopolis with a population around 45 million people extending across the Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, and uh, maybe not as many farms there anymore if this, if this comes to fruition. And, and we've seen, you know, in these mega cities, 
not, even in the smaller cities that wouldn't be it wouldn't be considered a megalopolis but cities like oxford or canterbury we had reported on this before these cities become so big and their traffic becomes really bad and we're getting situations like this a 15-minute city within the city and this was the headline we reported on just a couple of months ago yeah. oxford set to cut its famous traffic jams by degrees the university city will be divided into six districts and motorists will get fined if they leave their neighborhood too often and in canterbury this is uh the same thing that was happening there this is now moving forward this is the latest headline from that canterbury traffic zones like post-war berlin without the wall they're talking about the segmentation that ha they have going on there so this is this is what's going on when they think this interconnected sustainable powerhouse well it's going to be divided up like pies and you're going to need permits according to these plans to go from districts of the city to other districts Wow. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's horrifying. But I think, you know, in some ways, many of us that have been in cities, like we were in Los Angeles before we moved out to Texas, I mean, that kind of already is a mega city, right? I mean, you can drive from, you know, I don't know, at this point, Ventura all the way down to San Diego, and you never get a sense that the city's leaving. And more and more as you go up through Bakersfield on your way to Las Vegas, you could easily imagine a point where all of that is connected and just becomes this giant uh, cesspool of, you know, mask lovers. <laughs> it's yeah. terrifying. And, and you, you can drive in LA unless there's some issue with the electronic grid or the electric grid and you have an electric vehicle. True. And that brings us kind of in the next conversation here is this move, you know, this is kind of on par with, with what we're talking about here in the Netherlands moving away from farming, bringing it to the, to the more urban development. But also now we have this switch to the, the electric energy grid and yeah. the vehicles as well. So John Kerry was just interviewed recently. And you know we're racing towards the, the the electric vehicles. I believe California said they're by 2030 they want all electric vehicles. This is what John Kerry just said. John Kerry says green energy transition isn't happening fast enough. Everything has to accelerate. He's talking a 20 times faster for electric vehicles. But as we've talked about, there's he a problem said here. Screaming so, into his cell phone from his own private jet, you know. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there, there's a problem with that though, because these batteries they require lithium, they require cobalt. Lithium in South America's lithium flats, and in, in the Congo with the cobalt mining, you have basically slave labor and kids that are working down there doing this, and it's it's an environmental disaster. And here's yeah. you know, luckily we have some balance in the reporting here. Here's one of the headlines here: Elephant in the Room clean energy's need for unsustainable minerals. So they're finally realizing people are finally, this is like a, a, a topic at you know dinner tables now that these minerals are unsustainable and we're rushing this push into this and we don't really have a contingent plan for how we're gonna find all these minerals. But also the renewables themselves, they rely on energy storage. Not when we're talking about cars, but when we're talking about tire grids for cities. And some more conversations are coming out to balance this. And this people are saying, look, this isn't really realistic. This is a study uh, just recently, this is the headline here, lack of energy storage makes renewables only grids a pipe dream. And it says in here, renewables only grids require large amounts of electricity storage to make them viable. However, the world currently lacks any power storage technology that is both affordable and scalable. As the paper's author, Francis Menton, explains, the amount of storage required is very large, perhaps as much as two months of average demand. The cost then becomes absurd. You can spend all of your GDP on batteries every year, and it's, it would still not be enough. Hydrogen is better, he goes on to say, but it's astonishingly expensive and it's very insufficient to, um, or, yeah, insufficient to, to really power this. But 
so we have this grid, you know, in this in this perfect world, we have this grid. It's great even if we did have the the minerals for it, and even if we did have this this storage technology. But what happens um, when you know people like Switzerland have an energy crisis going into the winter, yeah. like they're having right now? So we have Switzerland, which has over half of its energy is, is uh, hydroelectric, but in the winter months they have to rely pretty much on imports. And we're going, uh, we're obviously in the winter in Europe there in a lot yeah. of these countries, and they're having energy issues heating their houses. And so when there's an emergency, this is what Switzerland plans to do. Headline, Switzerland could ban electric vehicle use during energy crisis. This is a report. And so they're talking about basically banning electric car use for non-essential travel. Well, so I mean, we go back to- they basically did the same thing, right? During the power, you know, sort of rolling blackouts they're having in California, you know, there was people that were being told, don't charge your electric vehicles right now, which is amazing because aren't they, you know, in California, they're trying to have like all electric by, you know, what, 10, 15 years from now or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're saying, that's great, we can have that. But if there's any issues with the power grid, electric vehicles are banned. And in this, in this contingency plan, it's Switzerland, they're talking about only keeping your refrigerator to a certain to a certain uh, degree, and and so on and so forth. We've heard those headlines before, but that all goes into effect in Switzerland. You know, coming into these winter months, if they have problems with imports, and we know there's a lot of problems with imports as we reported on before as well. And then an, a, another angle, and a kind of a final angle to this, I want to put in here is this thing called ESG. This is environmental, social, and governmental investing. And this there's an explosion of looking through investments decisions through this ESG lens. An asset management industry has responded to this by offering sustainable, social, responsible funds for people to invest in. But <clears throat> there's an issue with that as well. This is Harvard Business Law. And there's a lot of great research going into this now to uncover an inconvenient truth about ESG investing. And it goes on to, to study a lot of uh, reports showing showing what are some of the issues with this? But one of the studies we'll look at here is is a title here. It says, do ESG funds make stakeholder friendly investments? It says, using a comprehensive study of self-labeled ESG mutual funds as identified by Morningstar in the United States from 2010 to 2018, we find that these funds uh, hold portfolio firms with worse track records for compliance with labor and environmental laws relative to portfolio firms held by non-ESG funds managed by the same financial institutions in the same years. Wow. It also goes on to say, finally, ESG funds appear to underperform financially relative to other funds with the same asset manager and year and to charge higher fees. Our findings suggest that socially responsible funds do not appear to follow through on proclamations of concerns for stakeholders. So as you're seeing there it's, it's kind of it's kind of an issue there and yeah. not only are they not returning the the capital but even for people saying well i'll take a little bit of sacrifice on my returns to help the environment they're not seeming to do that so what's the answer we're seeing huge backlash now and from one of the biggest one of the biggest portfolios vanguard this was out of reuters this is mainstream headlines now vanguard quits net zero climate efforts citing need for independence vanguard manages about seven trillion dollars in assets um, they're one of the top ones next to BlackRock in this, and they've exited. They've really, they've really become the biggest ones to do this. So this is a major mm. blow to this ESG investment paradigm or scheme, or however you want to look at it. It's all so confusing because we've talked about Vanguard before and BlackRock, these two monolithic companies that essentially own the world between the two of them. And you would imagine they're the ones investing in World Economic Forum and all these things that are pushing these agendas. And now all of a sudden when they say, no, we don't want to be a part of this, it's not sustainable or financially intelligent. 
Um, you know, it, it leaves me just looking forward to next year and all the investigations we're yeah. going to need to do to figure out what the heck is going on here. Right. And maybe 2023 is the year of gray area and, you know, right. no more polarization. You know, things may not be exactly what they seem, black or white, plus or minus. And yeah. so this also goes to states. Now, states are taking a, um, a stance on this as well and withdrawing some of their portfolios. Now, this this re talks about BlackRock and concerns them directly. State treasuries yank $1 billion from BlackRock due to ESG worries. This is South Carolina, Utah, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri. They are all backing out of this. Now, again, BlackRock holds multi-billion dollar investments. So this is a small drop in the pot, but it is a drop nonetheless. Mm. And one of the biggest people to pull out recently was Florida. Here's the headline here. They're the largest. They're taking out the largest amount. Florida pulls $2 billion from BlackRock and largest anti-ESG divestment. And we go to their finance uh, manager at Florida. This is his Twitter account. He says, using Florida's cash to fund BlackRock's social engineering project isn't something we signed up for. It's not. It's got nothing to do with maximizing returns and is the opposite of what an asset manager is paid to do. We are divesting from BlackRock. And so a, a lot of the headlines that were reporting on this saying, oh, it's just a couple of Republican states, but we have now a Democratic run state in North Carolina that is making, you know, maybe not such a bold move because they're keeping their assets at the firm, but North Carolina treasurer wants BlackRock's CEO to go. So they're asking the CEO to step down because they're not really treating the funds correctly. So this is Larry mm. Fink, that's the head of CEO. So that's, that's a good move, I guess, on that part for people that are really seeing the balance of this ESG conversation. Well, and when we say just a couple of Republican states and now maybe one, uh, you know, Democrat state, uh, these couple of states get to sort of stand as a historical reference point as these things move further and further down the road. And you start watching what states invested correctly and how their finances are doing, just like I think we're now reflecting on Florida and Ron DeSantis' mm -hmm. decision to pull out of the COVID lockdowns earlier than almost anyone else, uh, being told that he was going to destroy humanity and certainly the humanity inside of Florida. Instead, he's got skyrocketing numbers and everyone moving there. I think that, you know, slowly but surely one state, five states, 15 states, you know, this is how change really happens. It starts in this grassroots space and it's where politically, you know, I've said growing up a progressive liberal that, you know, I'm now politically marooned. But one of the tenets I really do am starting to appreciate more and more of is this idea of localized government, you know, bringing mm -hmm. the power of government closer closer to you, the smaller the government, the more power should have. So give city and you know county councils more power than the state, than state over the federal, because we just, it's so hard to affect federal government and change there. Uh, whereas if it's close to us, we can elect and, 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 and de-elect those that aren't representing us. And so these states stepping forward and watching them really find that power, I think it's kind of exciting. Absolutely. And in local government, your voice and your needs will be has a greater percentage of being heard and being valued as well. Yeah. And, you know, as we're going to these conversations, especially moving into this new year, the COVID conversation starts to blur with the climate conversation starts to blur with, you know, the exposing of the conflicts of interest and in all of these agencies. We're really in new territory here because we have a population that is more educated than ever before that we're speaking to. So we're, you know, our organization, along with many others, we're taking we're taking people along with us in these investigations. And yeah. sometimes they're as smarter, if not smarter than, than us with these conversations. So it's pretty it's a pretty exciting time and the population is really awake and aware. And, you know, moving to the health conversation here, 
we're going to need a really activated population because here's the headlines coming out here. This is talk about diabetes, obesity, type 2 diabetes cases among young people skyrocketing due to rising obesity rates. And remember, type 2 is lifestyle-related um, yeah. diabetes. And here's uh, obesity. Nation's obesity epidemic is growing. 19 states have adult obesity rates above 35%, up from 16 states last year. And even this headline, you know, it goes all the way into cognitive issues. Ultra-processed food intake linked with cognitive is uh, decline study. And so where can we point to this? Well, there is an organization. They started in 1917. Uh, they have the roots, and it's called the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And they're responsible. If you go to their website, they say this is their mission. The Academy is committed to improving the nation's health and advancing the profession of dietetics through research, education, and advocacy. Dell, this reminds me a little bit of HHS saying yeah. their mission is to enhance the health and well-being of Americans through scientific research and public health. So we have this organization and boy, on their watch, they're really not doing a good job. So what gives? Well, scratch under the surface a little more, thanks to the U.S. Right to Know. It's a nonprofit organization. We have some FOIA emails. And here's the headline out of The Guardian. Reveals group shaping U.S. nutrition receives millions from big food industry. It goes on to say the Academy, they call them, accepted at least 15 million from corporate and organizational contributors from 2011 to 2017 and over 4.5 million in additional funding went to the Academy's foundation, which is that nonprofit foundation they have. Among the highest contri contribu contributions came from companies such as Nestle, PepsiCo, oh Hershey, Kellogg's, General Mills, ConAgra, and the National Dairy Council and the baby formula producer, Abbott Nutrition. Now, Dell, hold on and listen to this. It goes on to say the email reveals the Academy in 2015 was in a sponsorship deal with Abbott and was discussing how the Academy could use its dietitian's influence in pediatricians' offices to push Pediasure, one of the pharmaceutical giant's infant, uh, form, infant nutritional products. Abbott at the time had in place a two-year $300,000 sponsorship deal. It goes on to say the Academy also owned Abbott stock at the time of the deal and plans a record show. It, it, it also owned stock in companies with which it had a sponsorship deal, PepsiCo, as well as financial contributors like Nestle. This is Gary Ruskin. He's the head of U.S. Right to Know. He says, this is astounding. That belongs in the Conflicts of Interest Hall of Fame. It is off the charts, <laughs> he says. And then it goes on to say, separately in 2015, a partnership between the Academy and Kraft ignited controversy when the Academy agreed to allow the company to put its Kids Eat Healthy seal on Kraft's singles packaging, which suggests an independent source verified the product's nutritional value. But you and I know that they didn't. <laughs> and wow. so you want to talk about the, the baby formulas, just as a side note to that. Remember, there was a, a recall of Similac in this country. This was a big story here. And this was one of the headlines. Uh, the, the, legal, the legal industry really jumped on this because they, they were uh, pushing suits for, for infant deaths, wrongful infant deaths. In wake of Similac recall, FDA announces strategy to keep Cronobacter out of infant formula products. That's the bacteria. So Abbott had to close his plants because of a necrotizing enterocolitis. That's the NEC. These are lawsuits from kids in the NICU that were given this, uh, this formula. And, you know, they basically passed away because it was, it was this stomach, uh, basically a stomach of formula that was, um, eating their stomach. It was a pretty terrible situation. But Abbott, you know, internal emails show that Abbott knew about this and they still market it to the hospitals, you know, the typical corporate playbook. 
but this is what's going on behind the scenes here. There's, you know, there's, there's real damage when these organizations that, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, it's agency capture is great. It helps them work clo more closely with the industry. Oh my God. Not, not to the evidence I've seen. And so here's the paper. Those, those FOIA documents, those internal emails were actually incorporated into a research paper. And this is uh, the paper. If anyone wants to read it, it's a long read and it's amazing. The corporate capture of the nutrition profession in the USA, the case of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Now understand they uh, are influential at setting the US dietary guidelines. So that's a huge thing. They're also big in lobbying um, for, for any st uh, changes to the state for health and nutrition. So that that's a big deal because that's where a lot of these uh, these guidelines really do come from. And so we have this organization, really a behemoth organization that's a front for our companies. But we also have, as a last stopgap gap measure, like the ASIP committee, we have this independent advisory committee that sets the, the dietary guidelines. It's the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. And so this was a study uh, showing how how they were balanced. Was there conflicts of interest within this committee? Remember, this is kind of the last stopgap independent committee for these dietary guidelines. Here's the, here's the headline, Conflicts of Interest for Members of the U.S. 2020 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. Says here, results, the researchers write, our analysis found that 95% of the committee members had conflicts of interest with food and or pharmaceutical industries, and that particular actors, here we go again, including wow. Kellogg, Abbott, Kraft, Mead Johnson, General Mills, Dannon, and the International Life Science had connections with multiple members. Research funding and membership of an advisory executive board jointly accounted for more than 60% of the total number of conflicts of interest documented. So they're top heavy, their leadership is conf uh, conflicted. So you know what's going to come below that is more conflicts of interest. And so, you know, Del, the reason we report on this so much, people say, I know this story, I know this story, but until we can clean this up, until we can get everyone on the same page and realize that these industries and these watchdogs may not be working in our best interest, that's one of the biggest first steps to changing culture and to changing how we live in our everyday lives when it comes to these overarching agencies. Yeah, I mean, it truly is the regulatory swamp. I think, you know, at this point, I'm I'm resigned to just assuming every regulatory agency that says it's looking out for my own good is probably uh, mostly being staffed by executives from the very industries I'm supposed to be being protected from, whether it's aviation, drugs, vaccines, food. I mean, the environment, you name it, it just seems like regulatory capture is complete. Uh, and anybody mm -hmm. that thinks it's a good idea, then uh, there's a couple bridges in this country I'd like to sell you. These are outrageous times. It is really the forefront of our work, Jeffrey. And it's what I'm really excited about. If people have been watching throughout this year, we really are taking this knowledge that you and I and our team has gained through being very specific early on for the last, you know, five or more years, however long we've been doing the high wire now, um, since uh, 2017. But that work was really specifically around vaccines and that research. Well, we really have, I think, completed all the research that needed to be done or could be done on the childhood vaccine program. Now we're gonna be connecting the dots of the COVID vaccine to that program so people understand it. But our understanding that we've gained in going down all of those rabbit holes, opening every door, talking to all the legislatures involved, we now see the pattern and are understanding these other issues, whether it's banking or energy, food supply, all of that, which is why it's been so 
exciting to be stepping into these other spaces. And we're going to be doing a lot more of that as we've discussed as we move into next year, really broadening, um, you know, our, our, our view. And we're still going to hold on to this sort of transparency, uh, you know, that, that we're talking about when we talk about the high wire protocol, but moving into these other sectors that I think are really going to be affecting our lives and certainly our children's and grandchildren's lives. But uh, it all comes down to this generation, this moment. And I'm just so proud of the work that you did throughout this year. And of course, all the way through COVID, um, just you're such a fantastic team player. And it's just an honor to know you. And I, I look forward to, you know, getting even deeper into these issues in the new year. Oh, thanks, Del. That's that's really sweet to say. Thank you so much. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to bringing our integrity to these spaces of research and our transparency as well, really to just blow these things wide open. So let's do it. All right. Have a have a happy new year and uh, I'll see you uh, in 2023. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Now, speaking of health and what it takes to be healthy, I think it's a good time to cue up that clip from Joe Rogan this past week with the esteemed, the erudite, Dr. Peter Hotez, who has been an authority on all things vaccine uh, and representing the establishment status quo position for quite some, you know, quite a few years, going back to pre-pandemic days when people just had questions about their children's side effects, uh, unforeseen consequences of their vaccine schedule. Yeah, Yeah. adjuvants, MMR, Mm -hmm. all those types of things that were going on. And uh, yeah, Hotez is going to reveal his cards. He's going to show, he's going to, he's not playing it close to the vest in this clip. I think it gives you a lot of deep insight into what brings a character like Peter Hotez to the Joe Rogan studio. It's not for the conversation. It's probably for the snacks. Let's check it out. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm trying to track it down. Yeah, just to be clear, That's this right. is from yeah, yeah. this. The clip is from 2019. Uh, oh, is it? The commentary. Yeah, it, just, it just circulated. It just re- it's it's circulated in context now. And I think okay, so this is a uh, T Lab. This yeah. is the last American vagabond talking with Alice Morrow, and they're reviewing uh, this Hotez clip. And then I saw it on Twitter this week, uh, courtesy of T Lab. Yeah, That's what we're looking for. The hot stuff. I'm just waiting for load. Uh, Rumble to load up. So it's all right. Are we ready to rumble? Well, in the could be. Term, we are now. Yo, Santa has. Okay, never mind. Very good. Good. We'll, we'll come back to it after. I don't know where that's playing from. Hang on. <laughs> well, in the so this is uh, uh right. let's see December sixteenth, twenty twenty one, when COVID was going on, and well, it was uh affecting people primarily with high BMI. Um, at least two or more comorbidities. This is what the US FDA tweeted out pizza and chocolate, anyone? So that's, uh, you know, this is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. Everything is up for grabs. Just be the sure, CDC you know. also had some interesting tweets in the last 24 hours that this Elon is, had commented on. US FDA, not- you know, get healthy, vitamin D, you know, get some sunshine, get some exercise. No, eat some pizza with covered in chocolate looks absolutely disgusting to me but you know then get your vaccines i'm sure there's something else they were probably already pizza pudding there oh yeah they do since we stirred the pot with the pizza now's a great time to remind you that covid 19 vaccines present prevent covid 19 they stirred the pot well look look what they say they stirred the pot brownies with covid 19 this is December prevent? 2021. Yes. So this is US FDA. Prevent is a very interesting word. We could look that up. 
We should look that up in the dictionary to see what prevent means. Since we've stirred the pot with a pizza, now is a great time to remind you that hashtag COVID-19 vaccines prevent COVID-19 and serious health outcomes that COVID-19 can cause, including hospitalization and death. Head to vaccines.gov to find a location near you and make sure you dip your pizza in chocolate. Putting loving pedos over there. There you go. So that's There's no uh, Pizzagate euphemisms there at all. It reminds me a lot of the lipid hypothesis in the 1950s. And after we get to the Hotez clip here, the courtesy of the T-Lab, uh, we will go to <clears throat> another pizza story from the past week. Oh, boy. And the, the rogue oh, stories the other of deliveries mm-hmm. that didn't get them busted. We should probably cover Paul Joseph Watson a good just breakdown before it all happened of the Greta Thunberg versus. Yeah, we'll have to wade yeah. into that topic. It'll take us probably through intermission. We'll get it started and we'll kick it off and let it fly. All right. So uh, T-Lav with Allison Morrow talking about the the Hotez. The Hotez Jesus. Not to be confused with Hotep Jesus everyone and do we have a present for you santa has delivered officially on twitter with uh peter hotez the well he's most well known i think for his bow tie but then secondly most well known for being like i think the biggest fan of vaccines on the face of the planet and i don't say that just casually he is he is like all in on every vaccine but definitely the covid vaccine and so all in that i'm going to show you something i did a video about a while ago and by the way here's ryan christian of the last american vagabond here to opine as well (laughs) but he wanted uh surveillance even of what he called anti-vaxxers you know and to really go after anti-vax aggression and just like go after those people who didn't want the covid vaccine and use use uh the the three-letter agencies to do it and, and really combat misinformation. And we'll talk about that in a second. But but he really delivered on Rogan recently. As you see here, this is Dr. Oh. Corey retweeting the video. This might be my all-time favorite Joe Rogan moment. In just a few minutes, Peter Hotez inadvertently shows the world exactly what has gone wrong with our medical system and why his endless push for more vaccines will never create health. And that's because he admits... And I don't even think he admits he was kind of like happy and laughing about it, not realizing, I think, what what the bigger picture was going to be when this quote was uh, shared around that he loves junk food and he just doesn't he he doesn't necessarily feel bad about it. He just likes fries and hamburgers and all that good stuff, Ryan. And and so he's telling you, you got to get vaccinated for public health, but he doesn't care if he eats six hamburgers a day. Apparently, I don't know anything you want to say before I play it. Yeah. You know, it's it's you've, you've opened that well. And I think what's interesting is. There's there's two ways. To, there's a few ways to look at this. I mean, obviously, there's infinite ways to look at it. But in my opinion, there's a few important ways to consider this. And that is ultimately that it's possible that he may not even truly realize why he looks so stupid in that clip. Right. And that's, yeah. in, that's interesting to me. I In no way am I saying this guy is not aware of what he's doing. I think my opinion is I think that's very clear, but who knows for sure. But the way he discusses this on like the largest podcast on the planet as if it's like a casual admission to like doing literally nothing for your health. I shouldn't say that. I mean, he, well, you'll play it. He talks about running in 30 minute intervals, but talking about doing all of this, like all this, like casuals, the things we know are paramount for your health. We historically understand this for as long as you want to look back, casting that aside because vaccines. And that's, that's the gist here. And I think he genuinely to some degree doesn't understand why that's so stupid. But on the other side of it is that there's obviously a, a push to make it about that's not real health 
vaccines are real health. And it's just mm -hmm. this alarming undertone. And I think it's interesting. So the other point, the last point was that Joe Rogan, of all people, which I'm still torn about whether I how I feel about what his true intentions are. Maybe it's just Joe being Joe and everyone makes up, you know, who knows, really. But how how interesting it is that this podcaster, this host of 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 um oh geez that's been uh ultimate fighting my the God, fighter ultimate yeah. fighter, UFC I, I was kind of just yeah. trying to be facetious that you know the guy I mean the, I I think Joe's interesting and he's got some good takes but it, like someone from that background who's able to make these people look ridiculous like Sanjay Gupta and plenty of others on the show by asking basic questions and that's why I like yeah hear Corey's point because it's simple it's easy to see. Yeah, well, he's certainly like not as militant about about the very stuff that for the last couple of years we've heard more and more that you're more at risk for. Well, I mean, just illness in general, if you're eating junk food all the time and that yeah. includes covid. And so, you know, we, we we've heard over and over again that like it's an inflammatory response your body has. And so, you know, if you have diabetes or you're overweight or you, you know, you have all these uh, these pre-existing conditions that in large part are related to lifestyle that mm -hmm. you're more likely to get ill and and so he's definitely not as militant apparently about those things which we know are real contributing factors um to just illness in general you know not even just the last couple of years what we've been discussing uh compared to like his real militancy about if you get vaccinated you know and and so i just found that to be interesting one other thing too it's interesting is that you have to ask the question about whether he tr he truly understands the risks of not just that it's high fat and calories, but that he's ingesting horrible chemicals and hormones and additives and whether he understands mm -hmm. that that is another side of that. The GMOs right. and these things, because the way he pushes back on a lot of stuff in the, in the mainstream conversation suggests that he either doesn't think those are dangerous or is overlooking that for clear reasons we could discuss. I think that's another yeah. angle to it, but go ahead if you want to play it. Okay, let's play the clip. Here we go. Uh, I guess I won't play it all, but or should I play it all right? Yeah, why what not? Do you think? I mean, yeah, go ahead. Four minutes? Okay. Yeah, let's all play right. it all. It's worth Here we it. go. Your immune system in other ways? Do you take probiotics? Are you cautious about your diet? Um, I'm not as cautious about my diet as I should be. I'm a junk foodaholic, uh, actually. Well, that okay. seems like a terrible thing for your health. It, it is a terrible thing. For my <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole thing is just like right there. <laughs> it's, it's, that no, seems like a terrible thing for your health. Yes, it is a terrible thing for my health. I, I love right there that what goes right past this is that where Joe is like just almost flabbergasted, like expecting yeah. some kind of a justification. And he just smiles back at him. He's like, what? Like, that's pretty stupid. Like, Joe's like, you just can't get it past himself. Like, there must be more to that con conclusion. There's not. I, I love this is so telling. Surprised he wasn't wearing <laughs> yeah. a lab coat, by the way. Well, yeah, he doesn't understand why that would even be an oxymoron for, like, his position. Or like you were saying earlier, it's it's almost like he just doesn't even understand why, why this would even matter. Because right. he probably would have a better defense for it if he thought it was a big deal that he was saying this. That would or be my, that's my assumption. You're, you're absolutely right. Or maybe this is, you know, I think meta on this stuff. Maybe this is the way to make it seem as if it doesn't necessitate a response because it's not necessary. Like, you know, who knows how they think into this? Either way, whether yeah. you think he's being honest or he's not, this is embarrassing. Like for a health professional, in fact, I responded to him on Twitter. I called him not a health professional. He's a pharma or rather, yeah, a pharma professional. 
for someone in that position to make these statements, it's embarrassing. But well, actually, let's let's keep going. We're only seventeen minutes okay, in. Here we go. <laughs> Something my wife is uh, working on. But that seems basis. ridiculous for someone who works with health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's sometimes, going on with some, you, man? Sometimes, man, I just don't sometimes. get it right. <laughs> <laughs> he just get how often? Oh, yeah, sometimes. What? How often? How often do I steal a bag? Oh, sorry. Say how often? Did he... Yeah, he's about to say how often does he steal a bag of chips? Let's hear what he said. Chips or something how often like do you that. Eat garbage. Uh, I don't know. No, no. Hopefully not every day, but you know, hopefully so, not every day. Yeah, maybe a couple of times a week. Oh, know. that's what with Rachel, my uh, my daughter with autism. That's like our thing is to go that's to the. Uh, it's called the burger joint or to um, Shake Shack to get mm-hmm. a to get a cheeseburger. We'll sneak, sneak some fries. So, mm. so you live in large. We call it. Like that mouth pleasure so much, you're willing to sacrifice a little bit. I of am, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I can, I have to concede that's the case. Well, there's, I mean, I don't have to tell you, but there's a, a large body of data that connects poor diet to a host of diseases. Mm-hmm. That seems like a t- crazy uh-huh. decision for a guy in your line of work. There you go. Sometimes the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the, it's not all brain. It's, uh, it's something else. But I mean, you know, what I'm thinking as I'm listening to him is the amount of compassion he has for himself and his bad decision making and right. no compassion for the decisions of other people, which are probably actually good decisions right. uh, that, that that he he thinks are terrible decisions. We can talk about that in a second. But I just think it's interesting how much compassion and humor he has for his bad decision making where he's he has written countless articles at this point about how there should be no mercy for people who make decisions that he thinks are the wrong health decisions. Exactly. I mean, it's just blatant hypocrisy. And no matter how you it, see, this is a, ge- a major shift to get away from like the holistic, natural mindset to chemicals, you know, in that direction, you know, the pharma direction. And so that, that's what we're seeing is this, this is okay. Cause these things are meaningless. These are small choices. As long as you get your vaccines, we can laugh right. off the fact that I'm 50 pounds overweight and that I'm completely clogged yeah. my order, you know, whatever else we're talking about. But just to, you're right. That's a great point to make there. That it's just such a casual, laughing dismissal. And you know, it yeah. gets better with Joe Rogan's points. But just the fact that this is something that can be dismissed as non-important from somebody in that position, it's just mm-hmm. I've never seen something more transparent. We need to see mm-hmm. that this is the this what Pierre Corey is saying. This is the one-stop reality of why our health system has been so lost. Is a lot of them actually think this, or they're doing it for other reasons? And that's it's not correct. We, I mean, as, as you said before, when I end this, I'll make a point about the the weight. Don't let me forget that, that this has been proven based on the trust, the science crowd, even that the weight is a huge factor in regard to COVID specifically. And yet mm-hmm. it mattered to him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Whittlefish is saying daughter with autism is worth dwelling on for a it second. Is. Think cause, you know, he has said on Rogan before that, um, you know, there's no connection between vaccines and autism because he said that his science has, or others have Ah. shown that there's uh yeah, it happens pre pre uh, or not preconception uh, in the womb, pre birth or something. (laughs) I, I I don't know. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there that he has been, he's very militant about that exact course. That exact thing, that connection. He's talking about that. And most likely because his daughter has autism. So he's going to be aggressively on the stance that it's not my fault this happened, right? That's that's an easy way to look at why you'd be so resistant to even considering all of the peer-reviewed science that has found very clear connection. It was even, it's even been forced, it's been admitted to a grudging degree throughout this process pre-COVID that yes, there is a link. They just argue that it's not necessarily as severe as we made it out to be. That was the, the, the furthest it's gotten. 
But if you want to go back to the doc, the Vax documentary, the MMR injections and the conversations there, it's it's ju it's just like we dealt with with COVID-19 and the vaccine misinformation there. I mean, this and remember, this is Dell Bigtree and the same people back then pushing on the MMR vaccine and the important reality. And I'm not saying I know for sure that his daughter had autism because of that. Now, I, I, I based on what we are taught, I, I believe you could make the argument that autism existed before all of this. But that's a big question to ask because you can see a gigantic increase in autism in the perfect correlation from the act of 1986 forward. And now we're at this horrific reality of like one in every three or whatever the number is today. Now, I know that was uh, I, I don't know stat. I forgot off the top of my head, but it's way higher than it used to be. Mm, the point is, is the, the point is that there is a connection there and there's no denying this. And, the, and the, for someone like that to push back on science, peer reviewed and otherwise, because he disagrees, it's the same thing we're seeing today, that it's the good science versus the bad science when all of it is using the scientific method. Some are just using. Anyway, go ahead. I can go off. Well, on no, I was going to say uh, Cheryl Atkinson has been on before and she was talking about how, like, in the late 90s, she was able to do reports about that topic with not really much concern from management and uh, it, and things changed in the early two thousands and, and that became like an untouchable topic. You couldn't discuss the yeah. connection. And she said flat out and it, I'm, somehow the video still lives on YouTube. She said the same thing you said, which there is a connection. She had looked into the research. She was doing a report on it. And this is the late nineties, no problem in network news. And then something happened, you know, the sort of five to seven years uh, following that she did have um, calls from like nonprofits that really shill for the pharmaceutical industry saying, uh, you know, you guys shouldn't be doing this report, blah, blah, blah. But her managers still stuck up for her, right. You know, her ability, I guess, to do the report. Whereas nowadays, you know, people like me who just pitched us, pitched a story about it, didn't even do the report. I mean, I just right. pitched like that there was going to be a conference and maybe we would go talk about it. My boss said we would never we would never let anybody question that uh, question vaccines right. on our newscast because you would be essentially a psychopath, crazy <laughs> science denier if you did that. Wow. And I think a lot of that is because of the messaging from people like Peter Hotez. And I think he's proud of that, you know, proud right. that you would have a news manager look at a journalist like me and say that you would never let anybody question that. He would look at that as a win, I think, uh, yeah, a absolutely. win for truth. <clears throat> and that's a, that is shutting down the scientific method. Like, think about how absurdly contradictory that is for a scientist to be actively promoting the lack of research and due diligence because we've already made our minds up on something, right? The whole science is settled argument is literally counter to the scientific method. I mean, this is what's so this is why we have so many doctors who, you know, there's a lot of people that were afraid to speak up in the beginning. You know, I get it. People were being yeah. attacked, losing practices, but it's gotten to a point to where anybody who has even a modicum of honesty is going, okay, this is getting out of control. Like they thought maybe this would dissipate. They're standing up and going, look, there's no trust the science. Saying trust the science is counter to scientific method. You know, so these people like Hotez, I, I look, I don't, I find it almost impossible. I don't know for sure. I can't prove this other than the base of the on the surface government funding and so on that people like this have that I can't prove that he is doing this for one reason or another. But how you can possibly look at this like the entire COVID-19 agenda and not walk away going, there's something beyond right and wrong here like this is this is malicious like there are people that are making choices that know that people are being hurt by them and it keeps happening i don't know what level he falls into this but mm -hmm. when you've got people around the world like dr peter mccullough dr M malone dr you know i mean everyone we've possibly talked about throughout this entire process jay bartachara dr Sh uh, dr um bakti 
And then entire health ministries around the world, entire governments saying these things are dangerous to the point we won't even touch them anymore. And yet he's over here going, you better put that in your child's arm or you're not going to be able to school and you're a crazy, dangerous anti-vaxxer. He literally just said online the other day, I actually have that tweet pulled up. I'm realizing right now we're getting away from the video. This is what always happens. But <laughs> but I, I had this oh, right here. And if you want to show it, the uh, oh, here it is. Yeah. So this is the tweet that went out. And this is a really alarming step. This is Peter Hotez, and this has been misrepresented to a small degree as claiming anti-vax, anti-vaccine people is, is a major being anti-vax is a major killing force. What he says is anti-vaccine activism. Your words mm-hmm. are a major killing force globally. That is this guy. That is Hotez mm-hmm. saying you're not mm-hmm. even allowed to speak up. Like, what if nobody had spoke yeah. up about the old swine flu vaccines? What if nobody spoke yeah. up about these past ones we knew were hurting people? You know, mm-hmm. he, he would call you an anti-vaxxer for having questions, even if you've already taken three shots and suddenly started asking questions. Suddenly you're anti-vax. Nobody can take these people yeah. seriously. Yeah, this was what I was going to show. We, we will get back to the video in a second, folks, where he talks about <laughs> If you watch my again. show, they know this is how this is how it goes usually. So go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan's like, I'm short on time today. But anyway, here's my screen. Let me go through 30 other things. Um, okay. This is what he wrote in 2021, COVID vaccines, time to confront anti-vax aggression. And this is the the famous uh, article where he talks about who should be helping. And if you scroll down, it's uh, cybersecurity, law enforcement, public education, international relations, a high level interagency task force reporting to the UN Secretary General could assess the full impact of anti-vaccine aggression and propose tough, balanced measures and uh, that the task force should include experts who have tackled complex global threats such as terrorism, cyber attacks, nuclear armament, because anti-science is now approaching similar levels of peril. And it is becoming increasingly clear that advancing immunization requires a counteroffensive. That's so that's again, yeah, just to give context of who this is. Um, you know, he doesn't talk about wine, but you know what, Dr. Hotez? If you <laughs> if you are a wine drinker. I even despite all that you've said about people, you could go to AllisonWinePromo.com and see the difference is I'm not going to send a task force after you. You can go <laughs> drink wine and I'm not going to send a task force after you. You could do it without any uh, monitoring of your, you know, I'm not going to surveil you or anything. And also, if, if any of you all out there would like to get some wine, I know we're past Christmas, so it doesn't matter for Christmas gifts, but you still have time for New Year's. And these are actually, I mean, if wine can be healthy, they're healthier. We'll just put it, I've had a glass of wine, every, uh, get some organic rose, which, which point about does the, not. But ultimately, the interesting part about it is that why can't we reflect on that? So like in today's world where yeah. we are right now with what they're telling you, this is this way and this is that way. Like whether or not it's, it's misinformation and a psychological operation, couldn't they just be wrong? And we know that's possible, but yet people like Hotez won't allow you to speak your mind. Because you're an aggressor yeah. against the narrative. And see, that's the real danger in all this. Even though I think there's a whole layer and obviously verifiable data around how dangerous these things are, not not, not the wine, the uh, the, the injections <laughs> that, that yet it doesn't matter because you're just not allowed to challenge it because Hotez says so, you know, and he's got a white right, coat. So make sure you listen to him because like. All right, just to be clear, Twinkie's bad, wine good. You can buy Allison's wine. Uh, I'm glad she hosted T Lab for that commentary. It goes on longer. You can go check it. We're going to have it in the show notes in its entirety. <clears throat> I uh, brought up the question in my mind when I heard them talking about, yeah, since 1986, because they had that Vaccine Prevention Act where they don't get held accountable uh, with respect to uh, damages caused by vaccines to children, especially. 
And then I had a question. I said, uh, when did they make that film Rain Man? Because that was about that. That's what really popularized autism and put it on on uh, yeah. people's radar. That movie was made Tom in 1988, almost as if they they sensed there would be a need for people to recognize and have a, a movie they could attach to. So when parents were saying, hey, my kids have autism, you could say, oh, it's like the guy in Rain Man, right? But without a Barry Levinson film to give us that form factor handle on the situation in public, we'd all be lost. Yeah, it's a 1988 American road drama film directed by Barry Levinson. Written by Barry Morrow and Ronald Bass. Uh, it's with now, Morrow and Bass, I think it was Morrow. He he actually knew some people who were like intellectual savants, but had intellectual disabilities that weren't, I don't think, autism, but maybe later classified to, to fall in that realm of autism. So he was basing it on uh, successful adult savants who did have an intellectual uh, disability like that. Then later it, they kind of evolved it into, uh, you know, the character has autism, but then focused on the relationship between Charlie and his brother. Correct. Yeah. And became the, uh, just for people to get a sense of how impactful the movie was. It was theatrically released by MGM UA communications company, United States on December 16, 1988 critical and commercial success, grossing 354.8 million on a $25 million budget, becoming the highest grossing film of 1988. It received a leading eight nominations at the 61st Academy Awards, winning four more than any other film nominated. Best Picture, Best Director, Best, best actor, Screenplay, and Best Original Screenplay. Now, they're going to remake that movie. You know, they're going to do the 40-year anniversary. Tom Cruise is going to be in it again. Only in the beginning, where he's hawking those supercars, they're going to have Andrew Tate in there for the clicks oh. to make sure the marketing is built in. And with that segue... Segway. That guy went off a cliff, right? Uh, with that segue, let's let's move into the Tate situation because it's been tainted by some bad intel that people spread. Or like, what's the saying? A lie goes around the world before the truth can get his pants on. Well, that sort of situation uh, was going on, and it makes it even more of a precarious, interesting situation, right? So here, two, four. I don't know. Have we mentioned Andrew Tate on the show before? <laughs> Maybe vaguely, lightly. We have a couple of times, but not really shown much from him. He's the top G. That's all I need to say. He's the, he's the top G. And apparently he's got marketing capabilities because everybody found out who he was, but just like in the last six months, right? That's the sort of thing that went on. And he uh, made provocative content, uh, comments and they got banned a bunch of places, which built more notoriety. And then he became like a Voldemort. So he was on Voldemort uh, senior show over at the InfoWars, right? Mm -hmm. And then he's been speaking out. And so the other day, he sends some tweet to Greta. Uh, can we bring that up, LD? It's such a priceless tweet. Is it available easily within your reach? Or it'll Should be covered be. in the videos. I mean, they'll, mm. they'll probably talk about it. We don't yeah, have Paul to do Joseph it Watson has a whole thing. Uh, yeah, he's going to show us. So we got, the, we got the long, <laughs> we got the short form with PJW. We got the long for, form with PBD. We're probably going to put yeah. that in the intermission, but we'll get it wound up before an intermission. So, Long story short, Tate sends this tweet at Greta. Greta slam dunks on him like she's Michael Jordan jumping over Akeem Olajuwon. And huh. yeah, see, that's a good reference. Yeah, and that's a good um, reference indeed. He tries to make uh, what they call a cope video. But in that cope video, this is how they classify it. He's coping with it. So he makes a response, right? Because he got dunked on. So now he has to like try to do something. So he has this video. He has these pizza boxes not recycled 
material type thing. And then he gets raided and his compound gets raided. He and his brother get uh, apprehended because I don't want to say arrested because they got uh, they got held or something like that. It's not the same as an arrest. It's like they're looking for the evidence to arrest him, but they're going to hold him for 30 days detained, I think is the term. And um, the accusation is something that they said they had been investigating since last April. But all of a sudden, right after these Greta tweets go off, they went and raided them. So they've been working on it since April, but they just decided to do it. He's also been charged or, yeah, I think charged or raided or swatted in the past for the exact same accusation, right? And so when you find out, as you will, during the intermission that the U.S. consulate and stuff's involved, it gets a little more gray than the cut and dry that people would like you to believe. Now, there are those who follow Andrew Tate and whatever he says is gold. There's people who whatever Andrew Tate says is shit. And we're not on either ends of the spectrum. We're looking at it. Here's a flawed human being who's very charismatic and very accomplished in many ways, very disciplined and very intelligent in many ways, who has some different perspectives. And he uses his free speech expressly. And he says a lot of things that people in power don't want to hear. So for the rest of us, we're like, that's kind of entertaining, you know? Okay. Some people say he says not so nice things about women. Well, he's not influencing me to not like women. So we're all good on that. But this whole other thing where the people who don't have power and don't work together all of a sudden show their power and work together, but yet the, we're supposed to say that doesn't go on. So somebody picked up the phone and said, take that guy off the streets. And then like that, they all of a sudden they had a case, they had a warrant, they had everything they needed. And he's, uh, he, well, I think he's being held, but he has access to his phone or something like that. So we're going to see there are statements by uh, a friend of his that lives there, his cousin who lives there. You're going to get to see, you know, several different clips, several different perspectives, uh, uh, you know, and, and choose your flavor. I'm covering it because whether or not the whole thing's a distraction and a psyop to keep us from looking at something else that's going on or somebody spoke truth to power and they're fighting back against him. That also goes on. Look at Julian Assange, right? They can't, they can't say uh, Tate uh, is involved with children because there's, there's no evidence of that, but they can say, Oh, there's evidence he's involved with women. What if we put a couple of women in this house and then later they testify against him that he did whatever. Right. They do plant informants and these sort of things in these situations. Historically, I'm saying that goes on. Right. So is the, it where's the evidence? Is there video? How do we know this happened? How do we know it's not just somebody with a grudge against him that he's spoken out against taking liberties? So and we the other important thing is right now, we do not need to make a decision on this yet. This is something that's going to go on probably for a little bit. We can afford to collect data over time. Um, it was actually something said at the dinner table earlier tonight with a extended family, an opinion on so-and-so I said, you're always free to say, I don't actually know so-and-so and I don't have an opinion on them. That way you don't have to get, take sides in the conversation. Right. And they thought that was pretty clever and interesting. And I said, it'll also be useful <laughs> because we don't have to have an opinion on everything, especially if we don't know anything about that thing yet. So it's okay to say we're wrong. It's okay to not have an opinion. It's not okay to let baby rapists run the planet and say nothing about it. So now let's go to post Paul Joseph Watson's coverage of the arrest of Andrew. So this and is the Greta Thunberg. So this is like the setup for like what the, the setup. Okay. The okay. Arrest. So this will be like 
the feud it's about an eight minute video that gets into like what what the hell happened and then it's a perfect segue into then the pbd that goes into greater detail yeah thank you for setting it up so eventually spoiler alert andrew and kristen uh, tristan tate get arrested or detained as a function of and Andrew's maybe they're brother. related or i mean maybe sorry, they tristan. just had them scheduled for the same day maybe they happened to tweet with greta and hundreds of millions of people saw it that exchange right maybe oh, they just yeah. happened it was massive i mean it got major yeah. uh, uh, publicity enough that klaus got a text about it i'll bet right oh yeah so and he'll show you all the various news outlets that picked it up and acted as though she was just a force of righteousness and you know and then if anyone the remembers world. after intermission there was a, a youtube link for hustlers university five hours 100 lessons i started going through it so we can talk about that later too but i'm going to put that evidence aside and let's just do deal with the evidence of this particular situation and and see what's going on with and the video that. is called small dick energy so oh, jesus we, we'll get a good good laugh out of this that's greta's email address in case you need to get, <laughs> talk, get in touch with her she's got a specific man in mind she's looking for some maybe she identifies energy. as a small dick maybe maybe i don't know small richard. i don't know small, uh, i mean isn't that richard dick or something like the equivocation there although that's your name so i shouldn't be saying that so <laughs> that didn't work out here's well. summit.news is paul joseph watson as seen on bandai video how dare you Welcome to a new episode of The Clown Show. Okay, first off, Greta Thunberg is an adult. She's nearly 20. It's almost 2023. It's not 2016 anymore. She's not a child anymore. She's a public figure. So yeah, we can talk about this candidly. Hello, Greta Thunberg. I have 33 cars. My Bugatti has an 8-litre quad turbo. My two Ferrari 812 Competizoni have 6.5-litre V12. This is just the start. Please provide your email address so I can send a complete list of my car collection and their respective enormous emissions. But for Andrew Tate, a snarky tweet soon turned into a global shitstorm. Yeah. Yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com. Haha, <laughs> macho man has small pee How dare you? Q orgiastic regime approved NPC bot form. Yes, you go slay queen reaction. This may well be the greatest tweet of all time. I expect the views feature to be removed after this public slaughter was witnessed by so many. Who'd have thought 2022 Twitter would peak so late in the day? Q regime media rushing in to take the victory lap. Greta Thunberg humiliates Andrew Tate after enormous emissions boast. Viral Greta Thunberg tweets slamming Andrew Tate quickly gains 2 million likes. Greta Thunberg says Andrew Tate has small dick energy and savage tweet. Ah, uh-huh, macho man has small pee pee. I mean, you've got to give Greta or whoever writes her tweets credit. Normally, the pithier the response, the better it lands. And her response backed Tate into a corner with seemingly no way out. What's he going to do? Post a picture of his knob? It would have been the only response that was pithier. But you know what the reaction would have been? Oh no, sexual harassment! Then she would have become the victim again. Is he going to get angry at a teenager for suggesting he has a tiny winky. Probably not the best idea. Is he gonna start making fun of Greta Thunberg's body? Oh, no, 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 no. Toxic misogyny, body shaming. Can't win because body shaming's only okay when they do it. Clever, eh? Conservative men, please stop being creepy about Greta Thunberg. It's literal sexual harassment. Her talking about men's penises, though, that's not sexual at all. You see, they write the rules of the game. Then they hand themselves a bunch of cheat codes that you're not permitted to use. Only the left is allowed to be offensive. If Tate had gone pithier with his first response, it would have led to another regime orchestrator, deadly toxic masculinity moral panic meltdown. A couple of years ago, when she was legally an adult, I insulted 
Greta in a similar context to how she insulted Tate. Milder, in fact. What happened? They banned the video and hate speech strike to the account. The regime says you're not allowed to ridicule Greta because they've turned her into some kind of deity. It's only okay when they do it. We'll take a look at Tate's video response after a word from the sponsor of this video. So I've had Scott Mannion on my podcast, Positive Subversives Dissidents, and analyzes English verse written we need to lift up talent on our side and get him to over 10,000 subs. So pause the video right now as the mob to go DEFCON 1 on him again. But here's what he said in a follow-up video. She replied by telling me her own email address. Greta's email address is I have small dick energy. Why would that be your own email address, Greta? Strange. I mean, also, I don't want to assume her gender. It's 50-50, but... It is what it is. Note how Tate can only walk around eggshells with his own joke, despite the fact that it's on a similar level to hers. Because only the left's allowed to be offensive, but then he landed more of a direct hit when he got serious. So, I'm actually mad at Greta, right? Because she doesn't realize she's been programmed, she doesn't realize she's a slave of the Matrix, she thinks she's doing good. Someone has sat her down and convinced her to try and convince you to beg your government to tax you into poverty to stop the sun from being hot. And that's the crux of it right there. The only way to respond to Greta and her ilk is to demolish the notion that any of them have the moral high ground. That's what really pisses them off. Greta Thunberg is the number one figurehead for a craven, nefarious, elitist, global transfer of wealth scam. An agenda that will impoverish the world and cause untold misery for generations to come. But yeah, to her credit, she's really good at dick jokes on Twitter. Liberals going after Andrew Tate for challenging Greta Thunberg with the line, how insecure must you be to feel so threatened by her? And you can't even call her that, even though she calls herself that, because they'll ban your content. Truth is, doesn't matter whether she's 19 or 91, she's dictating a global energy policy that will end up killing millions. People across Europe are freezing in their homes right now, because Germany and all these other countries became totally dependent on green energy. They shut down almost all their coal-fired and nuclear power plants. Now people can't afford to pay their energy bills, food inflation is through the roof. Our living standards are being decimated, our means of mobility are being banned. We're being prepared for climate lockdowns by the very same forces that inflicted the outrageous evil that was COVID lockdowns. Under Greta's green dystopia, the cost of living will be barely living at all. Living on the breadline. In the coming years, this will exacerbate devastating levels of poverty. And guess what poverty leads to every single time? Death! And although she may be completely naive as to her role in all this, Greta is the figurehead, the totem pole. She literally wants the entire system of capitalism to be overthrown. Now, I know its modern incarnation has got many problems, but generally speaking, capitalism lifts people out of poverty and greatly improves their lives. What Greta and her ilk want to replace it with ends life on a mass scale. Reference? the entire 20th century. Don't make fun of her though, because only the left's allowed to be offensive. I don't tell people what to do. This is exactly what you keep doing. You're acting like spoiled, irresponsible children. I don't tell anyone what to do or what not to do. I want you to panic. I don't tell people what to do. I want you to panic. I don't tell anyone what to do or what not to do. I want you to act as if the house was on fire. I don't tell people what to do. I want you to act as if the house was on fire. I don't tell people what to do. This is exactly what you keep doing. She's a contrived, manufactured fraud. 
fraud being fed lines by her activist parents and handlers. I mean, look what happens when she doesn't have a script to hand. Um, could you please uh, tell us what kind of message what you are doing here today, what kind of message would you send by doing this to world leaders? And also can I ask you, um, do you think it's about time that um, uh, President Trump would respond to what you have uh, said today? Um, I think... I'm sorry, what was the first question? <laughs> What's the message you would like to yeah. triggered yeah. when he said Trump? I think what we want to send is, the message we want to send is to say that we have had enough. And uh, anyone else wants to ask another question? I can't speak on behalf of everyone. Anyone wants to answer about the message to world leaders? They act like she's this brave, courageous, anti-establishment activist. When every single tentacle of the establishment supports her every move. So that's the truth about Greta. She's the cult symbol for an anti-human agenda that will make everyone's lives immeasurably worse. She's one of the regime's most loyal servants. And that's why the regime rushes to her defense every time someone dares make fun of her. But yeah, good dick joke. So they want you to think that after that all transpired, that somehow Andrew Tate got arrested because of those pizza boxes. They want you to think that the Romanian authorities, the U.S. consulate, the CIA, MI6, did not know that he was in Romania until Andrew Tate mistakenly responded by putting those pizza boxes. And then they were able to track his location and send a, a, a SWAT team over there to go apprehend those dangerous criminals over there. So we'll wait and see again, innocent until proven guilty, but it seems a little fishy that Greta responds to the fake news that he was busted from the pizza boxes. Cause her quip was, this is what happens when you don't recycle your pizza boxes. Right. So we're going to get into that part of the story, but I also, uh, LD, there was a bunch of clips that you guys were posting here in the uh, Grand Theft World production. Do we need to cover these uh, leading into intermission? Are they short or what's the sitch? Um, they are short. I think it's some valuable points of data from the past. I mean, I, well, let's you look could at say it doesn't, points of data. you could say it's not relevant to the actual whatever the investigation is really about or whatever the situation is. But, you know, I think they're relevant points of data uh, when evaluating that guy. Well, like there's, there's stories out there. He got kicked off the big brother program and then they'll show you this piece of video where uh, he was apparently beating and, you know, whatever to some chick. But then I've also seen the interview with her that it was consensual and that they yeah. were, they were not doing that uh, to hurt each other. It yeah, was that's a more makes... of an adult bedroom type situation. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the problems with Andrew Tate is like, I saw the same video. I saw the back and forth between that. It's also, well, he's he close does, enough he does to a the sex of... trade that it is possible for oh, people yeah. to believe if they if there's no evidence and people are just assuming that the authorities are telling the truth about Andrew Tate because he's telling the truth about the establishment. So I don't know. You, you have to see the evidence. 
but uh yeah let's well, he's uh, also hyperbolic to make a point as well at times yeah it's an effect it's an effect yeah. he does i'm not a fan of andrew tate actually but i'm and yeah. so i'm not like justifying his actions i don't have enough information i've just seen both sides of the story and i can see how both have potential merit and so it just he's sort of a polarizing figure as you mentioned rich in regards to it's like almost purposely routine. polarizing tony yeah it's, did tate's dad work for the yeah. cia as a chess grandmaster type dude and is, that i don't know is you, tate playing chess right now with opposing forces knowing that they're going to attack him at some point so why not create a situation and trick them into attacking you early i don't know yeah, we have question. to wait and see. We don't have to have opinions or come to conclusions yet. It is important, though, we take in some raw data so we have some data points of knowledge on such right. situations. Not to just assume it's a distraction and not to just assume they're telling the truth, but maybe in, the betw- in between there's something to be learned. All right, LD, what do you think these uh, – have you seen these clips? Yeah, yeah, I have. I saw one was posted by Syrian Girl. I've seen – I've followed her stuff on Twitter. Uh, for years, I don't follow her, but I've seen her stuff and clicked links and stuff. So, uh, yeah, let's let's check. You want to in- intro them because I haven't seen them yet. Well, yeah, and I'm not sure how far back this was, but Owen Benjamin. This is probably a few months ago. Owen Benjamin played played the clip of of him and that uh, a girl from I don't know how long ago, but uh, we can play that really quick. And then there's Andrew talking about. Uh, how he would hypothetically choke and violently rape a woman and Andrew Tate talking about how he moved to Romania to escape sex assault allegations in the UK. And because Romanian law uh, has lax laws on rape, he's not a rapist, but he likes to be free. But uh, yeah, we could play hmm. these real quick. Interesting. Add in depth and dimension to the characters. Indeed. Andrew Tate's a piece of shit, and he's trying to normalize a really fucked up masculinity in my country. Think of me as like a white blood cell, like an immune system. All right? And so if I can move the needle in any way I can, I will. Because I saw like literally kids saying their heroes, Andrew Tate and all this shit. I'm about to play you guys a video. So skip ahead. If you don't want to watch this, which I recommend, just skip ahead five minutes from now and it'll be over. All right? This is Andrew Tate. And remember this, every time someone fucking promotes this guy, and I did not know this about him, this is him handling one of his whores for money, all right? Do not normalize this in America. Our country is better than this. This guy is, and he brags about this. He doesn't feel bad about it. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't say this is bad behavior. He says that this is good, okay? Let's watch this video and fucking justify this to my face, asshole. Okay, here we go. Proper English, no Slovak say it to the camera. The phone I said say is I said when I tell the camera I beat you and you don't do as I say. I didn't say the word listen. Did I say the word listen? Did I say the word listen? Okay, we're gonna continue here. So bear in mind what just happened. He said, in your Slovak bullshit language, this is a young girl. Oh the bullshit conservatives are gonna go, well she's of age. Guys, they're fucking disgusting, all right? So he's breaking a whore right here. This is pimp tactics. He's getting them on such eggshells that they will evacuate and do exactly what he says. You can call it a fetish all you want. It's not a fucking fetish. It's how you break a whore. This is a whore who works under him for money, all right? And he's and he beats her, and then he gets her down, and he beats her with a belt, okay? 
I didn't say the word listen. Did I say listen? Did I say listen? No. Look at the camera. Did I say listen? No. Did I say this motherfucker's going on Tucker Carlson, all right? Did I say it? No. Did I say it? All right, so now she's crying. He's beating her with a belt. He did this with other men in the room. He videotaped it, and then he broadcasted it and told that's how you handle your horse. All right. So is that or is that not the clip that that Tate has disavowed and then showed the woman from that video where she said we were doing that for the camera because it was like, I don't know, Big Brother or whatever show they were on? Or is that that something that came from his house in Romania? That's the same clip, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong because this is going on memory. This is one of the reasons why I don't like him because even if it is a fake situation and it was all stage play that should never have been done in the first place. And that's, that's where he's an extreme hyperbolic individual. Then the way he likes to make points is by being overly extreme. And so that's, that's so if that came out of his compound in Romania, that's an issue. If it was filmed right. under the auspices of whoever produces big butter brother, cause they're looking for clicks and views. Right. Right. And that, woman is later on video and she's like it was completely consensual we were doing snm bd bdsm bondage you know uh sex role play type stuff then that's a different situation and owen jumped to a conclusion without what what is the grainy sort like that was filmed but it got leaked what's the source of that video because it looks like it's been heavily like uh degraded through compression and stuff is there a clearer original piece of that video and are there things in that video that were cut off the front and end to make that look like a really bad situation maybe someone did that to frame him up long ago and it's still out there at work with honest people like owen benjamin who were trying to protect his audience i agree if that's really what's going on in that video i don't uh i don't like that and i don't support that or promote that however it's Sorry, yet to be seen. Now, what are these other pieces of footage, LD? Because they might corroborate exactly what Owen was saying, and it, it goes beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah, this is uh, posted by Syrian girl Andrew Tate describing how he would hypothetically choke and violent, violently rape a woman. So it's just a minute long. Have you ever seen a woman try and do anything competently? Like, imagine a girl pick this up. Um, if I pick this up, you ain't fucking with me. I'd have my left hand, I'd still like jab, I'd fucking swing low, take your fucking knee out. You ain't gonna see it coming. What would a woman- pause it for a second. Is that an Islamic dude holding a machete? (laughs) The day after there's a machete attack by an Islamic dude in Times Square. What are you doing playing this clip, man? You're so unsensitive. That's that's how he, right. No, I know, I'm being facetious. Too soon, too soon. All right, let's go back to the clip with Andrew Tate with the machete. Slap the machete, slap her in the face. One hand, machete, and then backhand. I perfected this in pimp school. When I got my PhD, we had to practice if a girl comes at you, ah, ah, you cheated, you cheated. It's bang out the machete, boom in her face, and then grip her up by the neck. Like, shut up, bitch! Her panties get wet. The machete's on the floor, her panties are all wet. You go, fuck her. That's how it goes. Slap, slap, grab, choke, Shut up, bitch. Sex. These are the basic moves of, of pimping. Fucking some little amateur. What if a girl picks it up? You're a fucking loser. Now that seems to corroborate everything Owen Benjamin just said without having to use that specious piece of source material, right? Perhaps. That's interesting, too. Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps it's all 
an act. We don't need to come to a conclusion right now on this, but that is an interesting piece of footage. And then I would say, didn't we play maybe five, 10 episodes ago, Dave Chappelle's joke about uh, the book pimp and what he describes in the training of the women involuntarily working for the pimp is something like what I just heard Andrew Tate describe as his process when he got a PhD in pimping. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Did you see that on Infowars? No, you didn't. You saw it on Grand Theft World. What's the other clip? Uh, This is Andrew Tate talking about why he moved to Romania, apparently. This is probably 40% of the reason I moved to Romania, because in Eastern Europe, none of this garbage flies. If you're going to go to the police and say he raped me back in 1988, then so we should have done something about it then. If you're going to go to the police and say he raped me yesterday, say, okay, if you've got physical evidence, or is there CCTV proof? Where to happen? Okay, let's go interview him right now. And if it wasn't really right, oh, I'd say, oh, we went to the club, we got drunk, she agreed to go back to my house, we started having sex, and then we carried on having sex, and then we had sex, and she didn't say anything wrong, and then she texted me afterwards, and I didn't text back, and now she's saying I raped her. The police would be like, okay, she's an idiot, bye. But it, it, no, not in the West. In the West, you can tell them that exact story, you're still fucked. You're fucked in the West. When people say, why did you in Romania? And I explain my five reasons. One of them is the Me Too era. They go, oh, well, you're a rapist. I say, no, I'm not a fucking rapist. But I like the idea of being able to just say, to, to do what I want. I like being free. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. Freedom in Romania. What, what was, uh, what did they used to call Romania? Because Romania is like a, a new name for the place. They, they had an old timey name for that place. Back in the day, what was it called? Transylvania. That's what it was. Transylvania. I know you guys knew that. So uh, these ongoings in Transylvania. So the webcam business could definitely get him in trouble in the UK. I could see him moving to Romania for that. And then that additional freedom. Plus Romania, I'm sure on his side, the cops were tippable. But when the State oh, Department yeah. comes by, they tip heavier. You know what I'm saying? Like Biden and those guys, they 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 pull away a billion dollar funding over if you don't fire the right person. So they might have been a little touchy. They might have been. Is Romania receiving any money from the United States on a regular basis? Are they on the the take as it were? Are they on the team? Team. That's what I meant. Team, not take. It's early morning. I've been on well, live stream a long time. Are they on the team? We haven't we haven't yet discussed all these things. So it does look like just researching a little bit. I mean, this is such a mess. I can't, I really can't stand this guy because like, I don't know what to think. And it's all very, I don't like the type of masculinity he supports or sort of popularizes. Um, but that's a separate issue. Um, even if it's, even if it really is just a caricature, it's not a holistic way to approach being someone who provides a protector. Um, There's a much cleaner way to express some of the ideas than what, he's doing and then when you check out like his his business ideas and you know that sort of stuff the implementations are damn shady oh for sure they're not even slim shady they're fat shady you you just see it you know so yeah the the video here so this it says um this is some sort of pop blog genuinely terrifying video of andrew tate beating a woman resurfaces online it is a video of him um andrew tate beating a woman it's not the same one we watched that owen Benjamin was commenting on. So there seems to be a number of these videos. So I'm yeah, sure which collect them all. This There's one supposedly one. is the one that got him banned, the Big Brother 2016 or something like that. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of claims 
I saw another one that said it was from an earlier video, so I'm not quite sure, but it's a you know, according to Andrew Twait, just looking around at like message boards, Reddit threads, Twitter, you know, he claims that it's all just sort of like, you know, sort of a BDSM sort of foreplay that he's into or whatever. But a couple of these, there's different videos now, um, very grainy videos where, you know, he seems he ran a what didn't he run a web webcam business, him and his brother or something like that as well. I mean, so he has an intimate understanding of it may not be your standard sort of um pimp industry, your standard sort so of So is like the documentary on him gonna be but... called Digital Pimp? <laughs> Digitalpimp.com. And and sometimes I wonder if he's hiding behind the facade of like um this idea of promoting honorable elements of masculinity and upstanding and scrupulous elements of masculinity in order to sort of hide behind that to protect himself from the and fact to muck that those and things up either muck so them up any or type or of masculinity him. is now they put it on the spectrum with tate and all this other right. stuff right? Right. right many such cases in history have done there's like you know that's some secret agent shit right there yeah, I'm not sure he's sophisticated. I don't know, he's not the dumbest guy in the world, but I'm not sure he's sophisticated enough to really equate the two. But he's an Anglo-American him. citizen. That's two of his six passports. Oh, That's speaking true. of the passports, yeah, yeah. He, he does That's have true. a number of passports. I learned from from an inter- interview a while back, and I kind of uh, appreciated the, the philosophy. Too, well, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Um, I appreciate his philosophy of like uh, I can't exit the system, so I'm just gonna spread out all over it you know that that appealed to to certain people i think in the interviews but this you know take it for what it's worth uh i i don't know this uh this person that syrian girl is is uh citing but she made a joke a couple days ago the difference between epstein and andrew tate is that tate doesn't work for the israeli Mossad, and then she said uh breaking i was wrong uh they both the Andrew, both the Tate brothers have Israeli passports, according to uh, she says journalist Stefan Lord and talking in a space uh, Twitter space. So, or that's a clever way by the Israelis to be like, oh, we're calling this guy for our team, so that yeah, you maybe. won't think he's on yours. And then the last, this is just <laughs> right. Funny. I mean, uh, that would be just say he's part. got you know because there's has anyone very I want to see is there a picture of an Israeli passport with him and Tristan? I would think that's more legit if I saw uh, even a good Photoshop job. I'd have to weigh it, like give it five percent maybe. But for sure. Well, how about this Photoshop job? This is just this is just <laughs> funny. George Soros between Tate and Greta. Listen, I want a clean side up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah could be like that too i mean the timing of all those events is very suspect well for sure it's almost like when peter power was there at seven seven and was running the drills at the time the things that he was running drills on happened in london during that fateful day they just happened to be running drills on the same places that happened to get attacked by the terrorists they happened to need funding to protect their people from it's miraculous miracles do happen it's not just the holidays just be anywhere around government official narratives magic bullets <laughs> yeah the more you research the more it just gets into more and more of a quagmire some people claim there's extended video where she clearly is playing a role other people say it's not the case i can't find the extended video 
it's all in clips and the clips seem to be different. It seems to be a number of different clips from a number of different situations. Seems... Either way, he shouldn't have done it in the first place. Yeah, like, it seems like somebody we don't need to hang out with. Right. It seems what it's and his brand of masculinity, like the fact that he's sort of equivocating or creating this false equivalence between what is you know the real role of masculinity in the scrupulous and morally upheld situ- situation or fortuitous situation. Yeah, there's um, problems versus... with feminism for sure, but I also would like to think that we could all get along with most feminists. It's just the extreme ideas where they're like, you know, yeah. we don't men, we don't need men climbing the power poles and keeping electricity going because that's the pa- the you know the patriarchy at work. Right. You know, that's your phone working, ma'am. Right. That's your electricity working. <laughs> Yeah, men, you know, are overrepresented in jobs. Peterson, before you know, went down the different road. He was always mentioned that men are overrepresented in all the very dangerous jobs the world over. Feel free to step out to the pole. Just know it gives you splinters if you try to do that dance on it. A lot of other things as well. Uh, They live; they have a lower life expectancy. You know, and a whole host of different. So there's definitely differences, obviously, between males and females. Both the fem. Uh, feminine aspect and the masculine aspect should be upheld for the differences and should be you know be able to find union in the the sort of contrary positions that exist within nature instead they sort of blend the two as though they're not distinguished at all and that's uh that's well because in the future it's just lines you know the the pods decide the gender during the incubation period gestation in the factories it's chapter one, Brave New World. That's true. That's All right. The, so yeah, there's a couple more uh, pieces of the Tate conundrum uh, before we go to the intermission. Uh, do you want to, LD, do you have the one where uh, his cousin who lives there made a statement? Because he didn't get arrested. Uh, I will also point out, just as a Second Amendment person, that when I saw pictures of the raid and the firearms that were on display on the table, they were easily recognizable as what looked to be. I didn't look at a close up of the photo, but I went from the shape of the pistol and they looked to be Walther P99 pistols, more than one of them, which is a very not common pistol, but happens to be the pistol used by James Bond. Specifically, like the Pierce Brosnan, uh, James Bond yeah, back you know, in that you know, day. It was a classic, Pierre. That's yeah, it's a gun famous. I couldn't tell what caliber, but that shape comes in nine millimeter, 45, and 22. Yes, and I and doubt James they were, Bond would be using if like, they carried what, 22s, maybe probably. they're hitmen. Oh, well, that would be, yeah, that'd be. <laughs> Didn't a... Seth Rich get shot with a 22? What respect, what self-respecting gangbanger is walking around at four o'clock in the morning with a 22 to shoot Seth Rich? None. But what most, I'm sorry, what Intel agent might be doing stuff like that with 22s? Long history. Long history. Might go back to the Galen organization. They like 22s because when you get someone in the cranium, uh, it's such a small round. It rattles. It won't go out the other side a lot of times. It'll rattle around and make sure the job's done. And uh, it makes less sound. It's smaller form factor to carry. There's a lot of reasons that uh, people who whacked people for a long time would carry the old uh, 22. Oh, yeah. If you're a good shot and you're doing it at close range, 22 would be a preferred 
weapon to use, quite frankly, especially when you're trying to not do a lot of recoil, good accuracy yeah. on a second that on the second tap. Right. So I'd be curious as to what was the make and caliber of the guns that were in the crime scene because I only saw like a little tiny picture. Maybe we'll see it in this video with Andrew Tate's cousin, who apparently talks just like him, <laughs> even though they were probably born in different cities, maybe even different countries. I don't know. But let's check it out. Let's wait in consideration because just because... He beats women on tape, doesn't well, maybe it does mean he would sexually traffic women. So I don't know. The jury's out. Well, there's no jury yet, but uh no need to make a decision. Let's continue looking at material. Certainly didn't help himself. Let's just put it that way by doing it. definitely doesn't help. Many things he does doesn't see he he seems to have an Alex Jones syndrome. Or maybe that's a commonality for that type of agent. I don't know. Yeah, Alex Jones seems to be more innocent in his coverage though. Whereas Andrew Tate's deliberately allowing these videos to be films i mean it's i think what alex does is much, much, around much more alex useful Jones, than what tate's words, doing right the type of attention yeah is that tate's bringing is not useful he would for be anybody. the perfect sort of honeypot straw man for the male like um the sort of male movement that's popped up as a counter movement to the toxic like feminist third wave feminist sort of movement that what has if, taken over yeah. what if james bond had an instagram account and a YouTube follow. Like you gave him too much credit for the potentiality of being a B99 Pierce Brosnan style. Maybe he'll jump off a dam and, uh, you know, then fly. A, I'm just fly. saying. <clears throat> Opportunity is there and the, the possibility exists. So let's continue to weigh information and maybe we pick up little clues along the way. All right. I, I found a longer version of that video than was on Twitter. So this is some guy oh, named sweet. Buck Army playing the video we'll just play the video within the video let's get fact up with buck army then first thing i want to tell you guys is i promise you that tate is too rich and too smart to do anything illegal he's been too rich and too smart to do anything illegal for a very very long time as long as i've lived with him i've never seen him do anything illegal at all in any way shape or form tate also because he's foreseen of things he always knew that this would happen He's told you guys this would happen. He has many interview clips where he said this would happen. It's a three life process when you're someone that the, um, that let's say the matrix or the mainstream news or the people in charge do not like you. You have, it's a three step process. First, they try and cancel you. So they tried to cancel Tate. They really did. Unfortunately for them, they failed. So they failed on that end. So if they fail on canceling you, What's the next move? Well, the next move is jail. And by the way, you can see this playbook. They played this. They do this playbook with Ju with Julian Assange. They do it with with credible people. It's what they do. First, they try and discredit you and cancel you, so no one listens to you. If people keep listening to you, then they have to try and discredit you further and try and put you in jail. That's the next move, and that's what the Matrix has done. The Matrix is now trying to put Andrew in jail. It's completely bogus charges. But unfortunately, Romania is, you guys can look this up, is known for corruption. And unfortunately, corruption also works to where if the mainstream, if the mainstream in the matrix wants you, they can find a corrupt judge to sign a bullshit paper to get your house raided. And that's really what it is. It's one judge signs one paper and now your house gets raided and then you get, and that's, that's how it goes. That's just how it goes. So 
Obviously, that's all in the news now because that's what it takes to discredit, right? Just the house raid alone is massively discrediting. Julian Assange, right? I don't know if you guys know who that is. He's the WikiLeaks guy who reported a bunch of news that the US government didn't want to get reported. Then one day, out of nowhere, some Swedish girl said that he raped her. And there's no evidence at all that that happened ever. And I'm pretty sure the charges were dropped and it never even went to court. But um, by then, he ran away and hid in exile in some embassy. He was in that embassy forever. Then they dropped those charges, and they added on some new charges about something about leaking, something about leaking sensitive information, like it's a sort of terrorist thing. So anyway, that's the playbook they played on Assange. Step two done. Will they attempt step three? Because step three is, if they can't cancel you, and if they can't put you in jail, or if jail doesn't ruin your influence, the next thing they do is they kill you. They Epstein you. They make, and Andrew's clearly said on multiple podcasts, he will never kill himself. Andrew knew that this would happen eventually. It was always, it, it, was, it, it was always a possibility on the board. It was always, okay, well, we've done well in not getting canceled. We're not going to shut up because we're going to keep changing lives for the better. And okay, so that means step two is jail. And Andrew expressed in many podcasts that he knew that that was the case, and that's why he was worried. And obviously, he was worried for a good reason, as we can see now. Because frankly, I'm extremely, extremely surprised this happened. I've been living with the guy forever, and I can tell you guys, it's not true in any way, shape, or form. It's complete, just literal nonsense. I, I actually can't believe it. It makes me really not trust the um, justice system at all in any way, shape, or form. So that's everything that's come out so far. I personally. All right. So that's interesting. Take it as something you don't have to make a decision on right now. That's the lesson for tonight. You don't have to decide right now, but take in enough. Inf you keep an open mind until you get enough information to close your mind, but you can't close your mind seeing one clip. And you definitely can't see, you know, uh, these things that are the accusations without where's the evidence for it. Romania, United States uh, consulate involved, these sort of things might be some nation state grudge, might be some globalist grudge, might be what's the story we can make up that people will believe about them based on uh, things that Ethan Klein has said in the past couple months, that sort of thing, right? So uh, also, I think one of the only people to do any coverage on this was that clip uh, with that guy's name, Buck Army. Like he, he's just popping into everyone's feed because there, he's coverage on this, but none of us are followers of these people. So there's also the question of how are these things uh, being proliferated? And is there some sort of uh, alphabet agency algorithm going on behind the scenes to make all this happen? Maybe even including Tate's rise to power in the, first, in the last six months. But they've been looking into him for organized crime since last April. But my other question is if he's been doing this for years and years and had to leave the UK and moved to Romania to continue conducting his webcam business. Why wasn't they under suspicion or investigation earlier? If this has yeah. been going on and there's patterns in the past, why hasn't th have these accusations been popping up for years? Okay. Why was it only after he came out and spoke, spoke some truth to power that all of a sudden the blackmail crew is out there and the frame up team is out there, you know, making things happen. So, this is a quagmire. I mean, this really is because there is video of this woman, the woman that Owen Benjamin was referring to, that said it was just kink play. But then, um, then were, he was charged initially back many like a decade ago, potentially or not many years ago, with sex trafficking allegations, and they were dropped. But he's in a country where it's easier to bribe, 
Also he's also got laws. six passports like Epstein. Epstein had right. a bunch of cases like, dropped too. Such a fucking quagmire, man. Like this is, I don't know. I mean, there's so it's like a he said, she said. You know, who knows whether or not yeah, he's like blackmailing the, the a girl saying it's supposed to be King Play, but I you know it's all it's like the it's yeah. This is just it's there's absurd. Johnny Depp and us already in 2023. Oh my god! When I saw this, you posted in our production chat, and I was like, oh boy, I don't. This is gonna be one of those rabbit holes that you're not going to find the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> at least for some time in regards to trying to figure out what the hell is going on with this. I knew I didn't, you know, I don't appreciate even if it all just is a, a sort of a, a caricature um, in regards to these more aggressive and extreme videos. As, again, I don't at all approve of it and don't find it, you know, useful to trying to tell young men to be, you know, leaders and, you know, to, uphold like traditional western moral values and all these sorts of things and traditional masculinity but i don't see how any of that stuff on that side that he preaches is possible if you don't respect women Correct. or people in general percent right and people and people the other thing general, is that's right people in general his cousin so. didn't say andrew is too smart and too good of a person to do anything unethical or outside Correct. of integrity he they said he didn't do anything illegal. he's too smart and rich to do anything illegal and he lives in a country with lax laws on those things so what Correct. he's doing is probably within the law but highly unethical well said immoral outside of the bounds of integrity and probably ties into some of the business examples he uses in that hustlers university where you get a phd in pimpery i guess i'm not all the way through it i'm only half i'm only in like less than 50 of 100 but oh boy yeah. Well, if uh, he's, oh boy, I'm not gonna go on there. Yeah, that's um, boy, I don't. To you, it's it's a great point. It's a great point in regards to. He may not have done anything illegal. He moved to a country in which the laws are more lax there. But we still don't have to like what he's doing, even if it's exactly. Illegal. That's my point. Because that's my point. and the fact that he's saying just illegal rather than ethical, rather than upholding to if everything's moral voluntary and everybody's adults. Then that's, that's all well and good. It's fine. business disputes between it, contractor and employer, but that's not the way they're presenting it to the public. And then having a video leak, quote unquote, to the public. I mean, or multiple videos for that matter, because I've seen a yeah. couple now. Just just doing quick searches and stuff. It almost had the graininess of oh. a good uh, three-letter agency hidden camera. Yeah. That or might like, be too, but he refers to the camera in the video. I'm pretty sure, like look into the camera, so it's not a hidden camera in that case. But it had that right. graininess, like yeah, they don't know. really, they don't really want you to see too much of the, the what what's going on. They just want you to. They want you to take over with your imagination and think and sort of. It reminds me of the proof that the plane hit the Pentagon. Those three mm -hmm. frames that don't have a plane in it, and people are like, "No, that blur is the plane. No, that blur is a blur." That's the epitome of unidentified flying object right there. Yeah. And you need to look a little closer with scrutiny because the people presenting you with that evidence have a long history of killing people and lying about it. Just saying. Right. Yeah. Long history. So, and if you want to go back to the Al Qaeda part, they have a long history of funding those guys too. Oh, oh by far. It's the opposite of a bifurcation. That's no, where things come together. Yeah, it's where it comes together there. Al All right. Database. So now let's set up the intermission. I would like first half Patrick Bet David commenting on the situation we just studied so you can hear somebody else. And from a like multi hundred dollar millionaire type perspective, he's wondering why you need six passports. He hangs out with PBD, hangs out with billionaires. Like if people have six passports, he's probably hanging out with 
no, no one he knows has that. So they have some legitimate scrutiny around that. I think that's good. And then uh, the second part, Burmese did a heck of a job on uh, the population bomb and, and Ehrlich and depopulation, but I'm pretty sure it's on his rock fin and not on his YouTube. So if it's not behind the paywall and we can play that clip, uh, that'd be great. And if not, we can find alternative clip that we can put in after Patrick David gives you the hot take on the uh, the Tate situation, the Tate tainting of the the Boar Taint Borla evolution from last week to this week. Last week we covered Borla's Boar Taint, you know, uh, improvac, and this week we got to cover the Tate taint on <laughs> the the Greta situation. So what well, do we got? When it comes to, well, I'm looking for those links. Um, <clears throat> what which Burmese video were you talking about? Yeah. All right, so uh, the Burmese it was the population bomb. Okay. It's got Paul Paul Ehrlich, but it's not on YouTube because it was too spicy for the yeah. YouTubers. And you want the beginning of the Patrick Bet David podcast? Yeah, there's a clip that was. Uh, they talk about Rothschild in it, so that was also useful. <laughs> Multi-generational wealth. They all of a sudden found out about Rothschild in there. But uh, the the clip was on uh, Andrew Tate. And uh, it, I think it was like 24 minutes. So it's a clip, not the not the full show. Yeah, it's not the full show. It would be uh, in the YouTube playlist from probably earlier today. I found the clip. That way I didn't need a time code for the whole show. Can't find the Burmese thing on Rockfin. Um, dun dun dun! It's hidden. Might be behind a paywall. Might be. Uh, no, even the paywall ones. Just the names of the titles don't reference anything to do with. What about thumbnail? bomb. No thumbnails. Like here, I'll put it on screen. You can sort of see what I'm seeing. Hazel Bass exposes truth. The blacklist. Nurses for sanity. Alex Jones, Musk, and more. Deep state Musker nuts. The Brunson case on making sense of the madness. America show. America show. Okay. For 100, Alex. I'll put that in there. Yeah, we're getting it done. All right. So population bomb. We're basically just looking uh, for the population bomb info in that part of the video. And then whatever setup he has for that would be great. And we're making an intermission on the fly because it seems like it would go better with what we're talking about tonight these two clips yeah. now uh and for context for patrick but david he and the other one of his co-hosts they flew to romania and they interviewed tate for like four hours and hung out there at the place where the raid happened so uh he's going to comment as somebody who just talked to this guy in person like a month ago and let's see uh see what happens what are we so ye yesterday, while this is going on, we're in meetings. I'm doing Zooms. I'm doing a bunch of different things. People are texting me, your boy got down. You know, your boy, they took him down. They did all this. I'm like, listen, uh, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep uh, going. Uh, one more, one more, one, right there. Click on that one, right there. Click on that one. Zoom in a little bit. Okay. I said, don't know exactly the details of uh, Tate's arrest, but here's what I do know. A day after he publicly calls out one of Woke's heroes, Greta Thunberg, they raid his place? Strange timing. Meanwhile, we haven't seen anyone from Epstein's list arrested. Weird. Strange. Mm -hmm. Now go to the bottom. 
At the bottom, I say he's loud, he pushes the envelope, he frustrates the left, he points at hypocrisy, he's duplicating young men to do the same. Having said that, if they committed a crime, the proper agencies will do what they need to do. Till then, innocent till proven guilty. So then, then I get invited on this Twitter spaces with, again, the guy Mario Nufal. I think he does a fantastic job as a host, and I'm on there. And he says, so Patrick, you've interviewed with them. You've spent many hours with them. How is he? How is he on camera? How is he off camera? I said, quite frankly, I liked him more off camera than on camera. And I liked him on camera. Yeah. I just liked him more off camera. I would agree. He says, uh, so what do you have to say about you know, all this stuff that's coming out? I said, here's, here's a couple things you have to be very careful with. First thing you have to be very careful with is, I, I said, as a father... Anytime the school calls me telling me what my son did wrong, my natural inclination is to say what? My son would never do something. Exactly. <laughs> Until I talk to him, I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, he, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you kind of did it again. So, and by the way, you know, that it ought to be that way. You know, parents ought to, you know, have a, a certain level of loyalty and belief in their kids. You know, if I get a call from somebody saying what you did something and I'm getting a call and I'm talking to the person. You and I are going to have a conversation, and then I'm going to sit there and say, listen, you know, it is what it is. Let's wait to see what's going on. Regardless of what it is, we have to know two things. Both can be right. One, I was going to Bible study years ago when I'm an atheist, and this guy's trying to convert me. I'm like, listen, you're not going to do it. 25 years I've been an atheist. You think you can convert me? And I told him, I said, look, I've been to churches. I've seen pastors do this. I've seen pastors take advantage of, uh, you know, members, rip them off with money, marriages, what they were doing on the side, smoking weed, doing drugs, having sex, and then they're claiming up there on stage that they're so mighty. He says, here's a rule number one about if you want to have a relationship with the man upstairs. If it's horizontal, you'll always be disappointed. If it's vertical, you'll never be disappointed. I said, explain that to me. He says, people are going to let you down, okay? Everybody is. You've let down your kids. You've, done, you've let down your parents. You've, I mean, at that time, I don't have kids, but he's saying you've let down your parents. You know, your parents have let you down. Your sisters let you down. You've let her down. Your friends, all this stuff. None of us walk on water, okay? Just hope you don't make the big mistakes, but we don't walk on water. We all make mistakes. Don't be surprised if a hero disappoints you. That's one. So years after that, I'm working at this church. This one Assyrian guy comes to me. They want to create an Assyrian part of this church. I won't mention the guy's name. And he says, man, I will kiss the pastor's feet. He's this, he's that. He's saying this in front of 30 Assyrians in this one guy's house, Wilson. And I said, listen, never ever put that much pressure on a man to be perfect because he's going to fall. Never give that much, you know, love and attention and accolades to a human being. Give him love, give him respect, but you're talking as if he's God and he can't make any mistakes. He says he can't. He's never going to make mistakes. I said, listen, I don't want that kind of pressure. And I said, I'm not, I can't help you guys out with this request that you have. Bring it to, to today, okay? You know, you have to know the people who really support this guy, they don't think he can do anything wrong. And that's unfair to him. And it's managing too much expectations for yourself. The other side. The people who can't stand, like on yesterday's Twitter spaces, one Romanian lawyer got on. He says, they're not going to let him be bailed out. He's not going to get out. They're probably going to do 15 to 20 years. And another guy comes and he should go to jail. And another, you should go to jail. He's going to go to jail. Do you realize what he does? This is unfair. All this stuff that they're saying about what's going on with this, right? People, by the end of yesterday's Twitter spaces, everybody said, this guy's going to jail for 15 to 20 years. If you're a salesperson, if you're an Uber driver, 
if you're somebody that's a, you're doing Uber Eats, you do Lyft, you're out there running appointments, you run a small business, but you don't want to have a gun because you don't want to get arrested and you're not trying to kill anybody. You're just trying to stop somebody so you can call the cops so they can come to you and you have enough ample time for people to stop. You may want a, a gift for 2023 for somebody. You may want to buy, buy them a burner gun. And this burner gun, when I called, I said, I want this thing. Let's not get it twisted. A girl yesterday, 50 states. Let's put a link below. A lawyer got on. Oh, wow. A Romanian lawyer got on and said, hey, here's what's going on. The Romanian lawyer also said something that was pretty fascinating. But the people who don't like him, let's not get it twisted. A girl yesterday tweets at me, some comedian, Nicole something. I don't even know what her last name is. But she tweets at me and she says, you're, you're this and you're that. You're exactly this. I said, listen, the difference between me and you is you're emotional and you're speak, speaking factual. Like this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm being logical and paranoid. That's the only difference. I said, you're doing this, I'm doing that, okay? And, you know, so, so the people that are happy that he got arrested, you know what crowd they're a part of, you know why, you know, they're celebrating whatever they're celebrating. Having said that, let's set that aside. Let's set those two aside. This is the most important point to be thinking about, okay? This is the most important point to be thinking about. If he committed the crime, he committed the crime, Okay. I don't know all the rules and regulations. I don't know, you know, uh, Cardone got on and he says, well, I don't know anybody that does all the right business and has six different uh, passports. Why do you need to have six different passports and et cetera, et cetera? Okay. It's a valid point. Why do you need a six different passports? Maybe that's normal in uh, Europe. Maybe that's how he gets around. Maybe it's a valuable thing to have passports. I know billionaires that have multiple passports, mm-hmm. maybe not six, but I do know people that have two or three passports in that area. It's actually very normal and for somebody to have don't forget, multiple passports. He not so subtly addressed the fact that his father may or may not have worked for the CIA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, so, right? Yeah. So, so, but here's the part, man. We were doing a video a month ago on generational wealth. Remember when the whole yeah, thing course. was talking about generational wealth? Generational wealth. Rothschilds. One of the things we we realized is the Vanderbilts lost their wealth. They were the richest people in the world. They lost their wealth within two generations. Think about that. Damn. You're worth a few hundred billion dollars. The money's lost within two generations. But the Medici family and the Rothschild family has kept the wealth and the power for many, many years. You know what rule those guys follow? Hmm. One basic rule. Don't be loud. Yeah. Do not be loud. Don't call out the establishment. Don't be too opinionated. Stay low key. Keep a low profile. You don't see a Rothschild getting on TV, giving their opinions, running a podcast. You don't see a Medici family running the top podcast in the world. Now, having said that, the Medici and the Rothschild is playing a different game. Right? They're in, they're indirectly part of the establishment, of course, because they have they are to the buy global elites. Exactly. Are the definition. Yeah. So, so of the global. Elite. So for for Tate to go out and you keep calling out the heroes of the left over and over and over. And over again, you're taking the ultimate, ultimate risk. This means the speed to stardom is very, very quickly, but the fall could also be very, very quickly by these guys trying to manipulate and take you down. FYI, one of the corruptest countries in the world is Romania. <laughs> you know how many people messaged me yesterday from Romania? Hmm. Listen, this place is corrupt. That lawyer on the Twitter spaces yesterday said the following. He said, everything in Romania is about money. Everything. So if you want to buy them out to get out, you can do it. Mm -hmm. If other countries want to buy Romania, they can do it. If other countries want to call Romania to say, hey, man, you guys got to get this thing scored away or else we're not going to give you the support or we're not going to give you this, 
you have to do it because Romania, who's, who's Romania? Is it a top 20 empire? Is it a top 50 empire? Nobody thinks about Romania as one of the most powerful empires in the world that everybody wants to have a relationship with. Yeah, this ain't, this ain't Rome. No, this, yeah. this is definitely <laughs> Romania. not Romania. So meaning if a place like Romania can be bought to take a guy like this down, that is very possible. Not saying that's what happened. That's very possible. Then, last but not least, I get a message this morning from a guy that's very, very connected in uh, the, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? He's very connected in law and um, FBI, PD, you know, all Department of Department of Justice Extremely qualified guy. I don't want to give exactly what his job okay. is because you know who it is. Okay. He said the following. I saw the interviews last night. Keep this in mind if you talk to him. They have to have probable cause to do the war- to do these warrants. The excuse that somebody made a complaint, an anonymous complaint uh, at that, and they sent a SWAT team to his house is bullshit. Even though it's Romania, they still have laws in the U.S. Embassy, uh, and the U.S. Embassy was involved. I think the embassy put them up to it. Wow. He needs mm-hmm. to find out where the hell and uh, complain from there. Anyways, like meaning he's trying to say it's all it's uh, they all work together. Meaning this this is not accidental not. to do the warrant. Maybe there is a probable cause for it, but also at the same time, U.S. Embassy was involved to go in and taking him down. Weird. So it's a it's a very uh, strange situation going on with this here. So it's not just a one sided story. There's a lot of different sides to it, but everybody jumped to conclusions celebrating. This guy getting arrested. It was like their New Year's came five days before, three days before with this guy getting arrested. Mm-hmm. It was it was weird. And that guy, he reminds you of that, like uh, John Gotti when he was out and everybody was telling him, all the conciliators, they were all like, listen, you're poking at the wrong. He's like, shut up. He's like, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be out. You know, it's a it's a secret thing. You know what I mean? Like he's he, exactly that situation with him. It's like, you poked it, you poked it, just kind of disappear. You can't keep bother, yo, you can't, can't keep messing with governments and they're not going to come after your ass. That's This is a prime example well, of the same shit with Gotti. A couple thoughts. Um, a, a famous story that I always revisit with you that you said, I don't know who you were meeting with. You were meeting with some billionaire and you had a, you had a business idea for this billionaire. And I think condescendingly, but also like affectionately, it was like, Pat, there's two types of people in this world. There's the person who's trying to make their first billion and the person that's already made their billions, the difference between us is I'm just trying to keep my money, a.k.a. the Medici's, the Rothschild's, yeah. these types of people. You're the first type of person. Good luck on your endeavors. I'm going to keep doing me. Yeah. Right? Essentially investing in stocks yeah. or investing in bonds, essentially, yeah. if you want to put it that way. <clears throat> Let's not forget, nobody knew Tate one year ago. No. Okay, unless you're a kickboxer guy. Yeah. Nobody knew Tate whatsoever. Okay, so he's essentially... Working on his first billion, if you know what I mean. So, you know, you in today's society, whether you're good, bad, up or down, it's all about views. It's all about eyeballs. It's all about status. So he's trying to make a name for himself. The problem is what, what this is kind of akin to is like if we all read Greek mythology as a kid. Icarus, you know, mm-hmm. he flew a little too close to the sun and he got burned. Yeah. Um, regarding, I think, Romania, if I may address that, um, I had a conversation with a buddy uh, who lives in Colombia. He was, uh, we were hanging out yesterday. I go, hey, listen, what happened to innocent until proven guilty? He goes, Saz, you live in America. That's a real sweet idea. In Colombia, 
it's guilty until proven innocent. Mm-hmm. Like he told the story of a buddy who got his house taken away from the government and it's taken 10 years Jeez. of legal nonsense to try to get his house back that he's entitled to. So I don't know the framework in Romania, but something tells me in corrupt countries, you can kind of just do what you want to do. Yeah, bro, money the, talks. The, the one thing I will say about Romania, do you think this is a good look or a bad look for the country of Romania? Bad. I would argue that nobody has done more to help tourism and to make Romania popular as it is now than Tate. If Tate didn't live in Romania, You're if he lived here. in Croatia, if he lived in Serbia, if he lived in somewhere in Russia, nobody would be talking about Romania. Of course. Like in a in, and and he's said only good things about Romania. I come here, it's a Christian country. Yes, it's corrupt, but everywhere it's corrupt. This difference is you can pay people off here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I there's nice people, nice women. Like it's it's like almost done the exact same thing that Borat did for Kazakhstan. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody know the Kazakhstan yeah. before, but yeah. the difference is t- Borat kind of yeah, clowned yeah. Kazakhstan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tate did good things for Romania. We're talking about Romania. Bro, he has a casino there. You know how much money the the with taxes that they're gonna get for the country? Are you crazy, bro? Yeah. So he's um, I don't know. Look, I, I here's what I actually want to say. You talked about like the people that. Love Tate, they're coming to his defense. The people that hate Tate are just jumping on it. By the way, now, for whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's anybody out there listening, now is the easiest time ever to shit on Tate. Of course. To pile on, I knew it, he's a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Like, but, like, now is actually where you show conviction and actually show friendship and actually show someone, you know what, you respect. So for me... I'm not believing any of this nonsense. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by my innocent until proven guilty. Good. And I'm we've had a great time with Tate. I have nothing but good things to say about Tate. Are there gonna be some things we disagree upon? Sure. Yeah. I disagree with you. Yeah. You're one of my best friends. Yeah. Same with Pat. <clears throat> but I, I'm not believing any of this nonsense. I, I, I again innocent until proven guilty. Pull up the story I just texted you, Rob. Let's read that Reuters story that just came out an hour ago. I agree with you, Adam. Push for, for sure. So the. <laughs> Oh, by the way, one other very uh, credible lady got on yesterday saying, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, what's her name? Liza, Eliza, something like that. Okay, let me read this article and I'll tell you what she said. Mm-hmm. Ex-kickboxer Andrew Tate detained by Romanian rape and human traffic case. Okay, go down. All right, so uh, Romanian prosecutors asked the Bucharest court on Friday to extend detention on Andrew Tate 30 days. Uh, after the divisive internet personality was arrested on suspicion of human trafficking, Tate, a former kickboxer, uh, and his brother Tate, okay, got that. And uh, anti-organized crime prosecutors have notified the rights and liberties judge with the Bucharest court with a proposal to remand the four suspects for 30 days. The brothers declined to comment on Thursday, but their lawyer confirmed they had been dis- detained. Prosecutors said the Tate brothers have been under criminal investigation since April. The four suspects appear to have created an organized crime group with the purpose of recruiting, housing, and exploiting women by forcing them to create pornographic content meant to be seen on specialized websites for a cost. Go a little lower. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, Prosecutors said they would have gained uh, uh, important sums of money. Prosecutors said they found six women who had been sexually exploited by the suspects. Tate gained notoriety for misogynistic comments and hate speech. He said uh, women are partially responsible for being raped and they belonged to men. 
a number of social media platforms banned Tate, including Twitter, but his account here became active no, again November after the platform was taken over by Elon Musk. In one of his tweets following his return to platform, uh, said he was flying to California to tell Musk he was a legend. Tate appeared to have sent mm -hmm. a tweet on Friday suggesting he had access to his phone and social media while in custody. Early this week, the British national was told to get a life by climate activist Greta Thunberg on Twitter. Okay, we know that whole story, how this mm -hmm. thing takes uh, uh, takes place. But so there are six. So one of these girls uh, uh, who was on the uh, uh, Twitter spaces yesterday said the following. She says, look, you have to keep in mind that I've been dealing with one of the, uh, I've been dealing with one of the uh, individuals that's, uh, uh, making these claims, women, that's making these claims uh, since summer about uh, uh, that she was taken advantage of. And I've been working with her since April or May. This lady said, I, said I, I can't give you all the details. I can't say anything. I can't do this. I can't do that because I'm, you know, I'm representing her. I'm helping her out. But this is real. They have been doing this. And the phrase that was constantly being used yesterday is the following phrase called the lover boy allegation. I don't know if you're familiar with the lover boy allegation. Pull up lover boy allegation. Type in lover boy allegation, which uh, uh, lover boy human. Okay, right there. That's the first one. Yeah, okay. So uh, zoom in so we can read it in. So lover boys or Romeo pimps are human traffickers who usually operate by trying to make young girls or boys fall in love with them. Sometimes they manipulate young people in other ways. Once they have victims under their influence, they exploit them. For instance, in sex industry. Lover boy method changing due to internet and social media. Traditionally, lover boy seduces young, uh, vulnerable girls and boys over a lengthy period of time in order to exploit them sexually. Later on, this practice is being used less and less. Nowadays, lover boys resort more quickly and frequently to threatening their victims using blackmail and violence. The internet and social media are playing an increasing role in this phenomenon, for instance, social media provides lover boys with much greater scope for establishing contact with victims and gathering information about vulnerable boys and girls. This makes it easier for them to force their young victims into the sex industry. So that is the methodology they're saying they used. Yeah, well, uh, if I may, the definite, like the lover, like, listen, I go out in South Beach, I have friends who are good looking dudes, lover boys, like pimp type dudes. What they're describing are sociopaths and yeah. criminals. Yeah. Okay, since when is being a good-looking, suave, methodical dude a bad thing? I think that's actually a good thing. So they're, they're kind of copying and pasting and, and, and a, a, a nice name over actually a very criminal, intensive yeah. type of description. So I don't know, this, this Bro, lover boy have, thing. Have you guys seen, have you go on anything that Dan Blazarian's doing? It's going yeah. to, his, going yeah. to his Instagram. It's Dan Blazarian, Pat, with like 50 yeah. of the hottest, and he's just in the back chilling. They, he just Lover boy. Lover boy. I mean, bro, yeah. like, obviously, and mind you, these girls are getting the notoriety. They're with them. They're on Instagram. All these girls have mm. a massive following everywhere. Everybody's getting paid. He's the, like Adam said, lover boy. He's the playboy, and it's an yeah. image. But like I said, Pat, the it's all, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but it's all cahoots. Everybody, if the U.S. Embassy is involved and they go, bro, go in there, get the cameras, record it. And mind you, when this hit, Pat, it hit every, all my notifications. Bing, 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 mm -hmm. bing, bing, bing. It's a, it's a, it's an effort by everybody all together to try to knock this guy down because he messed me, with them. Let me tell you something about these lover boys, okay? Whatever this is, 
There's exceptions and there are rules, okay? Yeah. Let's talk about the rule, because obviously we can go to exceptions. If you're Dan Bilzerian, mm -hmm. if you're Andrew Tate, for example, if you're Leonardo DiCaprio, if yeah. you're Matthew McConaughey, you're George Clooney, you don't need to resort to this type of fucking nonsense. Yeah. You have girls throwing themselves at you. Yeah. You don't need to induce. You don't need a drug. You don't yeah. need to, like, manipulate. You get what you want. Now, the exceptions, you're fucking scumbag like Bill Cosby or Harvey mm -hmm. Weinstein. Those are the exceptions. But if you're an exceptional dude or you're a high dude of man of status, you don't need to resort to these types of measures. It's just something you don't need to do as a dude. Yeah. The worst dudes out there, the guys that can't get laid, that get no attention from girls, got nothing going on for them. Those are the sociopaths that you need to look out for. Yeah. 100%. Those are the rapists. Those are the criminals. I'm not buying this bullshit. I mean, and Pat, and the beauty, like you said, is that he's lucky that it is Romania, and dude, he has he has money, bro. He's not gonna go to jail for for. I don't think he's gonna go to jail at all. Yeah. Not at all. But that's the problem because I know Pat here, the Rico thing with that like Giuliani and them did, is mm -hmm. that now think about this. If he has somebody in his crew that was being shady, does he get in trouble? So so what they're what they're one of the things you guys said a lot of different things here, so I want to make sure we address this. Lover boy, Hugh Hefner was a lover boy guy. Exactly. Yeah, number okay, one. He's the ultimate lover boy guy. And you don't and you don't think praised. he had accusations? Well, of course. He had women still to this day accusing him of like holding them hostage. He did, but the only difference is he didn't call out climate change activists. He didn't <laughs> exactly. call out exactly. the left. He didn't call out any of this stuff. So th there's a there's a rule of thumb. If you go after the establishment, be ready. Mm -hmm. yep. If you go after the establishment, be ready, especially the louder you are. By the way, yep. there are only a few people loud enough to go after the establishment. One of the guys today that's super loud Elon. is number one is Musk. <laughs> yep. mm -hmm. And Tate's in the top 10 of the loudest against the establishment. We know what happened when Trump went after the establishment. Yep. We're seeing what's going on with Musk going after the establishment. We're seeing what he went after the establishment. Those are a couple things you got to be careful with. Here's a part about what you just said. One of the claims is what they're trying to do, okay, is you know how a lot of times like, well, how come he doesn't come to U.S.? Well, I don't want to come to U.S. I don't want to come to U.S. I don't want to come to U.S. Mm -hmm. One of the claims that one of the lawyers made is they're trying to use this to bring him to U.S. courts to get him to be seen guilty. Mm -hmm. This is an outcome of trying to bring him here. Extradition. To him, yes, to bring him here. And have the U.S. courts hold them accountable, okay? Wow. Because uh, who is he calling out? If you were to take out of the 196 countries or so that we have, give or take, what country does he call out the most? U.S. Not, is there even There's a Western close, society, Western nothing. culture, global Western elite. society yeah. is the first 100%. country he calls out nonstop. He's constantly calling out. Okay. And what's he calling out about the Western society? The, the, like making men into, like making us rigged. And he's, he's basically saying that, you know, when you want to come and let's say take over a country, you got to take the men, get the men out, make them feminine and mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And he's just calling out all the woke shit. Who, you know, the, the, the woke folks don't want to hear that. The left folks don't want to hear that. Of course not. The majority so, of women also don't want to no, hear that. No, no, no. I'm telling you, I, yesterday, the, the amount of uh, uh, DMs that I got, I've never gotten DMs like this. You piece of shit, you oh, this, really? you that, By you the way, might, might as well die. And the you, same nonsense. You know, you, yeah. you, I can't believe you said this, and I can't believe you said that. To me, that's not triple, uh, 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 you know, typical protocol where people message me on stuff like that. But to defend mm -hmm. him, he's that much of a trigger to the left because Greta... Don't forget that that post, that tweet by her got a couple hundred million views mm -hmm. on Twitter. And this is under Musk. Mm -hmm. That thing got a couple hundred million views under Twitter. What does that tell you? She's got a following. Of course. She's got influence. 
people actually want to sit there and believe that she's right. And by the way, thank God she's 19 years old because some people would come back and said, you're going after a minor, right. yeah. but she's 19 years old. So it's not like she's a, we all know her as 12 years old or 15 yeah. years old. She's no longer 15 years old. She's mm -hmm. 19 years old today. So yeah, they're trying to bring him to the States to, that's what a lot of people said. They're trying to bring him out here, but we'll see. It, it, here's where I think Tate message gets lost in translation. So when we sat with him, I said, what's the number one reason you thought you were canceled? He goes, I already know. I already know. Because I asked it, I'm like, if, is it masculinity? Is it toxic masculinity? Is it chauvinism? Is it calling out the system? Is it calling out the matrix? Is it male self-improvement? He's like, I already know. Uh, the reason I got canceled is because I call out the establishment. I call out the matrix. They don't want to hear what I have to say. But if you talk about takes messaging, um, I believe there's three major um, themes that he talks about. So number one is he's called out the matrix and the system and everything and the global elite that comes with that. Cool, fair. We just addressed that. Number two is what he's labeled as a misogynist or a chauvinist and toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how he's labeled. Like if you look at any article out there, any headline, it's male chauvinist, Andrew Tate, you know, toxic masculinity, Andrew Tate. And that's kind of what he's framed as. But if you actually peel back the onion and you actually listen to what Tate's saying and not taking it little sound bites, all he's talking about at the end of the day is male self-improvement. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially everything that we stand for here at Valuetainment. That's everything that we that I talk about here is no matter what you're doing in life as a man, there's always room for self-improvement. Personal responsibility, being positive, whether that's being stronger, faster, cooler, wealthier, doper, sexier, everything is about status. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when it comes to self-improvement here, I'm going to go on a little rant for a second. The, the number one thing that a man can have is status. There's three types of status that a man can reach. There's number one wealth. Okay. And everything that comes with wealth, money, success, ambition, your network, everything that you collect resources, that's number one part of status. Number two is attractiveness as a man. Status, so meaning you're good looking, you're in shape, you're 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 suave, you're you um, you dress well, like Jordan Peterson talks about dressing in suits yeah. and looking like a man. So that is attractiveness. Women obviously like dudes with six packs and muscle, like mm -hmm. that's part of that. And then the third one is having game. Now everyone, there's different types of game out there that can improve your status. So whether it's you're you're funny, you're a comedian, you're clever, you're witty, you um, you're romantic, you like you're kind, whatever it is, that's your game. Now here's the deal. If you're in the top 10% of any of those three categories, you will get women and you and women will come to you. Mm -hmm. What do I mean? If you've got a ton of money, I don't care if you look like yeah, we've seen Jeff it. Bezos, yeah. women are going to be attracted to you. Number two, if you're an attractive guy, you're in shape, you're a good looking dude, like that's done. Like no matter how much money you have, you're going to get women. If you've got game, whether you're a funny comedian or whether you're a suave dude, a romantic, sing, a dumb, yeah. whatever it is, whatever your skill set is, if you're in the top 10% of any of those three categories, you'll get women. Now, to put this all together, like Tate would do, he would say, keep working on all three. Make your money. Work your ass out. Improve your game. Learn how to talk to women. You know, famously in the red pill community, what he's, he's a part of, it's money, muscles, game, and hold frame. Mm -hmm. So... Again, back to my initial point. Yes, he talks about the system and he talks about people label him as a misogynist and a, and a toxic masculinity. But at the end of the day, I think the reason that he's resonated with so many dudes is he's like, nobody's coming to save you, bro. Yeah. Nobody's walking in this door. You need to do it yourself. Keep improving. Keep working. Outwork, out-strategize, out-improve, out-last. And 
That's his messaging. But nobody wants to talk about that. So if you like this clip and you want to watch another one, click right here. And if you want. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. Jason Burmis. This is Red Voice Media. And remember, you can get the second hour exclusively, at least the video, over at redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. This is America. And today, although we are going to have our usual raucous amount of clips, probably going to end up doing a uh, watch-along with the case for population control with Paul Eric uh, Elric, uh, 1970 documentary, which, again, there, there are times where it's very bland, but it lets you know even then what the agenda was. You're bad. You're a human. We need to save the earth. We're ruining the earth. Oh, humans are bad for the earth. And Elric is also a uh, the author... I believe with his wife, of The Population Bomb, which is now more than 50 years old. And, you know, it's this idea that we have to restrict human life. And there's a, a lot of talk back then uh, about birth control in particular because you go back 50-plus years, and that's still a controversial issue. And look, I've never beat my chest about women, you know, not being able to take birth control. I've never made abortion the issue here. Another thing that I don't really talk about too much is uh, the border and migration in a lot of cases. We're going to talk about all of those things today, okay? And you might like what I have to say. You might not like what I have to say. Hopefully, we can have the discussion. But before that, I mean, I, <laughs> there's, there are several things about America that I really want to hit on, okay? And the first thing, I, I thought that I'd start the show 
with uh, the absurdity of America, and in particular, the Waffle House. Yes, the Waffle House. Now, if you've never eaten at a Waffle House, I'm not going to say count your lucky Yeah, you know how how far in it is? No. I was looking at it and I can't find. Doesn't look like there's anything about it. Right there in the agenda. middle. Okay. It's hard to find whether or not where he talks about. True colors and what they were. Maybe we have to go to Red Voice Media to get that part. Yeah, that is unfortunate. When I heard him say that, now I was like, oh shit, it might be behind Period. that table instead of Ralph. For my. Well. Let him play for a minute, and then we'll bring him back. We'll go. I, I, I know my audience out there gets it, but there are so many people, again, that are in that Waffle House me, me, me mentality. They just can't do it. They can't do it. Okay? So, uh, again, it's reality rants. We went on another big rant there. Let's let Ron Paul talk about the FBI. Uh, you know, most of our history, we didn't didn't have those institutions. The FBI came in uh, during the First World War. And interestingly enough, the one thing that Woodrow Wilson did, he used the FBI to spy on American citizens and actually arrest them if they disagreed with his foreign policy about going to war in Europe. And isn't it interesting how recent they used it in the Vietnam era? Democrats used it there, and Republicans used the FBI to spy on a hundred different groups in this country, including the churches who disagree with the policy in uh, Central America. It almost looks like the FBI was designed to spy on Americans who might be disagreeing uh, with policy, especially the foreign policy. So the FBI, although I don't think I could condemn everything they've ever done, because I'm sure uh, some of the investigations and investigation of crime uh, has been beneficial, but that could be accomplished through Justice Department within our states. We wouldn't reject that uh, portion of it. But I think the, the FBI has uh, kept and continues to keep a lot of records on a lot of individuals. The CIA has only been here since 1947. Their record is lousy. I mean, just think of the CIA used by the Democratic uh, administration to... You know, not just the Democrats, but you look at the FBI. He mentioned Woodrow Wilson. Um, There's an interesting quote from Woodrow. I I didn't plan on playing it here today, but we're going to play it. Why not? We we can do that. It's going to be tough because... Usually when I cue this up over here, and we'll do it live, um, when I do it right, Invisible Empire sits right at the top. So let's see. Let's see if we can't get Invisible Empire up here and get that quote from Wilson because Wilson felt like he was used. See, this is the craziest thing, man. I mean, look how this works. Look how shadow banned I am for myself. <laughs> I'm signed in, all right, and I type in the title, Invisible Empire, all right, the, the, you know, the movie, I wonder if I type in a New World Order to final come and I can't even to co- have it come up. Instead, Barbie's big brother from 12 years ago, <laughs> a minute and 36 video is the first video that comes up? I mean, come on, give me a break. Invisible, or I'm sorry, let's do a, a new world order defined. World order defined. Can we get, there we go. There we go. I, I guess Invisible Empire, just just too tough. Too tough indeed. So it's towards the beginning for sure. Let's see what we got here. Um, 
let's see. He and basically he says there's a power so great that when somebody speaks about it, they dare not speak about it above their breath. All right, period, because it is a power. Let's see. There's uh, the corny. Uh, it's got to be coming up right here. Since I entered politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacture are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. Oh, oh, all the way back then. Been a long time coming. A long time coming. So now the question is, do we just go over news stories for the next 15 minutes and then uh, do the case for population control with Paul Ehrlich on the premium side? We might have to do that because I do have a ton. And and the Bella Thorne clip I wanted to play, okay, because we're talking about this is America and this is the culture. We've got a culture not only of vanity and one that is self-serving, but one that is so enticed and enthralled with celebritards, okay, that we give Hollyweird and the entertainment industry in general a pass on abusing children, especially when we talk about staples within children's entertainment via things like Nickelodeon and Disney. And disclaimer, warning, the whole nine, it's a minute-long clip. Bella Thorne curses a lot in this. And Bella Thorne, I I believe she, I'm, I'm not sure if she started her own porn company, but she directed pornography um, a lot of people don't like her. She's you put out Instagram posts where she's in scantily clad things. Pause it. This is <clears throat> that's a good part of the broadcast. You guys should listen to it. Uh, but it's getting past four a.m. And since he did bring up the Invisible Empire quote, I said, you know, I remember when I was incredulous when I saw that part of the movie, and then at one point I went out with my incredulity to the market and I bought a first edition. Of the New Freedom by Woodrow Wilson. This is the London publication from 1913. And it has the quote that Jason just referenced here, right here. Since I've entered politics, I've chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce manufacturer are afraid of somebody, are afraid of something. They know that there is a power, a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. They know that America is not a place of which it can be said as it used to be that a man may choose his own calling and pursue it just as so far as his abilities enable him to pursue it. Because today, if he enters certain fields, there are organizations which will use means against him that will prevent him from building up a business that they don't want to have built up. Organizations that will see fit, see to it that the ground is cut from under him and the markets shut to him. Now, they're not talking about Kanye and they're not talking about Andrew Tate. This is back in 1913. And that was Woody Wilson, who later uh, became president of the United States, took us into World War One along with his British counterpart. Uh, Lord Grey, and they lied America. Signed the Federal Reserve Act. Now, now I did have another question about the date of origin of the FBI. So let me just go to the history blueprint real quick. 
Well, let's nail that down because Ron Paul is talking about back in World War One, and I was pretty sure that the Federal Bureau of Investigation was created in it's so many entries over here to find it. 1908, okay. at least in the wiki. July 26, 1908 oh. is what they claim. Let me just see what I can find here. Can I find FBI? I don't have it connected to FBI. So let's connect it to FBI. FBI. Oh, how about if I do Fed Bureau investigation? Usually I have it listed. Yeah, I thought FBI came from FBN. According to the wiki, I'm not saying, I mean, obviously, there's a link back here. But does the FBI was established in 1908 as the Bureau of Investigation, the BOI or BI for short? Its name was changed to the Federal Bureau of Investigation in 1935 and its headquarters, the J. Edgar Hoover Building. That's just what, you know, standard wiki says. Oh, here it is. Here's what I got. <clears throat> it's in here 1908 to present. So I shouldn't yeah, I shouldn't second guess Ron Paul. That's the lesson there. I should have just listened to him. But no, if I listened to him and assumed, then I wouldn't know this useful date. It is pre-World War One. You know what else? There was a couple of things going in 1908. That's when the Warburg brothers had bought all three people in the election, I'm pretty sure, according mm-hmm. to their Ron Chernow family biography. You can find that in there. But yeah, interesting. I'm you know, glad that uh, I, I cleared that up. Yeah, because I think I made a mistake a couple of year, a couple of weeks ago. Because I thought Jager Hoover was in charge of FBI since its inception, but I don't place him as being there in 1908. I place him as being there like in the 1920s to the 1970s. He had a 50 year career ish, right? right? Yeah. So I guess there were some directors and he's of the FBI one who popularized or came up with the idea of CoIntel Pro. If I remember correctly, it's been a while. Or yeah, here's Contel Pro surveillance. Yeah. yeah. Clyde Tolson. Was... Yeah, there's a lot of this uh Jagger Hoover stuff and Whitney Webb's One Nation under blackmail. Yeah, 1956, 1971. Basically, the FBI FBI used covert operations against domestic political groups. However, covert operations on the official Coentel Pro label took place between 1956, 1971. Many of the tactics used in Coentel Pro are alleged to have seen continued use including discrediting targets through psychological warfare smearing individuals and groups using forged documents and by planning false reports in the media harassment wrongful imprisonment illegal violence and assassination i have an answer for you here you go sounds a lot like what the fbi is still doing jagger hoover was an american law enforcement administrator who served as the first director of the fbi okay now get this he was appointed director to the bureau of investigation the FBI's predecessor in 1924. So 1924, FBI didn't exist. It was the Bureau of Investigation. It was instrumental in founding the FBI in 1935. I was thinking it was 1936, so I was a year off, where he remained director for another 37 years until his death in 1972. So he worked for Bureau of Investigation, and then between World War I and World War II, they created FBI. So this is only 10-year predecessor to CIA. This is well within the Anglo-American establishment's grip on America because within three years of this, they're running British security coordination out of Rockefeller Center with Hoover knowing that they're doing that. They also had blackmail on Hoover because of the Meyer Lansky organization starting in 1930s with MI6. So there's, yeah, there's a little bit more to be 
looked into. And so, yes, trust but verify, Ron Paul. That's the lesson there. All right, good, good, good. Now we're moving toward the runway. We can see the lights on the tarmac lining up. LD, are we rounding up uh, people we need to thank? And as far as other stories, Tony, I had the 15-minute cities, World Economic Forum. We could there's we could play two clips. That are, one's John Down and one's Greg Reese that would cover, I think, the last two things that would have to be covered if we want to. Actually, right, both, let's are, Greg, do both are Greg Reese, actually. One's... Um, one is talking about what was a potential intermission piece that uh, NLD was talking about with Amin Jabi. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Amin Jabi. Jabi. Um, talking about the digital panopticon. Um, Greg Reese did a good sort of break, three-minute breakdown or four-minute breakdown of that. And then he also has another one of the 15-minute cities and right to travel. So we could probably just play those back-to-back -back and co that would cover essentially the whole gamut of... All right, cool. So we'll use those two videos to play us out. And then we'll just go to... Uh... Who do we have to thank beyond our fantastic members? And then I'll have a report next week if we made it over 1,025 members in this week. All right. I, asked I don't have an answer yet, so we'll find out by next week. Well, I did send an order off to Lauren, who was our 1,000th subscriber. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy your swag. Oh, by the way, um, Town Hall this Tuesday. Yes, sir. So, uh, if you want to participate in the town hall grandtheftworld.com top right hand corner pick your donation tier and we're back to a normal town hall schedule so it should be fun and we'll utilize a new form for a discussion um i know there's people who can participate but can't go on mic so i real time people will be talking in the town hall chat so um we'll utilize a new form for that it's like a members summit as much as it is a town hall yeah it's a town hall for members exactly let your voice be heard. Enjoy the fruits of membership. It's one of them. The book club's another. There's many, many, many fruits of the, the membership. So more value than is asked. That's the deal. All right. All right, LD. Racking it up. All right. We got, uh, yeah, big thanks. Huge thanks to the Grand Theft World community, the members that support us. And a big thanks tonight to the Rockfin Tippers, Nick the Sound Guy. $5 being a sound guy. I know what sound is supposed to sound like. That's why I listen to all my favorite thought criminals on my JM Audio Editions headphones I got from jmaudioeditions.com. Thank you, Nick. Good, uh, hey. good tip. Thank you, Nick. Jake Thank you, Sheen. Nick, John Massari as well. Awesome headphones. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, John uh, Massari. I got, uh, look, I got this. This is signed to Grand Theft World. Here we go. This is, this is what Nick was just tweeting about. This is uh, Grand Theft World. This is a custom set that John made. And uh, yeah, that's what I listen to when I'm not on set. That's what I listen to to listen to good music on. There you go, Johnny. Thank you for the super chat, Nick. My sound guy for many, many of those missions. And we had Jake Sheen, $5. Whenever Ian Fleming has mentioned this 80s punk song plays in my head, it is 007 first song on this album. It's at ilovebigmistake.com. Uh, haven't checked that out. Uh, love to see the size this crowd has gotten in 
just a short while. Happy 2023 to all of the people that make this happen. Thank you, Jake. Uh, Teresa M, $5. Thank you. Ross Guy, $5. Thank you. Hemp Car, Hemp Car, $20. Thank you very much. Arem tips $50. Said Happy New Year. Thank you, Arem. Star by Child Light, $5. Thank you for what you're doing. And Jake Sadiq, $5. Thanks for bringing me confidence and helping me seek autonomy. Thanks for allowing me to justify how I think, how I feel, and what I want for myself and the world. All the best for next year. And last but not least, B1, $5. A happy new year to you all. And for you, a message if you can read. I am grateful and thankful for you all and for the food we have to feed. Wisdom says, never mind the greed. Take only what you need. Hold your loved ones tight for tomorrow is not guaranteed. Right on. Thank you, B1. Thanks, everybody, and and, uh, Happy New Year. Hope it's a prosperous, healthy one for you. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, this is a it's a good workout tonight. We covered a lot of news, and we're gonna. I feel like there's gonna be even like a a surge of news in the next week because the holidays are over and the investigations are gonna begin. So, uh, LD, Tony, Cody, everyone in the control room, thank you guys uh, for the ride tonight. And for you at home, we got two special clips. We got uh, John Bowne, Greg Reese, back to back, and uh, thank you all too- for. Yeah, go ahead. Too great. It's two Greg Reese, my bad. Two oh, Greg two Greg Reese. Reese. Yeah. Double double scoop of Greg Reese. Reese's pieces here. And with that, uh, thank you guys all for tuning in and not dropping out. Here's a double scoop of Reese to play us out. We'll see you next week, Sunday night, 9 p.m. ish Eastern time. Peace. Have a good night, everyone. Happy New Year. Aman Jabi has worked in Silicon Valley for 28 years. His background includes work on deep technologies that are involved in the new digital prison system being designed by big tech. In 2020, he moved to Montana and became a whistleblower, warning the public of the very real threat about to be unleashed upon us all, known by many as the Mark of the Beast system. Aman explains how accepting the digital ID is the basic premise behind it all. So by default, a digital identity implies that you are always in a digital prison. Since you have a digital identity and you're in a prison, you are by default a criminal. So we don't trust you. Just like the old system, this new one is also voluntary. And you are supposed to know that it's a digital prison that you are voluntarily signing up for. And the reason for this is because in this new system, having a digital ID will be proof that you are a criminal. Because having a digital ID means that you are in a digital prison. And because you accepted it, you must be a criminal. Because of this, there is a new protocol being introduced with this system known as Zero Trust How is zero trust going to be used? Here's a lady, she wants to go and buy some beef, but let's say her carbon footprint or her beef footprint for the month has been exceeded, that door won't open. This digital prison is sneaking up on us all. There is no need for an implanted chip because everything is being done with facial recognition. 
which is already plugged into the entire system. America already has more cameras per capita than communist China, and our social credit score is already being logged. All we need at this point is a series of events that lead us all into having to make the choice of either accepting the new digital ID or saying no. Since the COVID lockdowns, new state-of-the-art LED lights have been replacing streetlights in cities throughout the West. Aman explains that this is all part of the plan. These lights will be connected to everything, including your phone and your car. And in new cars, that includes 16 different cameras with LiDAR and sonar. These lights are being outfitted with LED incapacitators, which is a light technology that was first announced 15 years ago, back when it caused enough brain damage to make a person sick. Another strange weapon in the final stages of development is able to mount an all-out barrage on the optic nerve. The LED incapacitator was developed under the auspices of the Department of Homeland Security for the purposes of creating what we call a non-lethal defense system. And uh, this technology consists of a bright set of LED technology, light-emitting diodes, uh, that is designed to create a sort of temporary blindness, meaning temporary ability to not be able to see the person who we're trying to protect. If aggressors caught in its bright pulsating glare don't shield their eyes or turn away quick enough, temporary blindness isn't the only effect they'll feel. The first time I saw the LED, I was in a darkened room, and within three or four seconds, I had reached forward and grabbed a hold of a lab bench because I was feeling a little bit uh, uh, dizzy or disoriented. The device's combination of different colors and random flashes can induce psychophysical effects, including vertigo and possible nausea. It's been nicknamed the puke light. It's been 15 years, and our Silicon Valley whistleblower believes that this technology is now capable of killing people. Ultimately, we can say no to this. But if there's a critical mass that doesn't sign on to the digital ID, then this agenda gets weakened substantially. But we will have to first unify and come together. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. The 15-minute cities that everyone is talking about now is the Great Reset's trendy new name for open-air prison camps. The idea is to corral everyone into neighborhoods small enough to walk from one end to the other in 15 minutes. Everything you need within a half-mile radius so that you'll never, ever have to leave. These Dutch cities are banning petrol and diesel delivery vehicles to tackle air pollution and climate change. From 2025, all deliveries must be made in electric vehicles in 14 cities across the Netherlands. It will prevent CO2 emissions equivalent to taking 216,000 cars off the road. And businesses will get to help make the switch with grants of 5,000 euros towards an electric van or lorry. The cities implementing zero emission zones include Amsterdam and Tilburg. Other areas around the world are also banning exhaust fumes. In the U.S., Santa Monica has set up a voluntary zero emission delivery zone. The U.K.'s first zero emission street 
has opened in central London. Beach Street will be closed to polluting vehicles for 18 months. The scheme could expand into London's financial district in 2022. What's your city doing to encourage cleaner, climate-resilient transport? Brought to you by people who want to keep you in a 15-minute prison city. The World Economic Forum. I'm the tyrannical lisp. While the post-edit tyrannical lisp voiceover is satire, it still reflects the truth. The Great Reset is pure fascism, hiding behind an effeminate homosexual veneer. Perhaps this is because some people see it as harmless, and others are rendered silent out of fear of being called homophobic. Or maybe fascism is just queer. Whatever the reason, there is nothing harmless about the Great Reset. The perpetrators of this outrageous plan are marketing it with a gentle tone, telling you that you will eat healthy, stay active, get around, and enjoy the outdoors in your tiny little open-air prison camp. These organizations are telling you that there isn't enough room for you because you are the reason that Mother Earth is sick. This is the subtext convincing people to not have children and persuading them to castrate the ones they have. Comfortable lies for the fearful. And those with the courage to see the truth can see that this is just an accounting issue. We the people are seen as livestock, looked down upon as useless eaters by godless psychopaths who want a more manageable herd to exploit for their own selfish desires, who want us to own nothing and be happy and eat the bugs. This plan was officially announced in 2015 and made actionable in 2017 with the goal of accomplishing most of it by 2030. Paris is being celebrated for leading the charge on the trendy new 15-minute city prison camps. But they are not alone. Melbourne, Australia is building theirs. And in America, New York City, Los Angeles, and Cleveland are doing the same. The right to travel is not in the Bill of Rights. In the past, the courts have ruled that this presumed right is firmly established in U.S. law. But things have changed. Today, we are at risk of losing it all. And if we don't stand up for our own freedom, then who will? Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Conspiracy is a story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at grandtheftworld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there.